to the Hawk's Nest live stream show. My name is Brandon Kane, and we've got an emergency stream on deck. Calling all cars, calling all cars. Who's on the bat signal? Come on, people. We've got an emergency here. The Seattle Seahawks have truly signaled their intentions this early offseason period with a mighty big swing of a deal here today. Geno Smith, the NFL's comeback player of the year, a man who turned his career around on a dime after a long, nearly 10-year wait from his first opportunity at starting in the NFL, sees himself receiving a three-year, $105 million deal, reportedly of which $52 million is bonus money, meaning in pocket, in hand, immediately. And boy, you know I've got to do a stream over this because this is not merely just a signing of a quarterback. This is also going to be an indication of what the Seahawks are going to do in the near future here. And I maybe perhaps am off out on a limb with this one, but I'll be interested to see if perhaps maybe my chat and where you guys stand out there in the comment section stand on this one as well as if you're feeling this same sort of situation, because I think it does come down to one of two things with this signing. First off, it's going to come down this, this first year of this cap hit to a place where you're not going to necessarily be able to lower the first year hit, which is what maybe people will be talking about a little bit with this deal is, okay, well, maybe they structured it. We're hearing nothing about any void year. It's a three-year contract, as we all suspected it would be. Gino is 32 years old. He will be 33 in October. So this does boil down in that way. So $52 million is what we're hearing guaranteed money or around $50 million. Let's call it, just call it 50, I guess, for a nice round number. Now that boils down to when you take that, you split that in three ways. And now you um, have that down to about, what, six to $17 million. But then you also have to add on, even if they lower down his base money to a bare minimum for his vet minimum, being a guy 10 years in the league, then that means it's going to cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $18, $19 million on this year's cap. So this deal is not one which has been structured in a way where Seattle can necessarily now maximize this year's cap space. You are feeling a little bit of the pain immediately now and equally throughout the portion of the contract. The upside of which with this though is that it then opens the door for year three for the Seahawks to get out from under the deal without substantially having to suffer a, a massive dead money hit at that time. It'll be a little bit of dead money if they want to do it at that point, but the cap is also going to be up around probably 255, 260, as far as where it will be sitting. Now, we've had a lot of discussion on this channel about, you know, what is where I stand on this contract and what I'd like to see personally from this deal. And certainly it's Hawks Nest, I'm Brand, this is my channel. I, I, I'm going to have a perspective with this stuff. And I'm really have been drawn more and more to the thought process of, of trying to stick just a little bit harder to the old blueprint at hand. I think there might be some mitigating factors that aren't allowing Seattle to necessarily stick to the blueprint purely, but I'm not a big fan of going back and spending this kind of big money on a quarterback. And indeed $35 million a year on average is big money. Um, you know, you will be able to lower down this first year hit to maybe that $20 million mark or just under $20 million mark, which won't be a substantial cost for Geno Smith giving you above average play at the position, which I think is pretty reasonable to consider that he will give you that. But 
35 million a year, you're paying these quarterbacks. I've often cited it. You guys see it whenever you watch a playoff game at the end of the year. It's been it's been a meme that the that the networks will show up year after year of these top paid quarterbacks. And you look through the list of guys who don't make the playoffs, or if they make the playoffs, their team seems to be good for just one and done. Like that's as far as they can kind of get. That's as far as they can kind of go. And that's always given me a little bit of hesitancy going back and spending that money on this kind of quarterback like the Seahawks are here. But as I said, there's a lot of factors coming into play here that don't just make this a decision about Seattle purely looking at the old blueprint and saying, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do exactly what we did to bring in with Russell Wilson. We're going to build out the super team. We'll add in the young quarterback as the final element. Bump it, bump it, bump. You know, you, you return back to the Super Bowl. Hopefully everything's great. That's what I had thought that they would be leaning a little bit more towards. What I think might be pushing this is two other things. Number one, how long is Coach Carroll looking to coach this team going forward? The man is well up in age. There aren't a lot of coaches in this new model of NFL that are all about really bringing in younger guys, not going for older guys. That seems to be the trend as much as anything else. How much longer does he want to continue to do it? It doesn't look like he's slowed down. I'm not anticipating any kind of retirement from Coach Carroll. But certainly it would be understandable if he was looking right now to get while the getting's good, you know, that he doesn't want to sit through a slow rebuild, that indeed if there are ways for him to speed this up a bit, he's going to try to speed it up a bit. And so I don't think that he's necessarily was in that neighborhood of saying, okay, give me the rookie quarterback and we'll kind of make our way through this next year. And then hopefully that rookie by year two will be, be ready to take us forward, but we might take to the year three. How much longer am I going to do this? I think a little bit of that factored in. And I've, I've often thought Carroll will be a guy that they're going to have to drag off the football field in order to get him to stop coaching. But at the same point in time, uh, I'm sure that he, he knows that the, the end is not necessarily far away. And if I was in his shoes, that would certainly propel me to say, hey, John, yeah, let's, let's keep Gino. Let's, get this, let's, let's, let's really try for this next year. So I think that's the first part of this. And then it's also kind of doubly informed by the potential sale of the team which could be very well happening in a year from now. You've got right now Bezos chomping at the bit to try to get to that Washington team, right? With all that Amazon money. He's just coming, come on. He's like, here, Dan, here, Dan. And Dan's like, no, you wrote about me in the Washington Post. The hell with you. It's like, no, look at all this extra money. Here's another billion. I don't care. I don't care about your money. I wanted to still own the team. I wanted to own it. Dan, you're a pervert. Come on. Okay, no, not to you. Not to you, never. I see, you know, it's kind of something like that, you know. Uh, so Bezos is going to bounce around then next to the to the next team that he's going to want to go with. Um, and that means that it's going to be Seattle and the crosshairs after that, which means that that sale could get very aggressive very quickly if it breaks down that way. And so very much with John Schneider and Coach Carroll, there could be an acknowledgement from both of them. They're looking at the situation going, hey, we might only have one more year here. New owner might come in and they might be like, I like Bezos, you know? What have you, what have you guys done lately? What have you guys done lately? Hmm? Rebuild? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Rebuild. Sweet. Yeah. I'm going to get somebody else. So maybe there's a little bit of the, the feeling of urgency, sense of urgency uh, from, from both of them to go, hey, let's, we want to keep this thing going. We want to keep this thing rolling. We've got, we, you know, we kind of got a little fire lit last year. It's not a full on bonfire, but it's at least campfire size. Now let's expand this thing out a little bit. So I think those are also parts of that to impact this, that push them away from going back to that old blueprint. I do think that it's going to be very challenging 
for the general manager, the front office, for Coach Carroll, the development, all that type of stuff, for them to just hope that they can kind of get this all done through the draft. Because you look right now with what Seattle had, and remember when you're factoring in their cap space, factor in how much all of those rookies cost. When you have 10 picks in the draft, as cheap as some of those back-end picks are, when you stack all that together and as expensive as the guy can be at number five, you put that all together, that's a pretty pretty large cost at $16 million. And that comes off your cap. And then with Geno's deal, and then with Jason Myers' deal, and then with Phil Haynes' deal, and then with Nick Ballore's deal, I would be mightily surprised at this point if you see your Seahawks making any kind of inroads out there into free agency. You will, you will definitely probably at this point be back into looking at guys tier two, maybe best case scenario, but maybe more likely wave, wave three free agents, you know? And unless, unless, and they, I don't want to get to dreaming like this until I see some proof that they're going to do this, but unless they just go the full Ram route this year. And they're like, could be our last year. Get all the chips. Come on, get them all together. Hold on, we're getting them all together, you know? And then, then they, they start sacrificing future space because they're, they're trying to make it happen now, which... Sign me up for that. Honestly, uh, if they want to go that route, sign me up for that. I know that gives a lot of people some hesitancy by, by taking that approach. But look, you're not signing Geno Smith because you're not intending to try to go for it this next year. You're not signing Geno Smith because you want, to, you want to slow play a rebuild here. You're signing Geno Smith as an indication that you truly believe as an organization that you can go out there and win a Super Bowl with Geno Smith. And you may laugh at that or scoff at that or be a believer in that. But whatever you may think, this is an indication that the front office believes this way. Or it's just a public relations move meant to salve the, the fan base into believing that, you know, they are trying to compete when they're not really trying to compete. But, you know, hey, we're kind of making it look like we are, right? It kind of looks like we are. But I, I'm not going to read it for that right now in such a skeptical outlook of things. To me, I'm going to read it more into John Schneider and Coach Carroll looks at this NFC and they look at their division and they go, yeah, maybe the, again, like with the blueprint, maybe that, well, there is a pull to go back to our, to our original blueprint of the 2012 and to kind of just, again, take the time with it. But also, also in 2012, we didn't have a Geno Smith-like quarterback already on the roster. You know, that was, that's the one kind of, you know, little bit of a difference. And then 2012, you look at it too, you go, man, the NFC maybe wasn't as wide open as it is right now. Our division isn't as wide open as it is right now. Niners are going to be very tough, no doubt about it, though they do have a very large question mark over their quarterback position and what's going to happen there, certainly, which impacts everything for that team as we saw in this playoffs with them against the Eagles. And then you, of course, do have, yes, the Eagles there. But then what else do you have in the NFC? Who's who's really the the, the team that you need to be scared at in this conference? AFC's got some guys stacked up that I, if they were over here in the NFC, it'd be a much different tale. If we had another Cincinnati over here, if we had another Kansas City over here, those, those kind of teams in our conference, you might be looking at this different, but instead now you go, well, wait, why, why wait? Why not go pedal down right now? And speaking just from personal want in this situation and what I hope for, and if I had Coach Carroll sitting in front of me right now and John Schneider sitting in front of me right now, and I was looking to try to talk to them and say, okay, you're making this deal. And I had hesitancies to want to see you up at 35 million. And I'm not changing that now. I'm not saying that now this is something that makes me love this deal. I'm not moving off the dime spot on this. I'm going, okay. Okay, touche. You guys have made this move. You've signed a kicker for big money. 
You signed to Nick Ballore to get your special teams tight, 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 tight. Now, what are you going to do next? Are you going to go for it? Because it, indications with a deal like this are that you're going to go for it. Or are you going to soft play this? Are you going to half-ass it? Are you going to half-measure this go-for-it-compete approach? I don't know. I'm not making predictions. I'm just telling you folks, I think that's the key to the question out here. Because I tell John and I tell Pete, there's maybe one year left on this. And maybe Jody, Jody tries to stretch this thing out a couple years in the sale and she manages to do that because she's the executor and she has that kind of control and she can pull that off. But absent that, let it roll right now. Coach Carroll, you're not getting any younger. You're not going to be on this field that much longer. I was on, on board with going, go rebuild, get your young quarterback, stay cheap at the position, take this slow. I was not egging on this to be brushed or have a, a sense of urgency to this, but this is a sense of urgency deal. And if that's the case, then go for it. Push the button all the way down. Otherwise, the move doesn't make any sense. Otherwise, you're treading water a little bit with this. Because if now if you operate into free agency and you say, well, we're up against the cap. We got to pay our rookies. Here comes the wave three guys. Bring in Bobby and then we'll just call it a day. Hope the young guys to develop. Hope our rookies can come in and have the same kind of a similar impact to what these guys did last year. It's a hard pathway and approach to see necessarily working out in a, in a Super Bowl route. It feels like there will be needing to be extra beyond that if they're going to hope to accomplish that. And that's the thing I would hope if those guys were in front of me, I'd, I hope you guys are doing it this way. I hope you're going all into that path and that road going, hey, time's great to strike right now. We got the picks. We'll take our players. And what I'm, what I'm talking about here is the, the creation of cap space. What I'm talking about here is to artificially push some stuff down the road, give it to the next new owner, and try to go for now. Because you could have taken the patient, patient approach could have taken the slow route. Everybody in the Seahawks fandom would have completely supported him in that. Everybody would say, hey, Gino won 35. That's, you can't go 35. We get it. Take your go back to your go back to your roots here within the Seahawks organization back what a decade ago. Go back to that, John. We get it. We understand. All of us would have nodded and 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 went, I smart approach. Who are we to question you at this point? And I'm not questioning right now. I'm just asking for more. I'm asking for this not to be the, the end-all be-all signing for what they do, or that Bobby Wagner becomes the end-all be-all for agent signing out there for what we do this offseason. And if you're going to go this hard, and you're going to go for an in-the-moment move now, then find a way to make more of those moves happen so that you can put up a team that can truly compete with the Niners. Not kind of hang in there with them for a couple of quarters. Not get beat three times in a single year to them but be able to truly compete. I hope this team does that. This is a, a deal that is, is definitely going to draw a lot of fans out in a lot of variety of ways. But at the end of the day, the nice thing can be for this, no matter where you stand on this deal, no matter what you think about Gino, that, that's the part that I want people to go to, hopefully in their mind with this, is to look at it and go, it is an indication that the team is truly going to go try to compete next year. There's a question mark over this next year with where they stood and what they might do with Gino and how they might pivot. Well, the pivot is back to pushing this. So whether you believe in Gina or not, 
You get to at least rest easy tonight as a Seattle Seahawks fan, knowing your team's going to truly try to go out there and compete for a Super Bowl next year. And that is damn exciting. Now, as far as Geno goes last year, he is coming off setting franchise records in completions, passing attempts, completion percentage. So he had a tremendous year last year. There is no doubt about it. He has earned that contract. It would be nice to get another year of production, but certainly there was going to be some other team out there in the NFL that would have paid this deal if the Seahawks didn't, especially if they didn't franchise tag him. He had a bit of a tale of two years last year. I'm going to kind of show this with a Aaron Schwartz football outsider stat here over my shoulder a little bit that kind of does tell the tale where you can see through weeks one through five, he was um, moving over here away from the deal here a little bit. Weeks one through five, he was 33.9% uh, in DVOA, 7.58 net yard per play, playing tremendously out of his mind. Week six through 13, still at a, a pretty high level, but starting to dip down a bit, obviously, but 6.66 net yard per play as well. So still you know, at a, a very good level. And then week 14 through 18, of course, the bottom drops out negative 17.3% on his past DVOA, and then all the way down to 5.14 net yards per play. So is Gino more of what he was last year at the start? Is he more of what he was at the end? Well, that's the place we're going to be probably debating throughout this stream. My stance on that is that he's maybe somewhere a little bit in the middle. Certainly, the Seahawks didn't have the toughest of competition last year for Geno to go up against, which has got to, got to factor in just a little bit. Uh, but then as well, I think something to go in his favor here is the fact that as the team went on and the season wore along, two things started to erode for Geno that were there, or I'd say three things, that were there early on there for him on the season and helped him continue to kind of sustain his production early on. Uh, the first was that the ground game, which had been pretty deadly early on throughout the early parts of the year, started to get hampered right around the Tampa Bay game. And teams started to shut it down, which then really was at that point putting it all on Geno's arm and making the offense uh, very one-dimensional in that respect of things. So that, that certainly impacted it um, to a large degree. Um, as far as him, his performance there, the offensive line's pass protection also really fell back. Austin Blythe recently retired. His pass protection, which started out the year really well, went really far backwards. Both Haynes and Jackson were below average in that realm throughout this year. And even the rookies, it felt like, might have hit a little bit of a wall again right around that Tampa Bay game. Lucas was then dealing with injuries through the back half of the schedule a little bit. And it all kind of started to then wear together. So everything comes one-dimensional. It all then is on Geno's arm. It's, it's a little hard for any quarterback in that position to start to really be able to get it done, especially if the defense isn't necessarily playing lights out across the board, which they really weren't at that point. It was um, okay to, to, to maybe put it best. So I do think that he's going to play better this next year, honestly, even than probably what he played last year because he's going to have a better offense around him than he had last year. Um, the, the other last part that I had mentioned on that was the loss of Marquise Goodwin, which also happened at the end. You lost your slot. The Eskridge never developed in that role. I think that was another big impact to him kind of having the dip he did near the end of the year. So I do expect this next year, you're going to be better at the center position. You're probably going to be better at the right guard position. And unless anybody else, there might be some injuries, of course, in other places, but you put that team that's on paper out there on the football field, uh, and Gino should be able to even flourish more behind that offense because you're really not losing anything. You're only adding to what were the glaring weaknesses on the offense last year. 
We'll see what you guys think about this deal, though, and where you guys stand with it. I know it's going to draw a lot of uh, different uh, discussion on this one and debate. So uh, let's hopefully we can all keep keep our minds easy here with gentle and easy and not get too overboard on it. But I would love to hear where you guys stand on this deal and uh, where people's heads are, are on it. And if we are pro-Gino or not, not pro-Gino, I'll probably post a poll here at some point, seeing where we are as far as a fan base with this one. But uh, again, indication is here for me. We're in this offseason. I don't know if that means we're going to do the Ram approach. I don't know if that means there's going to be some void year stuff we do or conversion of base to bonus, you know, with players that are already on the books. I don't know the form that that's going to take exactly. But I, I'm my 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 gut instinct on this one is that you're gonna you're gonna be going more into that direction at least to try to do something than you are aren't. Otherwise, to me again, it's just a PR move. If you're gonna make no other kind of moves to really add to this team outside the uh, the the draft, you're really hoping for young guys to be carrying the load of this team moving towards a state of being elite at that point, which is a little hard for me to see. I can see it being a, a lot of young guys taking you there. Hell, we had one of the youngest Super Bowls ever, right? But if not, I think the youngest Super Bowl, you know, average age of the team at the time. But that doesn't mean, again, that it's an easy approach to just do it and lean into that. Even that team was augmented with guys like Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill, um, you know, Zach Miller on that team. There was, there, it wasn't just so just pushed heavy towards just being rookies and second year players. So that is the one thing that I would worry about on this, but I, I think they're going to go the other way with this. We'll see what you guys think, though. Uh, Josh, uh, Joshua, what's up, man? Good to see you, Edwin Munoz. Hello, hello, hello. Adrian X, what's up, man? I knew B wouldn't abandon us. You know I got to go live for this. I got to go live for this. There's no way I can't do that. No way. Um, Gino definitely deserved it there. Okay, soon, soon. What's up, man? I says, me too. Wasn't sure what happened. King Bomber, hello, hello. Not feeling good about it, but not feeling terrible understand understood on that one man it's a little bit of mixed feelings for me too on this one you know there's parts of it i really like there's parts of it that are a little bit tough for me but you know and we've got a lot of people in the chat today so the chat's going to be going if i'm mapping to miss your comment or question i don't mean to do it i'm definitely trying to catch everybody on this one tonight but uh we did like a six and a half hour stream yesterday so the eyes are a little bit they're a little bit like this right now just today just a little bit in that mode of like huh huh um Appreciate everyone jumping in. Please hit that like button if you guys get a chance here tonight. Uh, here by default says they just paid a man damn near forty million a year for one season of production. Well, I was I'm I'm kind of in the boat that you're with. It sounds like your hero. Where I was advocating for going with a different different direction here. I I was willing to pay Gino this off season, but I wanted to get to more of a blue collar contract, thirty five million a year. When we see the dust settle this off season in the quarterback contracts, is going to be a top 10 quarterback contract that's not mid-tier to me and so yeah you are right they are paying at that point for the one year of production um smith says y'all need to watch the film on nolan smith you'd have a change of tune if you did i like nolan smith man i'm wrong nothing wrong with nolan smith got a couple donations here let me acknowledge this sorry i'm a little late on the donos acknowledge uh, Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donation. And I think Garth, I got your package at, uh, my address the other day. So I'm picking it up tomorrow from the, my buddy on that. So thank you for sending that on over. I will give you an update on that with that, but thank you for the $5 donation. This has got to mean no top quarterbacks in this draft. No way they sit Richards in two years. Maybe Bijan. Ooh, you have some Dijon. No, I have some Bijan. 
I was thinking a little bit about that too, Garth, as I was trying to process this deal. Does this now make it more likely or less likely you go to quarterback? I think you're right that it does make it go to a place of being less likely that you take a quarterback. I don't know this would be prohibited. This would necessarily prohibit them from taking a quarterback though either. Being that Richardson is the type of guy that does need to be able to sit for that time period. I think the thing that they might like with Richardson a little bit, and I think that would be a bit of a dangerous road to try to go down because the two quarterback looks don't really tend to work very well, but they could look at him as a gadget player that they could use through those first couple of years around Geno to work him in. And so, you know, maybe that's a little bit of their, would be their viewpoint of it. But I think your your bottom line point is that, yes, I, it, it's, it's less likely they go quarterback at this point. Um, they may have the stones to to go that route with it. They may decide that that's the choice. But um, and I can see where they do. Richardson needs that time, um, and they can look at this deal as even a one year deal when it all boils down. Where if they really love Richardson to go next year, then they they just move Geno at that point for a draft pick, right? And then eat the dead money that's left, and then they have cheap, relatively cheap Anthony Richardson at that point. He'd still be a top five pick. But uh, it still makes it less likely. And look, I I was wondering at times if Bijan would be an option there. I, I know that people bristle at the thought of a running back, but you know there are really good running backs that come through every draft. There are great running backs that come through every draft. There are not generational running backs that come through every draft. That's just really the bottom line with that. And uh, I, I, I think that, yes, I believe everything the analytic people tell you about the you know, offensive line needs to be a point and all that other stuff. And then the running back's value is diminished by this and diminished by that. And it's impacted by this and it's impacted by that. You know what the analytics also say about running backs, though, folks? You know what they also say about that? Is they say to get the true best value out of a running back, to get the place where you have a guy that's then a superstar who has that kind of talent level, the way that you have to do that then if you go that route is to have first a great offensive line. And so you add these guys in now that, and, and you've started to take that approach on your offensive line with the development of Damian Lewis, with your bookend tackles out there. You address those next two positions and you're ready to roll. Ready to roll. And that's the time where you can't, that, and the analytic people give, I've heard them say this multiple times. They go, well, there is, there is the one time where it does make sense to have the outstanding talent at the running back position where it can be truly devastating and there's not a lot you can do about it. And it's like, it's a smart approach. And they say, that's when you have the offensive line in place first. And will we? Yes, we will. Thank you, Garth. Appreciate the $5 dono. Uh, Randall McDaniel uh, with a, uh, another five, uh, $5 donation as well. Thank you, Randall. I know he's uh, waiting in bated breath for uh, that stork to arrive. Stork's going a little slow right now, Randall, you know? Flying slow and low. That's just the way it is when it's in the winter like this, you know? It's trying to stay warm. Get that earth warmth to it. I appreciate the $5 dono, though. Says, um, I haven't seen the details, but I think this is more of a two-year deal for 65 to $70 million. Extra year to spread the money out, set up well to draft a quarterback, and sit one year. Well, we've got two different donations with two different people thinking different things with this. So I think it, that's where it does. I think that's an indication of how this is hard to necessarily read in for sure that it's one or the other with that, Randall. I think that it does keep the door open, right? Keeps a candle lit if the Seahawks want to truly take a quarterback at five. But it also, at that point, allows them to potentially just take the best player on the board at this point, too, doesn't it? And just Go, go that way with it. I, I, I think Garth's right where it makes it less likely they take the quarterback, but I think you're also right where there's the chance you take the quarterback to have him sit. Um, 
I mean, I don't, I can see where in all of the cases of the quarterback in this draft, they have no, they didn't have the intention of, you know, getting them and asking them to play immediately that they did want to at least give them that one year. But yes, I would say this is a two year, a two year deal in the way that this, this is really. Thank you though, Randall. And you're on the button with that one, man. I don't think it goes past two. Kevin Mullen uh, with a $2 donation says, biggest loser this weekend is Drew Locke. <laughs> Could be very well. Yeah, I think he, we would have given him the best place to come and flourish. I'll say it from that standpoint, Kevin. You're right there. You know, he's not going to have a landing spot that's going to be anywhere near as pure as what he had here. Familiarity with the offense, the welcoming environment, the the talent that he would have offensively to play with. But he's going to find a landing spot. There will be a team that will pick him up that I think will give him an opportunity at this point to start. I don't think that that's going to be here, though, at this point because Seattle's not about to spend another three, four, five million dollars on the backup position. I would be shocked, 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 I tell you, to see them do that. But uh, yeah, tough luck for Mr. Locke. Not coming back to the Seahawks, unfortunately. Uh, thank you, though, Kevin, for the donation. Megan Gock Roger has been celebrating 16 long months as a Hawks Nest member. Thank you for that, Megan. That long, dedicated support. Says, so damn happy. Can wear the jersey a little longer. Yeah, for folks who don't know, uh, Megan had a uh, Geno Smith jersey. So, you know, it's like, boy, that one was going to be a quick wear potentially for her if he was ended up leaving this offseason. So, <laughs> it's pretty tough. But, yeah, it's good, good to hear from that standpoint, Megan. Uh, Henry Mars with a $2 donation says, uh, thank you, Henry, says, Pro Geno plus Pro AR-15. I wanted both. There's a soundbite that Coach Carroll was asked this direct question at the Combine recently where they said, you know, does signing Geno preclude you then from going out and then taking a quarterback at five? And he jumped on it pretty quickly. You know, he didn't have to think about it and like, how, do I have to, what's the lie here? What's the right lie? What does I want to say? He just came out and said, no. Like, it was kind of like right off the top of his head, he just let it rip and said, no, absolutely not. That doesn't stop us from doing that. Yeah, we, we will certainly still be willing to take a quarterback. So uh, I'm open to it too as well. I would not hate if they take a quarterback, folks. It's to me, that's even though I'm in the go for it, just put the pedal down. Let's really push for this. I would get them to being like, look, we look at that five pick like a bonus pick where it stands. We're having a chance to take what we might consider in a guy like Richardson, the best quarterback in this draft from a pure talent standpoint. That's just the choice we're going to make with that, which uh, kudos to them then. Because like I said, if this is a one-year thing for them and they're looking at potentially having decisions coming down the track about their own jobs and their own future, you know, having that long-term view of the, the franchise and, and taking that would be admirable. It'd be admirable. I'm with you on that, hello, Henry. Thank you for the dono. Megan Gock Roger, lady from Dan and with a $10 donation. Thank you, Megan, for the big fatty donation. Appreciate you. She says, Gino, hell yeah. Carter, hell no. <laughs> there we go. There we go, Megan. I know you're definitely out on Carter, though I will say, Megan. The signing of Geno does push you like I I do think Garth's initial point was right. If this if this was like a scale of you you being slid to the towards the quarterback or taking a positional player at this point, this to me Geno signing pushes you to the positional player away from the quarterback position. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but that you can't go get the quarterback. But I think the likelihood the Vegas betting favorite on this 
if if they say who Seattle's now likely to pick, I bet Vegas has something like Carter or Tyree Wilson is the two likelihood at that point. Because I know you can bet on everything now. But thank you, Megan, for $10 donation. Uh, Andrew Residenjenko. I'm just going Andrew. Going Andrew. Uh, thank you for the $2 donation. I appreciate you, bro. Uh, says, Jeff Bezos, please rescue us. Rescue us. <laughs> He's going to swoop in on a plane made of money, you know, and he's just gonna he's just gonna carpet bomb Renton with just cash over the practice field, you know. It's gonna look like napalm, but it's just gonna be bills floating in the air. He's like, I want a Super Bowl. As he's sort of peeling off, you know, that's all they hear from him because he like opens the deck. And he's like, I want a Super Bowl. But uh, we'll see with Bezos. As I was saying, betting favorites on you know pay, players you pick or where you go with that selection now, definitely the betting favorite's going to be on Mr. Bezos buying this team at this point. That fit just seems to go hand in the glove. And not the OJ glove, but a glove that really does fit. Or did that glove fit? Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, though, Andrew, for the $2 donation. Uh, Megan, thank you for another $2 donation. Appreciate you as well. Says, not to say I called it on Gino, but I did. <laughs> you, you did call it on Gino. You did. And technically, I did say that I thought this deal was eventually going to get done, though I did say the last couple of days this is starting to slide away with us getting ever so close to free agency and certainly with the Seahawks indicating they weren't going to franchise Gino uh, and that that was just off the table. No chance it was going to happen. But uh, thank you, Megan. You did call that one. Notch that one up on the board there for you. Uh, Hawks fan, thank you for the $5 donation, Hawks fan. I do appreciate you very much. He says, thoughts if we get Jalen Carter at five and Cansey at 20? Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe Hawks fan, it could be that grade minds, grade minds think alike here, okay? It could be that there's a synergistic energy between, you know, Seahawks fans that's existed since the beginning of time and is everlasting, and then we are connected within that synergy because look at this, man. You know, just take a little gander over here off of my left shoulder. Because last night on last night's show, not knowing which way this thing you know was going to go exactly, Hawks fan, you can see I ran a pure draft of just what I would like to do in this draft. And sitting at the head of that board, sitting at the top of that stack, is one Jalen Carter and Kalijah Kansi. So would I roll that way? You know what I mean? Would I roll that way? Would I take the two most dominant defensive tackles in this draft? Would I take two points of a wrecking force and add them to this defense? Hell yeah, I would. All day, every day. Come out of this draft with the two best defensive linemen. Came out of last year's draft with the two best tackles. Maybe the best running back. Definitely the best corner. <laughs> that's a that's the way you build a Super Bowl team right there. If that ain't the road to a Super Bowl team, I don't know what is. So thank you for the donation, but uh, thank you for that uh, psychic-like connection we must have, Hawks fan, because that's just the road I was looking to go last night. See, I think I was onto something with that, huh? Maybe just a little bit. A little bit. Randall McDaniel with another $5 dono. Appreciate you, Randall, very much. It says, never saw a scenario where we hand over keys to a rookie. 
Best of both worlds here. Have an established guy for one to two years and a rookie learning. It is a great place for a, for a young guy to come in. Um, and and we, we look a little bit at number five here, Randall, but you could also look at it with that third round pick. Want to go get a guy like Hendon Hooker who's coming off an ACL, but highly talented, a guy that I could see John Schneider very much uh, falling in love with. Now he's got the opportunity to come in and, and wait that time and, and just kind of breathe it in a little bit, you know? And certainly a guy I could see that they would be, as I've said, I think there's a couple, there's only a couple guys in this draft that have sort of vague Russell Wilson-like echoes to them being more third round guys, but still have some value, but there's some potential there that's unusual for what you might normally be picking for when you get a quarterback in the third round. And he is one of those guys. So I, I, I do think that that definitely opens this door up a little bit wider now, Randall, for that potential to, um, to occur. And yeah, it's a lot better than Locke, which would have been a big question mark and an uncertainty about whether or not he could sustain the level of performance Gino could or come close to what Gino did. Now you know what you're getting back in a guy and what he's going to provide you for the position for the most part. And that does give you a little bit more certainty, but then that's also all the more reason why I think they're truly going for it right now and trying to go all in. Megan, thank you for the $2 donation. Appreciate you, Megan. Says, I'm having a hard time keeping up. Eyes sore. I know, Megan. We got over 400 people up here in the chat, so it's it's going to be cooking tonight. I have a feeling a lot of Seahawks fans out there are looking at the content on YouTube going, what's going on? What was the deal? Where's the parameters? What's the what's How does it work out on that? So uh, hang in there. I'm with you on it. My voice from last night, we did a six and a half hour stream, so it's definitely a little... It's a little cakey. If you see some actual dust flying out of my mouth tonight, just it's just it's just the sore throat. That's all it is. It's just the sore throat. <laughs> Thank you though, Megan, all the donos and hang in there on the uh, on the modding. I know it's a little bit cray cray tonight here a little bit. Uh, Barry Satoro, thank you for celebrating 19 long months as a Hawks Nest member. I do really appreciate that. You are awesome for doing so. He says celebration time. Come on, hey. We just had to go through a rebuild year, the rebuild year, and that's your one rebuild you're going through, folks. That's the one rebuild year you should have to go through. So absolutely celebrate. Celebrate the fact your team's going to put the pedal to the floor next year and get to the Super Bowl. You might end off-road. You might end up flipping that car 13 times before it comes to a, a grinding halt. Or you might be raising that trophy, but one thing is for certain, it seems like you are going to try to indeed at least attempt to raise that trophy. You're not going to pull the car over the side of the road going, oh, it's a little scary. A little scary going that fast. I don't want to go that fast. Bad things might happen if you go that fast. It's not the indications they're given right now, is it? And that should get you excited. That should make you celebrate. That should get you ready to go here. And that's why whether I wanted to do this deal or not, you ain't never not going to have me get excited about knowing my team's going for it. Knowing my team's going to go try to really truly compete. We knew that team was only going to try really, we all went under the lie detector test last year and they strapped us in and they're like, how far do you really think this team could go at its best of the best? Everything working out perfectly fine. Yeah, many of us would, would sit there and go, oh, it's Super Bowl, we can do it. But you really like, okay, like if my answer is going to be like, maybe my life depended on it. Probably go, well, uh, maybe kind of right just into the playoffs, maybe a game in, maybe they get one playoff win and best case kind of scenario. Well, now you get to go, hey, we're going to try to do a little bit. We're going to try to build a team that can do more than that. More than you sitting at the start of the season going, well, they could just maybe kind of, if they turn sideways and they duck their head, kind of get down to the knees, they might just kind of get through there in the playoffs. Not this next year, hopefully. Not by the sound of things. Megan, Gok Roger, 
coming in with a huge, monstrous $100 donation. Oh my God, Megan. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You are amazing, but you're always amazing. Our main mod here, Megan. Uh, and thank you so much though. $100 donation. Sweet, sweetie, that is so kind. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. He says, you know what happens if Carter is chosen? Well, see, I'm just, that's, that's why I'm going to have like the whole thing with the, I'm going to have my, the parka sent out to you and it's going to timed up for draft day. We're going to have a lot of people on call for you ready with that on the other side of things, you know, to, to kind of soothe you through it on that. So we're going to have a whole thing set up on this, Megan, for this potential to come down the track. <laughs> uh, and we'll see how it goes. I, I think though, Megan, too, that uh, this, as I said about picking a positional player, every bit this moving away from a quarterback, this also opens more of the door to them trading back and them going to a team that wants to get the quarterback and them getting a fantastic amount of assets back at that point. And, and if they do that, then Carter, to your to your hopeful ends, Carter then is off the board for the Seahawks, you know, because they'll be dropping back to 9, 10, 11, 13, maybe even deeper into this draft at that point. And so that would put him off the board if that did go down like that. But boy, this is going to be an interesting draft, Megan. Variety of different ways it can go. And uh, I'll bring you back in the fold. I can't let you go. Who's gonna be? Who's gonna be my mod? You're just gonna let me. You're gonna leave me out in the wilderness with all the, all the porn, the porn links coming through. Just, just trying to throw the porn links out and the Niner trolls. It's a, it's a hellacious war zone, Megan, in there. I can't do it. But thank you, Megan, for the uh, the hundred dollar donation. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're very, very kind, and you always have been. Uh, Hang Woo Lee for the $5 donation. Thank you, Hang Woo Lee. Says, uh, we should go all in in the next two years. I believe in Geno being better next year. Pass rushers looked great at the combine. Let's take two in the first round. Wow. my uh, I, I tell you, I, I say it often with my chat, Hang Woo Lee, and I'll say it again. Um, you guys are, in my opinion, just where I stand on it, very intelligent in your approach of things. Uh, most of the people come in here are putting their thinking cap on, looking at this logically and reasonably, I think. And we are all aligned. I mean, I just, we saw this on the blow poster with Hawks fan Hong Wu, and now I see it with you as well, which is that, you know, like I said, look at this mock I ran yesterday. The mock, you know, that I, I would be rolling with if this was my sort of dream scenario. And this was before Geno Smith signed. And I know that Megan's going to bristle a little bit of Jalen Carter, but Megan, just for the time being right now, look at it and think Tyree Wilson instead of Carter. Okay. You can think of it like that too. But the point being that we do what you're talking about doing, Hang Wu Lee, or what the Hawks fan was talking about doing too, which is the most important part, it is addressing those two defensive line positions first and foremost in this draft. That that's the place that this has got to be hammered right now. That's the place this team's got to get better defensively. We don't like to blitz. Carroll hates to blitz. If he doesn't want to blitz, then the front four guys have to generate the pressure all on their own. And you can't do that. If you have untalented players on a defensive line, or if you only have one or two guys down there that can really truly be a threat because they can then be neutralized by double teams and teams running away from them. So uh, I believe as well that this is an, a, a time where you now need to go for it all in, if not the next two years, I think both this year and next year, Hong Wu. I think that if, if, if you wanted to, as I said, they had a pathway that opened up to them they could have taken here to go completely patient, slow roll the hell out of this thing, Get their young quarterback in this draft and start to start to march forward towards the future of eventually becoming elite. Now with this kind of move, you're signaling, no, now is the time. You know, 
This is Sean Astin's Goonie speech at the bottom of the well. Now is our time. Then was their time. Now is our time. That's what we got going on right now. So let, let's go, Hongwu. You know, let's go. If these are the indications by the front office, if they're telling the fans, here's a little nod, here's a little tip of the cap, here's a little bit of a wink. You got a, you got a force of fans behind you, John and Pete, that are with it. We would have been with the other path, but this is where you're going now with this, it looks like. And hell, hell yeah for it. Sign us up for it, but please take that path. Uh, Megan with a $2 donation says, uh, migraine incoming, so may not last be. Megan, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Um, hang in there, and if not, I understand. It's definitely a kind of an emergency stream tonight, so we had, to, we had to kind of go live on the fly. But thank you again for all the donations, all your support, and being my main mod on the duty here. Uh, handling the tough business that goes on in these uh, chats sometimes with the folks we get. Most everybody's great, but obviously she's got to do some heaven lifting in there from time to time. So no worries if you got to. I, uh, I understand completely on that. Uh, Glenn Wade, thank you for the $5 donation. Trade the fifth pick to the Panthers. Still get a stud. Get their first next year's draft and a second in this year's draft. Panthers start a rookie quarterback. Suck. And we get a top five pick again. Again, Glenn, you're uh, beautiful minds. I've got beautiful minds in my chat. Beautiful minds that donate to me because, uh, again, like I was just saying something and then you're, I didn't see your donation there, Glenn. I was just kind of having these random thoughts on this and my thoughts are matching exactly to what your donation is here or to what was going on with Hong Wu and what he was talking about. I mean, it's, this is, yeah, I, I, like as I was just saying with Megan there, you know, this, the doors that open up here is that it's more towards a positional player now in the draft or it's going to be more to you now trading back. And to me, to your logical point or your logical conclusion here, the Panthers are, are very much the obvious team to trade with because it seems like a, v, a real clean, easy kind of deal to do. Five, nine, not a tremendous trade back. You stay in tier one of the prospect groups, which is nice. You get their future first round pick, which might be all you get as you only for four spaces back get one first round pick. But... Like Glenn says, with Derek Carr now going to New Orleans, having them now then potentially start a potential Anthony Richardson year one, trying to sort of do what the Ravens or the Eagles are doing, right? With that offense with Richardson at that point, year one. I'll take my chances on that. I'll take my chances on that next year's pick at that point. And I still get to pick at number nine in this year's draft. It makes a lot of sense, Glenn. Smart, smart. And I think that that's one that I, I, I could see that deal coming together so easily. I mean, don't the Panthers have Scott Fritterer over there too, Glenn? Where isn't he a former guy that was in the Seahawks front office? So the connection between these, time, these two organizations, it's not just tacit in that respect of things. Adrian XA, thank you for the $2 donation. Says uh, Derek Carr's 2023 cap hit is $7.2 million. Think Gino is similar? No. Because the bonus money is the part you can't run from. I haven't looked at the, and, and I will say this about it. Uh, sometimes the numbers we hear about these deals initially is not what the numbers bear down to in the long term. So it, stuff gets reported. It's being leaked out by the agent. It's always going to put the player in the best light initially. Then when you hear the final numbers, things tend to cook down just a little bit. But if it is indeed a place where it is going to be $50 million at this point, and that's, that's what we're looking at here, then 
in bonus money, that is. Not guaranteed money, but bonus money, being that he, I've heard that he gets $52 million. I've heard like bonus, and they could split this up in a couple of ways. So we'll see how this breaks down. It's hard to say early on with this, um, but if they're doing it just pure Adrian X, it'd be like an $18, $19 million cap hit this year. Um, they can, of course, though, work it any which way they want because it could be $52 million, but they do $7 million guaranteed this year, right? And then you have you have guaranteed money then, or you have the, see the hard part I, I struggle with those is bonus money. If it's bonus money, it's money in hand now. So it's not guaranteed money that you can stack deeper in the deal. Even if it's guaranteed at that point, there is a difference between those two types. So we'll have to see how the parameters of this deal work out. I haven't looked deep into the car thing. Seahawks have, could do every, anything they want to do on this deal as far as from a flexibility standpoint to go 15 different ways and how they put this contract together. But if it is true on the surface of this, where it's $52 million of bonus money, that that's, the, that's what he's rolling with, which if you're on a $100 million contract, half of it's going to probably be bonus, then that's money that, of course, spreads out evenly over a three-year period. You can't chop that up. Guaranteed money, you can chop up. So if it was $50 million guaranteed, now you can move you know, 35 million of that into year two, have that then hit like a bonus, like a bonus hit at that point. And then that spreads through the next two years of the contract. But absent something like that, if it's just pure bonus, that's not going to happen in that, in that fashion of things, I would not think. Um, so yeah. And the saints of course had to do that deal that way because their cap situation is always, let's just call it what it is, right? It's, it's a, it's a nightmare. <laughs> Every every offseason they're dealing with some kind of nightmare. I saw a great meme of like somebody posted a meme of uh, this being like the the Saints have like had one offseason in like seven years where they've had, they've gone into an offseason with actually some cap space, and then here comes Derek Carr's contract. I'm not doing the meme any justice, but it was funny as hell. Thank you though, Adrian X. Nicholas uh, Newton with a five dollar dono. Appreciate you, brother, and thank you so much. Defensive line at five. John Michael Smith's at 20. If we miss out on JMS, I'm going to be extremely pissed. Uh, that sounds good to me, man. Uh, John Michael Smith didn't quite test as well, um, you know, recently, but um, nonetheless, that would be a solid approach. The trenches are what you need to fix this offseason in both respects. And as I was saying about before, with having a guy like Kenneth Walker, that's at least at the very least kind of a special talent at the running back position, Get the most of that of those guys, really the most out of them to get the the bang for the buck. You need to have the offensive line and you need to have it all across the board. Not a couple of good, really good to great guys, but then a couple of weak links here. Everything's got to be solidified across the board there. And certainly Schmitz would be a solidifier along with going out and then addressing the right guard position in addition to that. But Nicholas, I'm, uh, I'm okay with that. There's some other good centers in this draft too who could also be a fit, I think. I think Schmitz is the most talented but uh, there's certainly some other some other interesting cats in there as well. But defensive line is definitely going to be something where they'll probably take, I would say it's very likely they take two defensive linemen slash edge potential in the first four picks. I think that's pretty reasonable. Peter uh, Gohawks, and thank you, Nicholas, for the dono. Uh, Peter Gohawks, thank you for the $5 donation. Do you have any idea what next year's quarterback class looks like? Do you think hooker late is a good idea or someone sooner or wait until next year? Go Hawks. Hey, go Hawks, Peter, go Hawks. And thank you so much for the donation. Uh, The quarterback class looks a little like this at first blush. You've got 
At the top is undoubtedly Caleb Williams, who is going to be a generational quarterback along the lines of like a Trevor Lawrence or uh, Andrew Luck or John Elway or Peyton Manning coming out where he's a no-doubter. Um, Drake May at UNC has a little bit more to prove, but he is a guy that has all the physical traits you look for in the position. He can really sling it, and he's a guy that could elevate himself into a top five state of things with a really fine season, no doubt about it. Uh, Shadur Sanders, uh, primetime Sanders' son, is going to go to Colorado. We'll see what he can do there. I've heard people really kind of hyping him up a little bit as a potential guy. Spencer Rattler uh, out there, what, South Carolina? Uh, went back to college. He's a guy that a lot of people have loved his talent out there, and he's had a long time now in college after this next season, but a guy that could emerge. Bo Nix out there at Oregon with his mobility as a guy that, that could be somebody that comes out onto the to the radar. That's another one that stands out to me. Um, not sure who else above that. I know I'm missing a couple of other names. KJ Jefferson with Arkansas coming back. We'll see if he can you know, take some steps forward in his game. So it's looking good on the surface of it. There are some interesting names. There are guys that have already kind of bubbled. Um, and there's some guys that, that you know, if they take a, a big step forward, that they could be not just legitimate prospects. Well, I like the guys in this draft this year. They, they could round themselves out into being a top five level type of prospect. So it, it looks pretty well in line with this year's draft, I think, from the total of the talent. But it's early to tell with this too, Peter, because of the fact that stuff changes after another college football season in major ways. Um, you know, I mean, Rattler was supposed to be the number one guy two years ago. <laughs> so, you know, that going into an off season, that tells you how much stuff can really fluctuate as you go through. But those would be some of the early names. Um, do I think Hooker is a late is a good idea? I do think Hooker is great. Third round, I think to me is, is smart for Hooker. I wouldn't go second round with him and I wouldn't go first round, especially not with signing Gino. Um, if you're going to take Hooker, third round's the spot to grab him in. But if you were to want to take him there, I think that would be, that'd be a smart place to grab him. You know, I think he's good value there. He would have been, I think, a first round pick if not for the ACL tear, but he does have the ACL tear. So that's got to ding him a little bit. Unfortunate, you know, it's unfortunate, but just the reality of things. Uh, Megan with a $10 donation. Thank you so much. Very much, Megan. I appreciate another donation. My goodness, girl. You're very, 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 very kind of you so much. Hard. Thank you. Uh, it says, you bet I would be. And the Ravens jersey is hanging over the back of the chair for the Carter pick at five. There is only one way I may stay, but it's, to do with my favorite lefty quarterback so you wouldn't do it. I mean, you know, Megan, desperate times, desperate measures. And if that's what it's going to take at that point, I will maybe have to call upon that. I will have to take the sling and arrow from the, the, Craig, the Craig lovers forevermore at that point, Megan, to keep you in the fold. And if that's what it's going to take, that's what I've got to do. That's the wall I got to climb. So be it. So be it. Jedi. I'm fine with that. I can do that. <laughs> we'll just have to see what that pick's going to be, aren't we? Just going to have to see. Uh, Megan, thank you for the, all the donos. Uh, in utero, thank you for the $2 donation. It says, uh, quarterback at five doesn't stop us from building the D at all. No, it doesn't. As I said, yeah, I think we are going to take a defensive line slash edge guy. Might be an inside-outside guy like Adewari or, um, you know, in that mold a little bit of like that kind of guy. But we're going to take two, I think, in the first four picks. 
But you could go quarterback one and then next pick at, at 20, take a Cansey or a Breezy and then come back at the next pick in the second round or the second pick in the second round, take Dan Henley and take another defensive lineman at the other part. So this doesn't have to go necessarily where it has to be the first one as a D as defender there at five. It can, there's a lot of iterations for it to occur. The bottom line is you're addressing it. Well, would it be nice to get a prime level talent at five and be that guy at that spot? Sure, it would be. But that doesn't mean you can't still get really good talent throughout the board. The bottom line point in this is you're picking four times in the first 52 selections. That's going to bring you good players. It's going to bring you good players. It's going to add to the stack. Build the deck. Uh, thank you, though, in utero for the $2 donation. Hang Wu Lee with another $2 donation. Thank you for the double dono, Hang Wu Lee. Says, rumor has it the Bears and Panthers will trade picks. I've been long saying here, Mr. Lee, long saying that I believe that this draft is going to break down in a way that the Bears are going to move back. And everybody's telling me, no, they're going to move back the Colts. And they're going to go up here. I said, no, they're going to move back. They're going to move back in a substantial way in order to really, truly be able to to make it worth the while for moving back. You know, if you're going to go big, go, if you're going to go, go, go big. And so, you know, you move back to that Panthers pick, as I've said with ours at five, it makes sense. Every bit as much sense with the bears as it makes sense with ours at five. They move back there. They pick up probably the three first rounders into the future, probably an additional second rounder into the future, huge amount of draft capital at that point, including getting, of course, this year's still ninth pick in the overall selection in this draft. So much like us, they still stay in tier one, but they add substantially to their team in a major way that they really do have to at this point. So makes sense. Makes a ton of sense. And Frank Reich, there's a new head coach, offensive-minded head coach. He wants to get a talented quarterback in there. He doesn't want to try to get by with an also-ran, you know, or a leftover, or a broken part, or an old part. Like a little bit of what he was having to deal with out there in uh, Indianapolis. And so I, I can see them... A lot of ways that this lines up for them making that kind of move. And I still do, regardless of whether or not it's the Panthers or whoever, the Bears are going to move off that pick. That's going to happen. Andrew, with a $5 donation. Thank you for the double dono too as well, Andrew. I really do appreciate it. Everyone excited about Geno and how we go for it now, but how? Aside from drafting, well, we ain't going to have no cap left. Or am I missing something, B? Well, Though you don't have a lot of cap space right now, I think on the surface of this, you're not missing anything. That is certainly the way this looks at kind of on the surface of it. But there is a lot of availability here with the, the contracts that you have in play right now to create cap space if that's what you want to do. Now, um, Schneider has shown a little bit of a slight willingness to dip his toe in these waters in the past. He's not fully jumped in. He's kind of just been like, ooh, it's cold. Huh? Oh, that's cold. I don't want to know. No, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay out here on the side. Give me, just give me another drink. So he's not really jumped on in and cannonballed this one, but he could if he wanted to. You have a guy in uh, Noah Fant on a $6 million deal and Shelby Harris on a one-year, uh, what, $7, $8 million deal, something like that. You know, you could convert Tyler Lockett's base to bonus. You could convert DK Metcalf's base to bonus. Uh, you, you've got some flexibility here across the board and moving some numbers around if you wanted to do it. But... They've got to have the the impetus, the want, the will to, to actually be willing to, to go that route. Now, will they, Andrew? I don't know on that. I think that you're right. On the surface of this question, you're right, though, of that if they don't do that, if they aren't pushing that ball forward in that way, and that this was just bringing Geno back, and then you do your sort of, I'm going to just call them kind of some weird signings here early collectively with the Myers, Belore, Haynes deals that have been handed out, 
eating up a lot of the other available cap around Gino, then it doesn't make as much sense if that's the way we view this in retrospect. And I would be a little more critical of making this deal at that point because you're not choosing a, a true philosophy and path here. You're not going full on rebuild at that point. You're kind of still going through rebuild, but you're doing it with this you know, quarterback you're paying top of the market prices for. And that stuff doesn't exactly kind of, to me, from a logical standpoint, align as well. That doesn't seem to be a committed approach. That seems to be a little bit of a shotgun and not, not like the any kind of precise shotgun, but the one where they've cut off the barrel and not cut off the barrel well, but cut off at an angle. So it's just a pure spray and it's like super deep on the barrel too, you know? That's a little bit of what that would be for me at that point, Andrew. So yeah, you're not missing anything, man. You're on, you're on point with it. Randall, thank you for another $5 donation. I really do appreciate it. He says of the 2022 picks, who do you think takes the biggest jump in year two? I say Cross or Mafe as they both gain strength in the offseason. Cross is just a pup. Cross is certainly uh, would be the initial one that I would think off the top of my head. But and I am thinking here right now, Randall. I kind of think your second one's the one. I think Mafe gets lost a little bit because he just didn't have the kind of pass rush production people were maybe hoping to see from him. But if you look at the guys across the board out of last year's draft, Abson and Aiden Hutchinson, everybody's kind of uh, malingering a little bit and getting their development going with that type of stuff. It's hard to pass rush. It takes time to develop as a pass rusher. But he has some very unique tools, Randall. Um, I'm eventually going to bring up some of the stats and I get, I get a better kind of put together on one of these shows showing like the edge rushers from this draft and how they match up to a guy like Boye Mafe from a physical standpoint, length and all of that. Um, he is, he's a rare kind of talent, even though he went the second round, he is a, he, there are first round traits to Boye Mafe's game. So I would say he's the guy that's going to probably step forward. Remember he is kind of relatively new to the position. And so he would be the guy to me that, that comes out and really, um, really takes that big step forward as much as anybody. I think Cross gets a little bit better, but he is still still so young there, Randall. I wonder if it might not take him still a, a couple more years. You know? And I do think Derek Young, which Schneider's mentioned of him too, is another candidate to be a guy that's going to be probably taking some big steps forward next year and, and finding his way into the receiver rotation. Randall, thank you for the donation though, brother. I do appreciate it. Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, Brando, Blade to the jugular. Where does Anthony Richardson end up? Uh, blade to the jugular. So. Hmm. So we got a car going, car going to the Saints. Who's the team now that jumps up and goes and gets him? I don't think it's us. I'll say that, Garth, first and foremost. I could see us potentially doing it, but I'm like I've said before, I don't think it's likely to happen. So I would go with... Uh, who's the team that moves up with us to get him at that point? Let's say Carolina goes to the Bears. They flop out. Who would be the next team in there to jump up and grab him at that point? Um, I, I'll go outside the box on this one, Garth. How about how about Bill Belichick gets super crazy, like um, desperate? I've heard that there's teams interested in maybe trading for Mac Jones. He moves Mac Jones and then packages picks to move up to five. I think they're at like 14 or something right now. 
So he moves up to five at that point to take Anthony Richardson, and he becomes he totally embraces this whole new model with quarterbacks and running the whole kitschy, you know, read option, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson offense. You know, he just manufactures offense with the kid. I I, I could kind of see him being one of those coaches that does embrace that Garth. And so I, I don't have a, a team that just to me, especially if Carolina is not the one that moves back at that point, if Carolina doesn't move Garth. Oh, even they would, they do it. See, I don't even think they would necessarily do it, even though, yeah, they would do it. Reich, Reich runs a very run heavy system. And at the end of the day, that would fit Richardson um, in that he's not going to be a high volume passer within that offense. So yeah, I, I could see the Colts being kind of number one if they don't trade up with the bears, but then I could see a team like the Patriots being one jumping in there. I think that, I think this is the thing that why I think that there'll be such a juicy trade there for us too, Garth, is because there's a couple of teams that I think this is going to make sense for. Quarterbacks are now coming off the board. The, the the musical chairs, the chairs are being removed. Fewer and fewer chairs are being remaining, and there's a lot of teams that are standing around looking awkward. Would you Would you like to dance? You know, who uh, aren't going to have a chair. It ain't going to be like one man standing when this is all done, one team standing. There's going to be a, a multitude of teams when this is all said and done that are not going to have their quarterback. So that's going to drive some urgency and desperation, and hopefully our Seattle Seahawks get to be the team that gets to uh, you know most benefit from that. Thank you, though, Garth. So I'm going to go with those two. One, That's my one-two and uh, probability. Jonathan, thank you for the $2 donation as well. I appreciate you. You guys are being very kind. I'm behind on the donos, but I'm going to catch up here, I promise you. And I do appreciate you for that. Jonathan says, does this close the door on drafting a quarterback? I don't think it does, Jonathan. No. Uh, Carol told, we have Carol's words coming straight from the horse's mouth at the combine, asked that direct question by a reporter. And he came very quickly back with it. You can find the clip where he comes back and he says, no, this is not going to stop us from drafting a quarterback. And when you look at the kind of quarterback that's most likely to be there at this point, or the exact guy that's likely to be there at this point, it's probably going to be Anthony Richardson. And if there was any one quarterback in this draft who would be a first-round quarterback, highly talented guy, but who would be one who you wouldn't necessarily want to bring in and start immediately, and that you would have a, a Geno Smith signing to give this kid that time to kind of mature and develop and season... Richardson would be that guy. So there is the fit of Richardson being a, a the kind of prospect who is a, who is a kind of, he ain't going to be ready to go year one kind of dude. So then that does make Geno's presence here make a little bit more sense in doing a tandem thing on that. Um, the only issue I have with it, Jonathan, of course, and why I say it's not a likely situation is because you're sort of indicating two things as an organization at that point. You know, yeah, we're still in the rebuild. We're still bringing in young guys. We're still doing that. But then we got this quarterback we're going to pay all this money for like we're going for it right now. Yeah, we need to be chill and we just need to let this take time. And like, you know, we're watering the seed every couple days, not overwatering it, you know, just letting it grow. It's going to get there eventually. But let's go now with Gino, pedal down, floor down. Yeah. So you kind of go, okay, wait, hold on. Hold on. Let's just take one. Let's take run road here, right? Let's not, let's not uh, get, let's get schizophrenic on this one. And so that's the part where I'm, I'm not quite sure with the Jonathan. I think it's unlikely, but I think that the possibility still does exist there because of the quarterback who will be available. Uh, and the fact is that you're not going to be picking down this low probably anytime soon in the future with where this team is heading from a trajectory standpoint. Paul Third, thank you for the $2 donation. I do appreciate it, brother. It says, would you trade the fifth to Washington for Chase Young or... 
Jonathan Allen. Uh, no, in the case of Young, um, he was struggling to come back off that ACL next last year. I'm, real, I'm a little bit worried about that knee right now, to be, to be honest with you there. Um, I like Chase Young. He's a great player, but I, that, that knee's got me concerned. Um, now, in the case of Jonathan Allen at, at, at five for that, probably not. I probably would not do that for Josh Allen because I got to go five and then pay the guy. I like the better route for me, Paul, is you go DeForest Buckner from the Colts at 20 or try to find maybe a guy in that realm, you know, even Deron Payne at 20 to me rather than going down to the five realm, right? I, that's to me the other off, that's the offset move to make instead of going to five. I keep my value at five. I keep all the power five gives me sitting there trading back potentially or just taking the player but then I go get the guy with the 20th pick. Um, so, you know, if, now if you're talking about Chase Young for the 20th selection, now, now we have a conversation, Paul. I don't think Washington, I'll say it, Washington wouldn't do Allen at 20. I don't think they would. But they might do Young at 20. They've got to pay Montez Sweat. They've got to pay Deron Payne. They've got to pay Jonathan Allen. They can't pay them all. Somebody's got to go. 20 versus 5, I'm a little bit more on board with that. That would make a little more sense. Appreciate you, Paul. Thank you so much, man. Casey Brown, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, draft a wide receiver. When DK and Tyler Lockett injured, we are bad. DY, no good. Uh, DY, I think you mean D. Eskridge. Who you're meaning there? Um, yeah, I think wide receiver definitely is a certain, certainly a potential target in this draft, Casey. I think if you look at a spot that could be the place that would be a sort of left field spot for a lot of people. But when I was doing mock drafts and looking at how the boards really potentially go, I think there's very much a high likelihood that you're picking at 20 and you have your pick of maybe the second best wide receiver in this draft. And specifically, if you're looking at a guy that would be a fit to a need while also being the second best receiver in the draft on the board at that point, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, where you need help at the slot, for instance, now, he wouldn't give you help on the outside there, Casey, but you know he would be a highly talented guy in the slot. You could match up with those three guys and three wide receiver looks. There's other guys, too. Um, it's not a strong draft for, for receivers, though, Casey. Uh, if you're talking about waiting to third or fourth or fifth round, you're just not going to probably get a guy there that's going to be able to have the kind of impact you might be looking for. But if they want to, they're going to need to do it early is basically what I'm kind of saying on this one. But that pick around 20 could be the spot to do that there because if they're running their boards by best player available – you're looking at having the second best wide receiver in this draft staring you in the board versus what you might be having in other places that could prove to be the most valuable spot for you. And I agree with you. We've, we've really had a lot of good luck and favor in the respect of Tyler Locke and DK playing just about every single game over the last four years. It's hard to think that that's going to hap- That's going to sustain itself into the future and that that's not going to be something that changes at least to some marginal degree. Uh, Megan, uh, Garth, thank you for the $5 donation. Uh, I appreciate you, brother. He says, Brando, Ed Megan is pulling the last Jedi on you. She's asking you to forget the past with Craig, even destroy it if you have to. Don't listen to her. <laughs> she's, she's openly said she's Sith. She's openly said she's Sith. So you're not wrong on that. She's, it, it's, her helmet's throwing me off, man. You know what I mean? If you're going to make me expect <laughs> Jalen Carter, then you will 
explain yourself. I think she's doing the force choke on me, really. That's what's happening. That's what I'm going to blame it on, Garth. She might be, man. I'm, I'm, I'm sliding my way. I'm sliding from the forest, bro. I'm sliding away. She's, she's got me pulled in. <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, appreciate you, Garth. Thank you for the $5 dono. Uh, Megan with a $2 donation says, I need some Howard Cosell and his thoughts on the signing. I got you, Megan. Seattle football fans, this is Howard Cosell, and I'm here to tell you the real deal. Your team today signaled like an albatross flying across the ocean, devoid of any fear of falling beneath them. My signing Geno Smith to a monstrous contract of three years and a hundred five million dollars many seahawk fans will scream into the night with the perfunctionary reason and hope of a lost soul but they need to waver not they need to whimper not for this is an indication like the north star above the alaskan skies that indeed your seattle seahawks in the year of 2023 are indeed going to put that pedal to the metal find an exuberatory spirit find that seeking of a perfection that is so hard and foretold through many nights in the nfl world to find themselves rising again above the pack hoisting the lombardi trophy with the type of pervasive perseverance that is only found by the legends that reside in this front office. <laughs> it's a little bit tough today, Megan. The voice is definitely dicey from last night, but I hope that's all right. This is Howard Cosell saying to the rest of the NFL, look out, the Seattle Seahawks are real, and they're coming for you. Appreciate you, though. Hope that was all right. Definitely, definitely a little cranky on the voice tonight. I can feel a little bit from last night. Just a little... Megan, though, thank you for all the donos. Howard's, Howard's stoked. Howard Cosell is really like, this is, he's like, I'm telling you now, I've got $50 on the Seahawks next year to win the Super Bowl. Taker610, thank you for the $2 donation. He says, I still want Stroud, Levis, or Richardson, though, by the way. Yeah, hey, I think they're in play here still, man. I think they're in play. If we don't get the, the mighty offer, if they don't like the positional players, if they fall in love with one of these quarterbacks, and hey, Anthony Richardson certainly put on the kind of performance at the Combine that could get you to fall in love with him real quick, didn't he? He didn't just have a good performance at the quarterback position. He had a uh, um, a, a rare, never-be-seen-before type performance at the quarterback position there here this past week. So I think that door is definitely still open there, Taker. I don't know if it's likely, but the door is definitely at least still open to the possibility of it. Thank you, though, for the $2 donation. I do appreciate you. Sam the Great with a $5 donation. I really do appreciate you as well, Sam. Thank you for the donation. It says, called it all along. Gino works something out with John Schneider, and they do a fair deal. Maybe too much, but I'm happy we can focus on other holes. I think that's a pretty fair way of putting it, Sam. 
Um, I, I did think this deal was eventually going to get done. I thought that 32 and a half was going to be kind of the final numbers, but they, they were able to get 35 and certainly with Carr getting the numbers he's getting there and where, you know, Daniel Jones was looking to seek, that seems to be what the market rate is the market rate. And we're not going to be changing that anytime soon. They certainly seem to believe very highly that Geno's performance last year was, you know, not just fueled by the supporting cast, but he indeed was a big part of, of driving, being a driving force behind that, which makes a lot of sense. There were a lot of games last year that we did ask Geno to really carry the day, not simply be a good game manager, but be actually a difference maker for us in, in football games where he had to play sometimes almost perfect. I mean, you could make the argument in the game against Detroit, for instance, he had to play perfect. If you punt once in that football game, you lose that game. And you didn't punt once, you, you not one time. So, you know, that's uh, it, it's good to see in that respect that they trust him in, in that realm of it. I think I'm most excited with this, Sam, I, I, not to get bogged down in the numbers of it. I'm just most excited to know that the team is trying to go out there and really win football games next year. That It's not going to be another year of rebuilding. That whether they fail or not with this now, they're going to try to, they're going to try to make it go. How hard they press, how far they push, how much they're willing to lay it on the line this year, we'll see. But at least a little bit of it's been laid on the line, you know? They've at least, like, draped a little bit on the line. Maybe not the full body, but just like like an arm is on the line right now. Uh, Peter Gohawks, thank you for the $2 donation. Schefter is reporting Frank Clark will be released. Makes sense. I, I, I think he's, as I've said many times, and it's been funny to listen to people come in, like, we should have kept Clark. It's like, no, we should have traded Clark. That's not been a good deal for the Chiefs any way, shape, or form. And he's been, I think, a little bit underwhelming for them throughout the time period there, especially for the money that they spent on him and especially for the draft picks that they gave up for him. So uh, it makes sense if they decide to go that route with a Peter. I wouldn't be shocked in the least. Um, I, I don't think I would be all that together that interested in him myself. I think he's probably best suited to a 4-3 defense. I don't think I'd want to be having him stand up as an edge. I don't know what the cost would be, but I, I don't. That wouldn't interest me in bringing him back at this point. He's not, he's not that good of a player. Just kind of the bottom line. If you look at the last four years of his play, I mean, look at the guy that he got released for. Justin Houston was the guy that the Chiefs moved on for, for Frank Clark. That's the guy they said, okay, you're getting too old. We got to move on from you. Let's bring in Frank Clark. Justin Houston has been far vastly superior player um, off the edge uh, than Frank Clark has over that time period. The Chiefs would definitely would love a mulligan to go back and just keep Houston there, I would guess. So that makes sense, though, why they would release him. Not surprised there on that, Peter. Megan, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, don't make me bring out the force lightning, B. I'm not. I'm not. I'm telling you. Like, I got I to gotta keep you in the fold. I got to keep you in the fold. I know Gar, Gar's going to have, like, a single-tier fall. You know? He'll have a single-tier, like, the Jedi fall go, we've lost another one to the Sith. Is that a, Megan, do I have horns growing now? Why do I have, why does it feel like I have little horns growing here? Did you Darth Maul me? Don't you Darth Maul me. <laughs> Adi Bell, that's more than I thought they were paid too. Rob D Terrell says that's not the details, just the reported deal. Yeah, we don't know the final details yet. 52 million based off incentives, I think. Okay. Definitely expecting it to change a little bit. We don't know, John, quite yet the first year cap hit. 
we can kind of guess if it's bonus money. But again, as people are saying in the chat, I think it's early to quite figure out what the details exactly of this deal are going to be until we see them, especially with these agents. These agents always first report the numbers to be a crazy town. And they never quite, they never quite land there when you see the final way it all breaks, breaks down and boils down, right? Uh, 1023, you should trade Drew Locke for Russell. <laughs> Drew Locke's free agent now. Greg says, sign B-Wags, draft Carter at five, Cancy at 20, John Michael Schmitz at 37, Mozzie at 53, and Henley in the third. If we're going for it, I think that's how we're going to do it. I like it. That'd be a great draft, Greg, if we could pull that off. I do think Henley's pretty solidly going to go in the second now. No doubt about it, but I'm with it. Senzai Banzai, that's a great deal for Gino and the Hawks. I was worried Gino wanted more. This 35 million sounds appropriate when you when guys like Wentz are making that. Agreed. It's it was the market rate, you know, Senzai. He was going to get paid that if he wasn't here. Somebody else was going to pay that money to him. Uh, James Valvis, uh, there's no chance the Seahawks go 4-0 against the Rams and Cards again. Half our wins. Uh, there's no chance, James. Go for what? For our far tougher schedule this year? I, I don't know about that, James. Look at the Rams right now are, are trying to, they're, they're, they're about to reportedly move Jalen Ramsey. They just let go of Bobby Wagner. They are trying to also move, last report I just saw now, they're trying to move Leonard Floyd and they're expected to put a post-June 1st designation on Leonard Floyd if they can't get a deal for him. So they're going to weaken down their defense even more significantly this next year. They've got guys coming off major injuries, and, and we don't potentially have that door open. If they're in a sem like semi-tank mode next year, James, we absolutely can go 2-0 against that team next year again. Same thing's absolutely still true for Cardinals too, man. That coach is a joke, Gannon. I, I don't, I, like, that's a, they're, and they don't know when they're getting Kyler back. No, man, we can absolutely go 4-0 next year against them. I'll give you that, James. It's The, the schedule will be tougher, but. There's not those two teams. Uh, Garth, thank you for another $5 donation. Says, Brando, give me a little Pauly Shore reacting to the Bears trading Justin Fields and picking AR at number one because he has the arms legs to cut through the whole, through, he has the arm legs to cut through the Windy City. Well, I'll tell you, buddy, when you got a guy that can only move and he's only good at scrambling, you got to get yourself a man with a hose. And I'll tell you who's got that big hose. It's that Anthony Richardson, buddy. He can let it fly. And I'm telling you right now, Justin Fields lets it die. I don't want it to die, buddy. I want the Bears to do good. I want him squeezing the juice. As good as I got tonight, Garth. <laughs> My Polly's not been strong lately. I got to work. I got to work a little more on the old Polly one, man. He does bring good luck to us, though, Garth. I, anytime I do a Polly Shore, we always have something good happen very shortly after. So hopefully that does continue to maintain on that one. Uh, Megan, thank you for the $5 donation. Another dono. Megan, thank you so much for all the donos. Very kind of you tonight. So sorry, B, I'm getting to telltale signs of an upcoming migraine. Need to step away to swallow some meds. Be right back. No worries, Megan. You know, I'll be chilling here, so it's all good. Appreciate you. Just hang in there. Get some rest. I think the chat will be pretty okay tonight. Nobody's going to go too crazy tonight. I think everybody's going to be pretty well 
feeling okay, hopefully. Hopefully a little bit of smile, even those people that are reticent about the deal. Uh, Wu-Tang Financial says, I'm happy for Gino. And thank you, Wu-Tang, for the $5 donation. Says, I'm happy for Gino. He deserves this. And I'm glad, I'm glad he gets, I'm glad he's where he'll thrive. Now dig those trenches deep this draft. Now I just need B-Wags in those throwbacks. I do need B-Wags in those throwbacks too, Wu-Tang. And the good news is we are hearing reports here that B-Wags and Seahawks, mutual interest, expecting a deal done, working through some details, should happen soon. These are the rumors that we are hearing about between Bobby Wagner and the front office. So indeed, it would seem to indicate that we are going to see a deal being done between those two camps, which would be tremendous. So, yep, I'm with you 100%. Get B-Wags and then just go hard at the trenches. As somebody was saying below, one of the donations, it'd be great to go get a receiver. And I don't disagree with that. But if this team just wanted to completely hammer the trenches and hit that nail through the board, through the depth of the board, through the bottom of the board to just get it right, I would certainly be in favor of that. It would not be the worst of approaches to maybe, you know, go down that realm with it and uh, try to take advantage of that rain. But boy, those throwback jerseys are going to look so tight next year. And fans are going to be clamoring for them to be full-time jerseys, I think, once they really get to see them. I mean, just you see some of the people doing the Photoshop stuff on that, and you're like, yeah, that's the jersey right there. That's the one right there. Technically speaking, we're just about due for a little bit of a jersey change, you know? What about a little bit of a mix of the old and the the old and the recent, you know, with that a little bit, Wu-Tang. So I love your idea on it, man. And I'm with you on that 100%. I think that would be the, the way to do it. Get the center, get your right guard, get your defensive line, get your pass rush going. Put this at the tip of the spear of your offseason approach. And we haven't been able to so far. I mean, you added Haynes back, but Ballor's not a guy to go to that. Myers isn't a guy to go to that. Gino's not a guy to go to that. Now you got to try to take different paths to go in, but do address it 100%. Randall, thank you for the $2 donation. I do appreciate all the donations from you as well, man. Says, uh, the poly brings good luck because one of your OGs at Randall McDaniel recommended it back in the day. You did, buddy. You said maybe a little poly show or bring a little bit of luck. And the bears are going to need some luck because they suck. <laughs> oh, you can only do so much poly, though, man. There's only so much poly in there. Oh, goodness. Um, Random McDaniels with a $2 donation says, So weird, I was going to ask you to do a poly. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew it was coming. My poly's all a kid tonight. Poly's been failing me when I've tried to call it the last few times, but it's, it's starting to come through a little bit right now. Just just a hair. Thank you for the, all the donations, man. Cesar Mendez, thank you for subscribing to the Hawks Nest. Welcome aboard, brother. Appreciate you jumping on up. Uh, Randall, thank you for another $5 donation. Randall, appreciate you too, man. Says, uh, talking about the Buckner trade, pairing with Jalen would be good on many fronts, including him learning from a consummate professional. Agreed. You bring him into the room with uh, not only a guy like Buckner, but then you have a guy uh, like Uchenna Nuoso over there too, Randall. Maybe even Al Woods still on the roster at that point. You're giving him a lot of elders around him to maybe help guide him in the right direction of things. But uh, the Buckner trade, pairing him with the Carter, one, two, 
That's a that's a again you 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 we talk about addressing the trenches or turning a, turning a, the defensive line around with just kind of two players alone initially just right from the jump. That would do that. Uh, I love the potential of moving on a Buckner trade. You're doing so not because Buckner sucks or that he's some, somehow fallen off since he's left the Niners or that he's somehow really old now. You're doing so because the Colts are in a position where they've got to shed some money. And they certainly have to make some other moves, I think, in addition to that. And this is a, way, a place where they could save some money by moving on from Buckner. So uh, I, if, Randall, if we came out of that with this, if we walked away where the first two picks is Carter and Buckner and you've signed Geno, we're on the way, man. We're, we're on the way if that's, if that's the two moves that we've made there at the jump with that and how that could, the effect that would have on our defense, especially the, the defensive line first and foremost, of course. Uh, Guard Knight, thank you for the $5 donation as well. You guys are awesome on the donos, man. The Polly brings good luck because of one of your OGs at Randall McDaniel recommended it back in the day. He did, man. He did. Randall's, Randall's good luck in general. Randall's good luck in general. So... You know, that's just going to rub off anything on that. I just, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm just getting a little bit off that on, just trying to drip that off over onto my, onto me a little bit there with that, you know, get a little bit over there. You get a little bit of that luck onto me. You know what I mean? Polly is good luck, man. I don't know why. Can't explain it. Secrets of the universe. Who can explain them? You know, sometimes stuff just is what it is. It just brings that luck. Thank you, Garth. I appreciate you though on the donuts. Uh, Alexander, thank you for the $2 donation. says, the current uniforms, but in the throwback colors. <sighs> oh, right on the spot on that one, Alexander. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. I like that. So we got the patterns, right? We got that little, all the, all the, the patterns, but we go old school colors with it. Let's, let's go, Alexander. Let's go, man. Sign me up for that. Sign me up for that. That would look tight. And I love that. I love the marrying of two different eras for a new Jersey. You know, you could be creating kind of your, your baseline Jersey that becomes your, you know, becomes your, your long-term Jersey, you know, becomes your Raiders Jersey or becomes your, I'm not going to mention the Browns one. Cause that's horrible. That whole, that whole thing is a, a nightmare over there from them deciding that color and name and I know why they did it but but you know one of these organizations like that that have those uniforms that's just like they're never changing that you know or if they do it'll be very slightly power code slide over pay for Gino but that's okay because the cap numbers in 2024 is going way up it's true. What looks like a premature additional $3 million a year will be nullified and considered what Carr got. It's good. Slight overpay is a good way to put it, man. Um, and the market rate's the market rate on this. It comes down to the decision to either pay for the guy that's worth the amount of money or trying to go with the cheaper quarterbacks and build more of the team up. It's, it's a philosophy decision more than it's about a worth situation. And Herbert said, I hope you're right. Bobby's Bobby, you're on deck. Give us back our Bobby. Give us back our B-Wags. Give me back my B-Wags. We lent them to you for a year. You give them back. Caleb, Filippo, Gino, Gino, Gino. 
And I'm way behind on the chat. So if I miss your chat, sorry, guys. We're going to have a lot of people in here tonight. It's going to be hard to stay on top of things. So I'll do my best. But uh, give me some rope tonight. You know what I mean? I'll be back on Wednesday, too, if we happen to miss a comment or question in here. If it's going. So we got a lot. Well, a lot of people in here tonight. Uh, James Valvis' Adi Adewari has some of the worst tape I've ever seen. The guy is a workout wonder. I think that's a pretty fair assessment, James. The, the tape is um, uh, uninspiring. Um, he did have a great performance out there at the Senior Bowl, but certainly he is a guy that has raised his stock once you move away from the tape and go into this pre-draft process. I think it's a very good point. Mark Uppercorn, can I identify as Geno so I can get that contract? <laughs> Laugh my house off, Russ. Still, like and stuff with this hard work of man. What's up, Mark? Good to see you in the chat, man. What's up, Jose? So what would a move like that look like? Uh, Which move on that, Jose? I'm sorry. I'm probably off on the chat a little bit on some of the questions with this. My timing with it. New Blacks, go give Daryl now Washington. Give Geno Darnell Washington if we're going all in. I'm okay with that. But if you're looking to shave money, get out from under the fan contract, go get Washington. Brian says, can't do a quarterback at five now. Get lock on cap-friendly deal and a draft a quarterback after the fourth round. Too many holes to fill for a quarterback early now. Potentially, I think it's it's it closes a little bit more, but it's still open that door. Uh, I don't think you can afford lock at this point, Brian, because he's going to cost four or five million dollars and you're paying Gina what he is. You're just not going to stack those two contracts up. Not with what you have uh, on the books already. Obi-Wan says, it's not hard to see this is an overpay. It doesn't seem like we are positioning for contention, but just being good. This seems like a good chance for AR in the draft, though. I think all of those comments are fair, on point, and potentially what we're looking at here. I'd acknowledge this is it's a way where they just signed Gino and they go, okay, we did what we did. Well, now we're going to draft, you know. But this is the kind of move you make because you are trying to go forward, not because you're simply just trying to you know, wade your way into the water a little bit, dip your toe in, go get in. You know, start giving me some of those Olympic strokes, you know, but yeah, if they don't do that, Obi-Wan, then it is that. And that would be disconcerting. Music Kingdom says, love the deal here. Hell yeah, man. Get excited on it. Music says it makes the con car contract look stupid. Yeah. Well, this, the Saints making that deal, I think as much from a desperation angle. Seahawks are making this deal, I think with options on the table and determining this is the best option. And, you know, even if Gino's not giving them a massive discount, maybe he's structuring the deal in a way that's going to make a lot of sense for the team once we see the numbers out. Uh, Bobby Savage Hill says, oh, yeah, Andrew Voorhees tore his ACL. Maybe a steal later in the draft. Tough dude. Tough dude. Yeah, he went out there and popped out like 38 reps on the bench after he tore his ACL in the workouts, which, woof, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'm not that tough. So, uh, yeah, maybe a guy you could pick up a little bit later on there, Bobby. Maybe a guy you get in the fifth round, you know. There'd be some value there. Hung Wu, I love Dorian Thompson later, man. Later in the draft makes sense with him. 
Jonathan Magana says, I believe Gina will be better this upcoming year, especially if we get a good center. That's my, been my case too, Jonathan. He's going to get all of the basically the per same personnel back minimum, and then he's going to have it added too. And if that's going to be the case, you would think then he would give you even better performance. New Black's contract itself is okay for his production last year. It's just the ramifications I'm worried about, whether they try to push in all, all in around Gino or just a meddling middle-of-the-road team. That is the question at play. That is the, the $105 million question at this point. Is this just to pay him to be middling, or is this to pay him because you're truly going to go for it? Tyson Olawaza says, defense next, please. Me too. Let's get that defense taken care of. Randy Wagner, wish you all the best for the Seahawks. The Hawks have the best fan base besides the Steelers Nation. Go Hawks, go Hawks Nest, go Brandon and Pumpkin. If the Steelers can't win the Super Bowl, let it be the Hawks. Well, let's go. Sounds good to me, Randy, and I'll give I'll give Pumpkin a little bit of love for you. Startling her. She needs a she needs a little bit of it's it's been an hour. She needs a little bit of love here. Yeah. A little bit. Jeffrey Nicholson says next emergency stream will be the big BWAG signing. I'm with him, man. If he signs tomorrow, I'll be going live. You better believe it. You better believe it. That'd be big news for us to bring him in. So uh, let's do it. Bet, as the as the kids would say. Jaboy Michael, how would I feel about a possible Frank Clark reunion? Yeah, I, I just wouldn't be in on um I wouldn't be in on the on the on the reunion there with that myself. I I don't. I, I think that the fan base really has a love for Frank Clark, which is endearing to see. And I know a lot of people view him posthumously of leaving the Seattle Seahawks as being a really, really excellent player and that somehow he's been the fuel to the fire for the Chiefs Super Bowl run. But he's not been that. And and he's just I'm not trying to throw shade at the guy, just he's not a particularly very good player at this point in his career anymore. So I, I don't want to pay for that. There's other guys. I'd rather go for Jadavian Clowney than Frank Clark. It's a far superior player. And you're going to get probably them about right around the same price at that point. This is my take on it. David Pugh, thank you for the $10 donation, David. Very kind of you, brother. Appreciate you. He says, Brandon, whispering, oh, is scary going going to... Brandon whispering, oh, is scary going to go fast? And bad things might happen if we go that fast into the mic. Just didn't sound like football talk. Ha <laughs> ha Much love. Much love. <laughs> I'm excited today, man. I'm going to get a little carried away. What can I say? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to have a little fun with it tonight. I got to know this team's going to try to go get themselves a Super Bowl next year. We may not get there. We may not be good enough. There may be teams further along. There may be teams with better quarterbacks. There may be better teams that are in their Super Bowl window. I don't care about that. We're going to at least go for it. Take your swing, right? Throw that mighty hook across your opponent's face and see if it might just land. I'm good with it. That's right, man. <laughs> it's also an ASMR stream at times, David. It's kind of the way I, I roll this. It gravitates Seahawk talk, ASMR. You know, you like those Seahawks, don't you? Yeah. Um, uh, Mom and Pops, SRT has become a member of the Hawks Nest. Thank you for doing so, Mom and Pops. I very much appreciate you joining up on to the Hawks Nest as a member. It says, what are the plans for the throwback jerseys, home or away? Well, if they're not, if they're not doing home jerseys, then they're just, 
they're, they're, they're just wasting things at that point, aren't they? I mean, the throwbacks would look okay, but let, we got to go home with this one. I got to go pure, pure home jersey with this. So mom and pops, um, I'm hoping we get to see it a couple of games next year, maybe a home and away. Get a little bit of a taste of both worlds with that one. But at the very least, you're getting home, I would say. At the very least, you're getting home. Thank you for becoming a member of the channel. I do appreciate it. Why do wide? Thank you for also becoming a member. I think you're re-enlisting up, and thank you for re-enlisting up as a member of the Hawks Nest channel. You're awesome for doing so, brother. Appreciate you. Welcome back aboard. Uh, David Pugh with another $20 donation. Jeez, David, thank you for the double dono. Very kind of you. Big, big donos coming in there with David. 10 and a 20, big bad boy there. So appreciate you on that. Uh, and not that 33 can fix all of our D issues, but people do forget he was arguably the most important piece to this D and we didn't have him all year. 33 healthy is not something we can overlook. I'm behind him all the way. I think it, it, I got asked very often about this, David, and moving on from Jamal and post-June first cut and all of that. And I, I understood where people were coming from and bringing that up as a possibility. But I always did come back to kind of the same point of saying, look, the, the best case scenario for the situation with Jamal Adams as it currently stands, take away the reservations about the draft capital given up or about the money spent, about some cost. The best thing for us right now is him coming back out next year and balling out and giving us a little bit of reclamation from this deal. And I would rather trust in that potential still, especially David having Ryan Neal as your hedge, as your insurance plan. That's our rider right there. If something does happen with Jamal again next year, you've got that guy there as a rider. I think Jamal is going to be very motivated to put his best foot forward, to be in his best shape, to do as much as he can. Um, the nice part with that injury is he did have last year is at least he's getting a little bit of extra time that had happened early in the year. Maybe that's giving him a little bit more time for those shoulders and for some of the other parts that have been kind of broken up here over the last couple of years. But you're right. He was your best. He was set to be the best defender you had on that defense last year if he had played and he was gone basically all but one quarter of the, of the whole season. And that's that's something that you're, you know, Ryan Neal did an admirable job filling in and did great, was one of the better safeties in the league last year. But he's going to add a, a different kind of element to the team if he can be that guy to come in there and uh, play consistently for you and be out there for a 17-game season. So great point, David. Um, I agree he's not going to fix all of it. But if you fix, you get that front seven fixed up, you get a linebacker talent in there with Bobby, we get, the, get, him, back, get him back to full health now, you're starting to put things to kind of together a little bit. You can see how he works his way into that if he can be that difference maker kind of at the position that he once was with the New York Jets. And I think he, he still possibly can be. He's not a tremendously old player. And he's had a lot, like I said, that's the upside of missing some of these games is that you do are a little bit maybe more healthier. You haven't had as much, um, as much taken off the tires a little bit, let's just say. So I hope so, David. I hope he can bounce back. I'm rooting for uh, Jamal Adams too to be able to come forward a little bit with that one. Uh, Megan, thank you for the another $5 donation. I appreciate so much on all those donations on the, ugh, can't speak tonight. It says my apologies to you and B, uh, my apologies to you B in the 12s. No apologies needed, Megan. You appreciate all the support and doing what you can do. My left side is starting to go numb, which means a migraine is coming. Not sure I'll be on tomorrow. Uh, no worries. We'll make it. We don't come back till Wednesday. So this is a little bit of that with emergency stream. I won't be back until, uh, until another, so you got another whole day to get right, <laughs> but take care of yourself. 
Uh, I know, don't, uh, if, if you're feeling that, just lay back, get the breath in there, get some water, just chill out. You know what I mean? It's all good. I, I understand how that goes, man. When migraine's coming, that's killer. There's nothing you can do but just sit there and kind of wait it out, so to speak. Wait, wait for it to pass. Nothing you can really even take. I know people got their, some people got some techniques, but I've always found you get migraine and just, you just have to suffer through it basically. But I appreciate you, Megan. Thank you for the donation. And David, again, thank you for all the double donos, the $20 donation and uh, we're of like mind, brother, on Jamal, 100%. Andrew, Laura, thank you for subscribing to the Hawk's Nest. Welcome aboard the Hawk's Nest and thank you for doing so. Raj Ho says, who will we sign to be the number two running back? Rashad Penny, Raj. Rashad Penny will be your number two running back. Deadly, I honestly think I honestly think John Michael Schmitz will fall to the second round after his combine. Probably would at this point, Deadly. If he'd gone out and been a little bit more legitimate, but those numbers that he put out, I mean, he had like a 5-4-40 or something. Like, it's, it's very likely to maybe move him back a bit. You know? And second round sounds about right at this point in that moving back a bit thing. Why do I says this was what I wanted Seattle to do for the right money right after the season was over. Seattle is now one of the, is in one of the power positions picking at number five. Have to get wide receiver three, pass catching tight end, and a center. Oh, interesting positions you went to on that. I mean, I'm certainly with you on the center, and I'd love to get those other things, but they might be uh, they might prove to be a little more wide do wide later ones that you have to deal with getting later on in the draft. Akshay says, also with the new pass rush coach, I think we'll probably improve our edges. Let's hope. Also curious to see what Tyreek Smith does. Me as well. Me as well. Fritz says, less than a week ago, people were praying Carter falls to us at five. I don't think the incidence is enough for us to snag him. Uh, and very well may prove to be that, Fritz. It's hard to tell at this point a little bit. Mr. Kane, my brother from another mother. How you doing tonight? Says, Hawks Nest family, hello for a few minutes before bed. I came in late. How do we feel about the Geno contract? I think most people are pretty overall, the money's making everybody pause a little bit, but I think overall people are pretty uh, encouraged. Hopeful, liking the fact this maybe makes us a little more competitive. I reside, Carter Simpson can't see how they breeze. Jason Peters Simpson at 235 will be gone. He'll be gone in the second. He might be there at 20. Maybe. One forty-four elite says Richardson is our new quarterback. What do you think? I think it's possible, man. I don't think this Geno signing makes it uh, unlikely that uh, Richardson won't be potentially picked. I'm working on. I was working on today actually a Richardson video that I'll post here probably another day as an upload. So uh, talking just about that potential. 
Body-wise, is realistic thing could happen. Anderson at five, then teams get scared, and Carter 20, or maybe a small trade up. Not likely. It's fun to consider. What a roller coaster since the trade. Boy, would that be crazy if you came out of this with Anderson and Carter somehow in this draft? <laughs> oh, 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 get out, you know? Jared G, 35 million is way better than 45 to 48 million, like I heard was the possible asking amount. Plus, having Gino will attract much better free agents. It's a great point in that latter half there, Jared G, one that I've not brought up or considered at this point. Um, and you're right, 35 is better than 45 to 48. I will say it's it's not a middle-tier deal, so we don't want to qualify it as that. But it is better than paying top five quarterback money. Top 10 is better than top five. Akshay says, I like Tipman better than JMS. JMS has small hands. <laughs> yeah, I think Tipman te tested better, didn't he? What's up, D-boy? Good to see you in the house, man. Stromberg had a better combine than Schmitz. He did. Yeah, Schmitz's combine was disappointing. Why do I says 334 in the chat on a Monday during the offseason? Way to go, Brandon. And everyone hit that like button. I know, man. We had a great show tonight. I always say the Seahawks fans always got their ear to the ground when something's about to happen. That's why you got to do these emergency streams. I know people are out there looking for stuff, looking for content. Got to keep it going. Keep it going. D-Boy, rest in peace, Mama Blue, indeed. Some pretty sad photos out there today I was seeing on the social medias. Jerry G, I'm down for Mach 2. I like him second round-ish more than I like him first or with even that early second round pick. <laughs> Nolan Arvance says, Gino's worth the money. Not that they'll do it, but what is the contract worth in trade value? You're not wrong, potentially, Nolan. Let's take this through a process. You sign Gino, you pick a quarterback in this draft at five. That quarterback sits a year. You love his development. You think he's ready to take hold now next year. You have, let's say, maybe $50 million on this deal in bonus money. Um, at that point, 17 million of it would pair off. You move Gino then to a team that's like, wow, he's done it for two years. He looks great. You eat the dead money. You get the draft pick compensation back. Then you roll with the next quarterback. Um, the dead money on that would be fairly substantial, but if you're getting a good enough pick back in return, then it may be well worth it. You could also do the same thing after year two of Geno's deal, and then it's even less dead money at that point. So that still is a possibility here on the table. Not completely out of uh, left field. John says, B-Wags doesn't really play the way I want our linebackers to play anymore. Strong, angry, and fast with reckless abandon, although props to the man. Yeah. Maybe not quite there. Um, <laughs> Ethan, says, Ethan says, let's trade a bag of chips for Russell and have him develop under Gino, which should be beneficial for us. Jax Blue and Green says, this means we're getting Carter or Tyree Wilson. Ooh, I'm happy with either one, man. Alan says, Geno Smith is a very humble person. He could have easily took more money elsewhere, but chose to stay. I'll forever respect the man. Me too. Me too. 
Jacob Power, are they allowed to use throwback jerseys more than once a week, or is it like an action green where it's only one game? I think that they get to do more than once, but I'm not sure on that, Jacob. I feel like other teams have done their throwbacks more than once in recent years. So why not us? White Wise says you can build a top D in one offseason. Has been done many times. We build top five offense too. Look out. Who knows how good they could be? Great point. Great point. Erickson says, I don't know what Jamal is still capable of now with his hand and knees. It's a bit of a question mark, Erickson. And I saw a post of him running on the treadmill a little bit better than he looked a couple months ago where it was definitely still just getting the legs underneath him. But that's also where it's nice to have the Ryan Neal insurance policy. Because Neal played, basically was one of PFF's top safeties in the league last year. That's what he gave you. So that still is there. You're not completely on like, well, it's all on Jamal or we just go to hell. You know, it's not going to be built like that this year. Actually, it looks like Tyree Olsen has jumped on most NFL boards. PFF reported that he may now be the first defensive player that may be drafted. Wow. Wow. Pedro Mendoza, let's do a mock, Brandon. I probably, I'll do one on, let's do one on Wednesday there, Pedro, because I just ran a mock last night. So I'm probably a little bit, I'm probably a little bit, yeah, it's probably a little bit further right now. It's tough to run one right now. But we'll do one on Wednesday. And Udor, we need a defensive line that stops the run. Hawks defensive line was 10th in sacks last year. Yeah, we do. And, and that sack number would have improved even more if you had had a, a, a defense that could stop the run with some sort of consistency. And defense offenses weren't able to get off the hook of having to, you know, not having to basically just running the ball down your throat 24-7. So, yeah, I agree. That's where it's got to kind of start from. Start from the run to then get to more pass rush, but first start from stopping the run this offseason, getting more physical at the line of scrimmage. All pro Seahawks at Hawks Nest. Could you imagine Peter Skaronsky and Luke Wolper? Holy smokes, the best young offensive line in the league. They would be that at that point, I think, all pro Seahawks. It's certainly a very young group at that point, so they're probably not at the spot of where they're quite ready to really be at their fullest, but that doesn't matter to me. The bottom line is that if you build a great offensive line, whether you're in your window for your Super Bowl or approaching your window for your Super Bowl, uh, it, it's always going to benefit and help the team out, no matter what. Um, and I do like Skaronsky a lot. I think he can play just about every position on the offensive line. And I think guard is his best outlook. Um, Wilper at center would be fine. He's an, he's an NFL caliber center. He's going to be a guy that projects out to probably be maybe a little bit better than an average NFL center at the next level when he's going to factor out. So, you know, so much about an offensive line is about not your greatest strength, but your weakest link. And your success, your offensive line is based on how good is your weakest link? You might have your pillar over there at the blindside position, but if you have this guy over here who's a sieve, who's a revolving door, you know, who's just getting run over snap after snap, the whole play goes to hell. So when you put those guys in there at that point, all pro Seahawks, the nice point is now you're lowering that weak link point so much higher than where it's been recently. And we've had some weak links. 
Tommy says, I got in late. Was Brandon not a fan of the Geno signing? He seems a bit dejected. No, I'm not dejected at all, man. I'm doing good. Ethan Tech World says, Brandon, so I presume the dream offseason stream is going to be a bit different now that Geno has been signed. Yes, we're not going to be running the... Uh, it's going to be quite different. That's one of the reasons I wanted to wait on that stream too, was to see the Geno shoe drop to then kind of go, okay, here's the dream off season within this, <laughs> you know, but I will still be going aggressive and I'm going to be operating from the standpoint of my next stream this Wednesday with my dream off season under the stance that the Seahawks team is going to actually go for it this off season, as opposed to sort of slow playing this with the Geno contract. Actually, this is a healthy Jamal will transcend this D. I just hope he has one season where he plays 17 games, laughing out loud. Me too, man. Me too. And you're right. He changes this defense in a big way. I think you guys are on point with that. I do. Randy McDaniel, thank you for another $5 donation. I do appreciate you. Sorry, a little late on acknowledgement there, but I do appreciate you on it. This is the battering ram we should look for is David Montgomery. Still has something in the tank. Probably what we paid Penny in 2022. So one mere 575, probably right, Randall. That's probably about the cost on a David Montgomery, maybe 5 million, maybe a little bit less than what Penny got by, by, a, by a little bit. Um, yeah, he runs pretty physical. I mean, he's, he's an okay guy to me. I like him a lot better if he's cheap, Randall, than paying him on any kind of contract basis. I feel like if I'm paying up at five, you know, why not just go to 10 for Saquon then, <laughs> you know? Um, who's a, a far superior player to David Montgomery, in my opinion. I think the team's going to try to lean in as much as they can at Randall to go cheap at the position. I don't think they're going to be open to really paying a guy $5, 6000000 million at the spot. Even if Penny's going to come back, it's going to basically be a league minimum deal with maybe a million dollars in incentives on top of it. That's, they're just going to have to structure the team in that way because the money's running out. The room's running out. And if they intend to do any more damage or make any kind of hay in free agency then they're not going to be able to do much else if they do sign a running back for that kind of money, in my opinion. Um, but you're right. I think that's what he would cost. And I like Montgomery. It's just, I, I think from a resource standpoint, it's going to be hard to placate that to the to the running back room right now when there's other places that I think are got to be probably hit to some degree. Certainly they've got to come into the draft, Randall, with some signings on that defensive line or some trade, you know, whatever it may be. But Montgomery's nice. He's good. Good speed. Runs hard. Uh, Randall, thank you for another $5 donation. Appreciate you for all the donos, brother. Says, uh, feel uh, feel like the same people who say don't sign Jalen are clamoring for Frank Clark sucker, Frank sucker plunge Clark. <laughs> of course, Frank, uh, uh, Randall is referring to Jermaine Fetty and Frank getting into it. And uh, Frank, uh, a lot of witnesses said it looked crazy at the time in person where Frank sucker punched uh, Jermaine Fetty and just dropped him uh, on the practice field at one point. Um, Randall says, always thought he was a punk as far as Frank goes. Yeah, I, I was just never in on him as much as other people were too, Frank. Um, he's a guy that got a lot of love from Seahawks fans and I always thought he was he was okay, he was fine. You know, but 20, when, he was, when they were talking about that at $23.5 million per year for him, which was going to be the cost if we kept him, say nothing of the lost first and second round picks that we got back in return. I, I came away from that going, yeah, not he's not worth that. He's, he was a solid player at one point in time, but another guy that, that that's you see this happen with certain guys. Jaron Reed had the same thing happen, um, where defensive linemen will come into the into the sport and they will be good run stuffers at the college level. That will in fact be a little bit of their forte at the college level. 
And then they get into the NFL and they get more and more fixed, Randall, on trying to get the pass rush stuff, getting their sack numbers up. And they'll do it at the expense of being sound in the run game, setting the edge, you know, playing the run instead of just trying to run, get to the quarterback with, you know, all out effort on that playing and play out. Um, I think he did a little bit of that sacrifice to Clark come at the next level. And I think Reed did too over the course of his career. And uh, that, that just, it diminishes their value to a large degree. You're, you're a pass rusher that already is inconsistent and you know, you're not giving me 10, 12 sacks a year. You know, you're going to give me like seven or eight, and then you're not going to play the run good in addition to that. <laughs> no, thank you. And I got to pay 8 million, 9 million a year for that. No, thank you. Mm-mm. But yeah, yeah, there's definitely a lot of folks that are big on Frank. I just, I don't see why I can't understand quite, you know, the process. It's three, four years ago that he left. You know? um, thank you though, Randall, for all the donos, man. Appreciate you. David Pugh with another $20 donation. Thank you, David Pugh, for that $20 drop, man. Thank you for that. That's like triple donos from David tonight, man. Three times. So thank you so much for all those donos. Says, maybe I've drank the Kool-Aid. Who knows? But my scorching hot take of 2023 is that a healthy Jamal Adams can have the same game impact as Aaron Donald has. Attack me in the chat. I don't care. Draw your swords. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, hey, if you use Jamal Adams in the way that he is that guy that you move all over the line of scrimmage and you let him go into attack mode and you let him to be, you, you make him something that offenses have to account for, snap in and snap out, he can certainly, I think, have a, a very high measure of impact. It, it would be hard for me, David, to go quite to an Aaron Donald-like impact because with Aaron, you're, to me, when that guy's healthy, he is maybe the most impactful defensive presence in this sport and has been so for the last five years, six years. Um, so for, if, if Adams falls a little short of that or falls even far short of that, he could still be such a useful, great, impactful player um, in what he is. Um, so I, I think Adams, I've always been, excuse me, definitely spring definitely spring uh i think adams is um a great player david i do but uh aaron donald's uh he's in a rarefied spot i'll tell you i mean that's that kind of guy and what what he can do to a game plan um which is single-handedly destroy a game plan almost all on his own you know i haven't quite had the opportunity to see Jamal necessarily do that in a football game yet. But nonetheless, man, we're in the same place on this one. My my sword remains in its hilt because of the fact that he is a great player. He's not just an average safety in this league that can stop the run. He's an upper-level safety in this league. And there's been some moments that haven't reflected necessarily well on him at times here in Seattle. And there's been some other moments he's played really well in other games. And it's been a little bit of a mixed bag in addition to the high amount of injuries that he's had to sustain early on in his career. But if he gets it rolling, and if you add to that defensive line, as, as somebody else was saying, that might have been you, David, below, that you know you can turn defenses around in one offseason. It's not something that is just, uh, it takes years and years to do. You just got to put the resources into it, get it significant, have a philosophy, dedicate yourself to that philosophy, and then let it roll. And the defense does have some <laughs> parts and pieces to build off of next offseason, but it's going to take a lot more than what they have now too, I think, in addition. I don't think you just go Bobby and then trust in Jamal coming back and you add a couple guys in the draft on the line and they're like, oh, well, it's good now. It's going to take, I think it's going to take significantly more than that. I do. But if they're willing to jump that far with it, if they go hard at it this offseason with the young guys, 
supplementing some of that with the free agency and put it together and just really hammer it hard, um, they can absolutely get there. And Jamal's going to be a very key piece to this defense next year, David, for the defense getting to a place of being an elite. Maybe not a key piece and you're counting on him where the de- like this year, the whole defense's kind of success was going to be hinging a little bit on whether or not Jamal played for the most part, it seemed like, because they threw out all of their blitz game stuff and all of their <clears throat> safety attack stuff once Jamal kind of went out. Um, blitzing, nonetheless, uh, Russell Wilson on the play that actually dropped him. So I don't think he's going to be as reliant this year on him in that respect. But nonetheless, if you're talking about, David, this defense getting to a place of being an elite, being a top five kind of defense, that would be a requirement of Jamal being on the field and being that impactful guy he was with the New York Jets prior to coming to Seattle. (laughs) Thank you, though, David, for all the donations, man. I really do appreciate it. You are really very kind. Very kind. Ted Matrix, thank you for subscribing to the Hawks Nest. Welcome aboard the channel. I do appreciate you for doing that. I'm going to get a little more uh, coffee, folks. Bear with me. Hey, kitty. What you doing? Debo, oh, sorry. Or beside, I'm liking Rashawn Johnson, a running back. Chris Carson, 2.0. Yeah, my Chris Carson backs in this draft, Herbicide, would indeed be Rashawn Johnson and uh, Chris Rodriguez. Tavion Thompson. Mm. Nah. I can't put Tavion Thompson quite in the same place as those two guys. But those are your two Chris Carson-like running backs. John says they're going to draft Mike Morris. Well, indeed, John, they did meet with Mike Morris. He's a fun power edge. He is. You're talking about wanting to stop the run and get that guy in the second round. I could understand them making the, making the pull there. And I think he's got some upside as a pass rusher, too. Andrew Loris says it sucks the K-9 got robbed in the awards. It's hard when you're up against a couple of New York guys, man. You know what I mean, Andrew? You ain't going to... Pacific Northwest player up against a New York player in any awards voting, they're going to lose even if they're vastly better. David says, yeah, roasting Jamal for lack of INTs at this point just feels childish. And people say it like it's an original joke every time. Yeah. And it's like, David, you know what I mean? It's, I, don't, I don't really knock him for that. I don't. And again, man's got two fingers fused. What do we expect from him? You know what I mean? And also, look, strong safeties don't always tend to, usually tend to have good hands. You know, the free safeties tend to be the guys that, are the, that have the hands. Strong safeties have to be those guys coming up. They got to tackle too much. They got those fingers bent in every different direction and, you know, all gnarled and mangled. How can they be expected to catch? David says, Jamal will have almost a full calendar year to heal up. This is the best chance he will ever have. I believe in him. It is, man, David. And that's what my earlier point was a second ago about that, just that he had the injury early on in the year, so he's really going to have a really long period of recovery time this offseason to get right. 
Giveaway says, I'm happy for Gino. I'm not happy on how much we paid him. I know no other team would have paid him that much. I, I know no other team would have paid him that much. I think another team would have been D-Boy. I do. I think the market scarcity of the position, the fact there weren't a lot of other guys out there on the market, once Carr goes off the market, now you're either looking at needing to make a trade for Lamar and pay him way more money than I think a lot of teams are comfortable paying for, or you're going to go what? Baker Mayfield? Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, I think there was going to be a team out there, D-Boy, that was going to be willing to pay for him at that point. Maybe not a lot, but at least one. In utero, how are we going to sign free agents, though? Well, you're going to have to potentially sign some extensions, make some trades, convert some base to bonus. The team has a lot of cap flexibility right now in the respect in utero. They don't have a lot of dead money deals on the book as it is right now. So they can move some numbers around in any which way and fashion that they want to. What it takes is the will. It takes the will to want to go out there and win right now. It takes the will to say, let's, do, let's throw the chips all to the center of the table. Let's indicate to the fans. Let's indicate to ourselves. Let's indicate to the locker room that we want to go forth this year right now. Will that come next? Is that a part of this that's, that, that come, come down the track? Um, I don't know. I don't know on that one. We'll, we'll see what the next step is going to be, and certainly how they move in free agency is going to tell us a lot about what their plan is on this. But I hope it's that. Jordan says, we should have $25 million in cap space. Yeah, we, we had a, somewhere between 20, 21 to 25 prior to this deal. Uh, it's gonna, this is going to knock you down probably a good amount, but it's hard to know exactly until we know what the details of this deal are, what the cap amounts are going to be here going forward. It's just a little too early until we get the details. James says, understand what happened with Gino's contract. Pete Carroll promised this young team, if they buy in and ball out, they will be rewarded. Signing Gino completes that promise, but doesn't mean we won't draft a quarterback. Agreed. I think that's I think that's logical. Tommy Eden says, uh, "Oh, sorry, Tommy, my chat got cut off there as I was trying to read your message." One second. Tommy says, well, at least Gino made some really elite throws last year. Some were almost to the other team, but he can legit make all the throws and is willing to use the whole field, unlike Russ. The money, though. It's a bittersweet deal here, Tommy. It's it's good and, and encouraging in that your team's going for it. They're going to be competitive next year, and the quarterback position is going to be not something that they have to overcome, but that's something that can help sustain them at times when they need. On the other side of that, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of moolah. And we all know the realities of paying quarterbacks big money. This is not a mid-market deal. This is a top-end market deal. You can talk to me about what it will look like two years from now. We are not two years from now. We are right now. Right now, it is certainly a top-10 contract on the books and the way this is going to bear out through the course of this offseason. So he's, to your point, capable of doing everything you need a quarterback to do, especially within the context of this West Coast offense. He can operate on time, three, five, seven-step drops. His footwork is very clean. His release um, is very clean. His, um, 
Uh, mechanics are good. There's a reason that he had a 70% completion percentage last year, and it's because those things are on point and all together. And that's likely to still be able to be sustained moving on into the future. And in addition to that, he's also showed he can throw the ball and push it up the fo football field. If you're talking about plus 20-yard throws, he was uh, one of the better big-time throwers in the whole sport last year. And then for the final coup de grace, he can obviously give you a little bit of scrambling ability and 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 he'll get you three, four hundred yards a year on the ground in addition as far as a quarterback goes. So there's a there's a little bit of extra value there too and what he brings on that. But uh yep, I think that there's there's definitely the other side of it, which is that's a lot of money, man. That's a spicy meatball. Whitey Weiss says in the last 13 years, Pete has drafted a skill player day one or day two, ten times. Eight of those first or second round. I'm looking for a wide receiver or a pass catching tight end in the second. We will see. We'll see, man. We will see. Erickson, yep, Ryan Deal. Ryan Neal is that dude. He's that guy. Mumbles, thank you for the $5 donation. Mumbles, it's great to see you in the chat, brother. Hope you're doing well out there. Does everybody be hating on Jamal Adams, but peeps up in here for, keep forgetting that he had no competition all last season. Best coverage safety changed my mind. Everybody be hating on Jamal Adams, but peeps up in here forgetting that he had no competition. No, he had no completions. Sorry, man. It, it, I think you meant completions and it went competitions. Uh, he had no completions all season. Best coverage safety changed my mind. That's right. No catches given up last year. Jamal coming in with a strong 88-like PFF grade off his one quarter of play against Denver last year, I believe, Mumbles. <laughs> Yeah, well, the thing with Jamal is, and, and this is a part people will have a hard time with that, that have seen him in coverage, and it's a rightful thing when you see him placed out there in a single high look or as a cover two defender as he was at times. That's not his game, and that's not the way that the Jets used him in New York. He was a guy that was a much a lurker guy, bringing down near the box, move him all around the line of scrimmage. You never know where he's coming from, but he's coming very often. And Seattle tried to slide him a little bit more into those kind of cover two sort of looks, which is just not what he does really well. And you get him out there in space in those situations, and he looks a little bit worse in coverage than he truly is. But when you have a game where he's actually matched up to what you normally ask a strong safety to do, a la a game two years ago in San Francisco, where he really did lock up George Kittle, and you saw what he could do in coverage on a guy like Kittle, where now I'm going up against not one of the better receivers on the opposition. It's not Cooper Cup I'm going up against. It's George Kittle. And up against Kittle, he handled him, and he can handle tight ends, and he can handle running backs. You put him up against a number one or number two wide receiver, again, you know, as far as the opposition's concerned, yeah, he's going to fail on that. You know, he's not going to look as good with that. But uh, he certainly is not necessarily the negative in coverage some people like to uh, make it out to be with him. Thank you, though, Mumbles, the $5 don't know. Uh, Hang Wu Lee, thank you for the $2 donation. It says, Jets drafted Zach Wilson. The uh, 10 rookie of the year won't cover that. The Rookie of the Year award won't cover that. <laughs> no, ain't going to cover up that piece of poo at the quarterback position. And that's a team right now that is finding themselves, as we see these musical chairs start to be moved off the floor, you know, out goes Derek Carr, out goes Geno Smith. What are the Jets going to do? Is, it, is the answer really going to be Jimmy Garoppolo for the New York Jets going forward? Is that is that the fallout from this Zach Wilson selection is that you find yourself left with your your savior your great hope, your great prayer is Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, 
New York Jets say it ain't so. But at least you got the rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year, you know. At least you got a, a cornerback that can grab a lot of jersey. So there's that, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Ang Wu. Parker Smith with a $5 dumb note. Thank you, Parker. Appreciate you as well. It says, hi, Gino. Better be good. Uh, hi. Hello, Parker. Uh, it says, Gino better be good. Are we keeping Penny? Also, we need Anthony Richardson's also, we need Anthony Richardson's best quarterback in this draft. Mark my words. By the way, I love you, Nest Parker. L nothing but love right back at you, brother. Nothing but big love right back at you. I really do appreciate the dono and all the support. I think you're a member of the channel as well. So thank you for all that support as a member of the channel. In addition to that, um, you're right. Gino better be good at 35 million. You know, you fail out at 7 million. You go, well, we're only playing 7 million to the quarterback position. You start failing out or having a couple of weeks that are really rough and rugged at 35 million, the fans tend to view you in a little bit of a different fashion at that point. So with uh, great power, with great money comes great responsibility. <laughs> with a great big fat signing bonus comes great responsibility. So he better get those webs to a slinging and uh, making miracles happen out there on that football field. Uh, are we keeping Penny? I've long thought, Parker Smith, that the thought process here from my standpoint is that you eventually bring Penny back in on a, a one-year deal, maybe vet minimum, maybe a little bit more than the vet minimum to sort of give him some incentives on the other end of that deal. But you do look to bring him back into the fold at that point. The Seahawks needed to get two running backs this offseason. They could theoretically do that in the draft and just take two in the draft later on. But I think that they, they would probably rather have a little more certainty in a guy like Penny from a talent level, from being a pro for a while and knowing what he needs to do coming in versus having two rookies that are sort of having to learn um, learn the strokes, so to speak, both at the same time, especially if you got to call on both of those guys early as we are tending to need to do with our running back position because it does become so injured so very often. So yeah, I do think Penny comes back on a really small one-year prove-it deal, Parker. Um, Anthony Richardson is on the board for you here. The, the pairing between, you know, if you went Geno Smith, Will Levis kind of doesn't, doesn't make as much sense because Levis is sort of pro ready right now. Levis is 24 years old. Levis is a guy you, if you're going to go draft him, you probably want to start playing him immediately. Uh, Bryce Young, Geno Smith, maybe he doesn't work as well. They're like, well, Bryce is ready to go right now. I don't have to wait on Bryce Young. Why, why, this is not, we're having him sit on the bench almost needlessly at that point. But if you talk about, Anthony Richardson, and, and to a smaller degree, C.J. Stroud, though I think C.J. can probably hit the ground running too. When you talk about Richardson, you're talking about the guy that does need a little bit of time. He needs a little bit of that moment to maybe sit on the bench. And now by having Geno here, you've removed that draw that is so readily there for NFL teams who take a quarterback and acknowledge at the time that they've got to, got, they've got to sit this guy, they've got to rest this guy, they've got to wait on this guy. And then what happens to those teams, right? They have all that big talk in the offseason right after they draft him. Got to be patient with him. It's going to take some time to develop. You know, this is the right way of doing things and developing a quarterback, right? All that big talk in the offseason, and then you get to the regular season, and what happens? You're week four. The team's one and three. The general manager is just about to lose his job and the coach with them, and they suddenly go, get out there, Rook. Save us. But now there's not that draw for you with Anthony Richardson because of the fact that you do have Geno Smith here. So... Yeah, I'm, I think it's still possibly in play, Parker. I don't think it's as likely as it would be if Gino was out there in free agency. That, that's way more now, hey, bring here comes Anthony Richardson. That's way more likely. But with the fact he is here, it still does maintain, I do maintain that it is still a very real possibility 
that uh, you still go out there and take Anthony Richardson. Um, you're, you're not going to be picking this high in, in drafts in the future. You're not going to be picking this high in the drafts in the future with a very talented quarterback, perhaps the most talented quarterback in the whole draft, they're available for you to select. That's, that's a special place. So you do, you know, regardless of what you have going on with your quarterback position, want to maybe take advantage of that. And that could be a smart approach, a smart road to go down. Uh, appreciate you though, Parker. Thank you for the $5 donation. Mr. Kane, thank you for the $5 donation as well, man. Appreciate you too. Says the draft goes like this. Number one, quarterback. Number two, quarterback. Number three, quarterback. Number four, did you go quarterback through there? One quarterback, two quarterback, three quarterback, four Will Anderson. You're on the board. Your favorite quarterback is still on the board. What do you do? So Will Anderson went number four in your scenario, Mr. Kane. So that means that I have Jalen Carter on the board or my favorite quarterback in this draft on the board. At the end of the day, when it comes down to my favorite quarterback in this draft, Mr. Kane, be it Levis or, or Stroud, which I sort of waffle between the two on, depending on the day you ask me. And even Richardson coming into play on this with his recent combine performance and, and what I've seen from the tape on him. I go together with all those guys and they all go, they're all, I might have a guy I like a little bit more than the other two guys, but they're all really on about the same kind of level of, of where I see them all. And, and I all like, I like them all. Um, as I've said, none, none of them are in that generational place as a quarterback where you're like, oh, no doubt, just no doubt about it. But there's not one guy to me, Mr. Kane, that's heads and shoulders above some of the other quarterbacks in this draft where I just am so much more in love with that guy than these guys. So I know I'm going a long way around the path, the bush, to eventually arrive at my answer here that you asked. But I still come back to your scenario presents Jalen Carter as the guy still available on the board. Then at that point at five, Anderson's off. Quarterbacks have been taken, but I get my pick of the litter. I'm going to still go with Carter at that point. Um, because I think with Geno Smith, you signaled you're going in on this. You're going in on this year right now. I'm okay if the team wants to take a quarterback, Mr. Kane. But if we're talking about what I want to do or what I would do is that, okay, you went out and signed Gino. You want to go in right now. You're saying, let's go win right now. You're saying we're going to compete, truly compete this year, not sort of sneak up and surprise people, but truly compete this year. Great. With it. Let's go. So then we're going to start taking players that are going to be applicable to that. And if you are taking Anthony Richardson, it could absolutely be a smart choice. Like all the points I just made a few minutes ago, you're never going to be here again. You're never going to be here to pick this quarterback again. All of those points stand. But at the end of the day, if you are picking Richardson, it's not as much in it's not as much congruent with the signing of Geno Smith necessarily from a standpoint of going forward and truly trying to compete. It's more of we've got a guy to carry the water now until we can get to this guy down and maybe something surprising happens. We'll sort of see. Uh, so I would go Carter on that, Mr. Kane, all in on the defense. Let's build it back. Let's build it back up. Um, let's let it roll. And uh, I just like him so much, man. I'm I'm I'm. I could be completely wrong. Maybe he's a head case. Maybe he completely will be a miserable pro and a complete bust, and he'll be one of my great draft misses on this channel in four years. But I'm rolling that dice. I'm going to roll that dice. Andrew says, I see Gino, I see Seattle as Gino's final destination before retirement, if possible. I think we, and Wilson leaving, he gave him a chance to to play starter this time for the first time compared to his other years. It could be, Andrew. Um, 
There's another part of the side of that though, too, which is that, you know, the guy's been waiting for all these years to start. Maybe he's not looking at the the short road to the end of his career. Maybe he's like, let me try to get this going as long as I kind of can do it. Cause I didn't get my chance when I was in my prime. I had to wait instead. Uh, somebody was asking about the uh, song. I think I lost the chat. Somebody was asking about the song that I have in my intro. It's, uh, I think it's Two Moons. You can find it on YouTube. It's in their, um, I think it's in their uh, li- audio library of free, like non-copyright stuff. Pushkar, I think this is a great value contract for us considering how well Gino did, at least stats-wise. Could prove, we gotta see where the final numbers kind of lie with it, but it could. Dylan Mackey, anyone else really want to see Fant get traded in Washington, get drafted? Yes, Dylan, 100%. I, I sign off on that move 100%. There's, I don't think Fant's got necessarily a long-term future here. And boy, you could pare down that money that you owe him and pick, pick up a pick. Yeah. Andrew, I, I think Fant's a decent player, honestly. Just didn't seem to get much playing time, I would say. He did, they got him out there a decent amount. They, they, they featured a lot of tight end looks this past year, especially two tight end looks. And you know, it's funny watching Washington block guys and stiff arm them. Oh, he's just, he's just ragdolling guys out there, especially when he gets himself a defensive back or a safety. It's like game over. You got no chance. The guy just envelops you. He's like the sun. Daddy is the bestest. Good for Gino, but we just paid premium from an above for an above average mediocre next few years if last year was any indication. It could prove to be that. It could. Big Country says, I think Anderson's going to AZ unless they trade back or are dumb. (laughs) Yeah, I'd I'd say so. All pro, my guess is Seattle will be attacking the D-line with the first two picks. I'm thinking it'll be Will Anderson and Kalaja Kansi. I'd love that, man. I do agree with uh, what Big Country said below, though. I do think Arizona probably, the Anderson-Arizona fit feels right. Defensive-minded coach, you need edge help. They could be looking at him as the best prospect in this draft. I think that does kind of fit up a little bit. Fits nice. Fits real nice. Fits real good. Jeffrey Nicholson, uh, Jameer Gibbs. I love Jameer Gibbs, man. I love him. And if you want to talk about Jeffrey Gibbs, Jeffrey getting a guy that could be a real slot receiver for you, he is the, and I love B. John Robinson as a guy that can operate at times out of the slot. But I'm I'm saying this purely is that Jameer Gibbs can really operate out of the slot. Like he's he is a receiver skills he brings to the position. Um, and he's incredibly sudden. For me, Jeffrey, I've I've got a comp of him of to me, he's like I think Chris Johnson back in the day for the you know the Titans former really great running back. I think he ran like a four two six. And Gibbs ran like what a four three six. So, you know, he's he's not that fast, but they've got that same kind of insane level of uh acceleration to them. Pedro indeed uh, Penny is injury prone, but that's why the contract would be cheap. David Pierce says, I'm a Texan fan. I can tell you right now how good Roshan is. Oh, I know he is, man. David, I'm sign me up for him. And his stocks, I think, elevated highly from the beginning last season to where it's going now. Where he's looked at a guy, well, well, is he gonna be a fifth, sixth round guy? And then people start going, well, no more, maybe fourth, third, fourth round guy. Well, you know, I think he uh, 
probably goes somewhere third, fourth round at this point. Um, but he runs really hard. He's what we need right now, which is a little bit more of a hammer. Seahawks Blue and uh, Green says Kellenic needs to do it during the regular season, but for me, for me to buy in, he's always crushed it in AAA, but complete opposite in the big leagues. True, man. This is his year. This is his time. And a lot on his on him stepping forward this year is going to, I think, dictate a little bit of their top end success for this Mariner team this season. Pedro says we should draft Dorian Thompson in the later rounds. I'm with him, man. I like him a lot. That'd be a good quarterback to pick up in the later rounds. Why do I says I know some people would be upset, but if Seattle does its due diligence and is comfortable with Carter, I will be dancing the Snoopy dance if they draft him. Right now, he will be there if they want him. Faint. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm with it too. I, 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 you know, I, I, I just can't, as I said with the guy, he's, he's a different level of talent. I'm, I'm not in the same boat as other people are with it. I'm going to trust the Seahawks and their character outlook on him. And the, 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 as you say, I think the right thing you say, due diligence that they will do on him, but it ain't gonna be enough to push me off the spot with that guy. And, uh, if he's there at five, like I said, and it's, it's tempting to go with the quarterback, it's tempting to do other things, but I I'm coming out with Carter as to my opinion, the best player in this draft. Bar none. And if I'm doing that, that's a great that's a great method of approach to building a Super Bowl caliber team. Wu-Tang Financial with a $10, $10 donation. Wu-Tang, thank you for coming in hot with the big $10 dono. Appreciate you, brother. Very kind of you. So as another as another famous Kane once said, ain't no half stepping. Get Carter or Anderson if they're there and get back to a dominant defense. Well, while, like I said, you guys sometimes are like plucking up psychically off of me. I'm here talking to, you know, why do why about my complete faith in the Seahawks process with us. And if they sign off on Carter, that's good enough for me. And that's right. Ain't no half step in here. This defense needs to get more talented. It needs to get better. And you don't do that by passing off the best defensive player in the draft. Um, I don't like the racing stuff. I don't like some of the stuff we hear about him from a character standpoint necessarily, but guys grow up and he's not a finished product and he's a real young kid. He's also been the backbone, the cornerstone piece of a Georgia defense that's driven that team to win back-to-back national trophies. Let's not forget that as well. And ha- ain't no half stepping's right. My other Kane out there knows what he's talking about with that. So let's get back to a dominant defense. And if Carter Anderson are there, don't you overthink it. Don't you pick apart it, right? Paralysis by analysis. That's what they call it. Don't let that overtake you. Do the straightforward, easy thing. And you, you pull that trigger. You pull it. Uh, Long Love the King says, well, the offense is going all in. Perhaps we can make a move for wide receiver Michael Thomas. That would be intriguing. Uh, I think if someone else says below there on that Long Live the King, I don't. I think the Saints are going in on this season with this kind of move with Carr, which means that they're not looking to offload. They're going to look to try to go for it. Or beside Roshan would complement K-9 really well. Uh, a hammer back would definitely help out because you take that stuff off of Walker's plate now, which is probably best. Why do I says Frank is not only not good, he leans to the to the to the bad side of play. 
He has a stud in the playoffs, so that makes up for it some, but hard pass. You said it much more succinctly than I could put it, why do I? But that is absolutely the case with him. Erickson says, I, we're going to be kind of stacked next season, I think. It's possible. Yeah, Nick, uh, Michael Thomas, even if he was available, would be probably a guy that I would be hesitant with that injury history, too. Jared G says, I feel like Dwayne McBride is flying way under the national radar draft-wise. Boy, PFF really likes him as a running back. They've got him really highly rated as amongst the other backs in this draft. Um, you know what? I liked his tape. I liked it. Let me see my notes on it with him. It was good. It was, it was, it was okay. Where am I at here? Mick. Right. Kitty, it's hard to type and then pet you at the same time. It's a challenge. A uh, small school runner with some talent and 3,000 yards rushing the past two years. He has a nice he has a collection of nice abilities, loose hips, quicks, and his vision and reaction from the second he gets the rock are impressive. A natural feel for how to angle himself towards the right hole in correction off the initial read once he gets the ball. Allows him to avoid early penetration or get to the backside hole as he does uh, this. He does a good job of pressing the hole. Runs with a sense of urgency, decisive, even when he's making moves. He's a burst, not a speed guy, I would say about Dwayne McBride. Um, and he runs really well behind his pads. Not much of a pass catcher. But, uh, you know, you're talking about a one-cut guy, a guy that fits into his own scheme. This guy would be that kind of guy, Jerji. And I wouldn't want to take him high, but if you're talking about one of those middle round running backs, we might take a, we might take a look at. That'd be good with me. Yeah, long live the king. The Saints are cap heavy, but they always find a way to just push the can down the road somehow, some way. David, man, I'm on fire tonight. You are on fire tonight, David. David says, you watched the Titan team with Tannehill as their quarterback make it to the AFCC? Yeah, an elite running game is important. Bijan could be interesting. It could. He's in play for me. Some, some are out, but I'm not. I'm with it. Herberside Tavian looked horrible in the combine. I didn't like his tape either. He's a legit guy that'll be there in the sixth, seventh round, and he is a guy that runs hard. He's not a guy you'd expect to necessarily test well because he's not tremendously athletic or fast. He's just like, I run hard. That's what I do. He's a little top heavy, though so he doesn't have the greatest of balance. <laughs> there's, there's some problems there with him. Ryan Balls is the Hawks won the Super Bowl in Wilson's second year. Can they do it with Geno in the state of our defense right now? I am conf I am not confident. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done, Ryan. I think give me to the give me to the back end of this offseason and let me see where things stand at that point and make the judgment then. But I think you're right to be a little reticent to, to wonder how that's going to work all out with that. You had a way more stacked team in Wilson's second year than you're looking to have this upcoming season. But they still have a lot of draft picks left in this draft. They'll have a lot of flexibility to sort of just trust their board. And they could end up making some more moves in free agency if they want to get aggressive. We just got to see how it sort of plays out. Ethan says, my Brandon, my guy, where does the live stream intro music come from? Love it. Yeah, so I think it's called Two Moons. I'll look it up and uh, hit me up on Twitter or whatever. I'll send it to you over on there, Ethan. Um, but I think it's called Two Moons is the name of the title. 
Blue and green, Robinson or Charbonnet would get us the depth and upgrade we need running back. Uh, to me, more important than finding a third wide receiver. I probably would be predisposed to agree with you on that. And I love both those two guys. Adding them would be great. That'd be sensational. James Volva says, uh, Mike Morris had a bad combine. Shockingly so. Did he? Let me see what his numbers were there. Let me take a look here. Yeah, 172, 10 yard split definitely jumps out. You go, uh, 6'6, 280. He's a little bit of a bigger cat. Uh, 4'9, 40, 28 and a half vert, 110 broad. Yeah, aside from his arm length, James, it wasn't good. But Seattle did meet with him, and his tape is good. So he may not have tested well, but at least the tape looks all right. But <clears throat> maybe that drops him down more third round city at that point. That might be a little more appropriate spot for him. Will Bigham says, not sure if Clint Hurt is our answer. If you had to pick a new defensive coordinator, who do you want? Uh, it's hard for me to look at the defensive coordinator position, Will, and say that that's the place that, where we can go do something else with. I, I'm with you. I don't know if Kurt, Clint Hurt is the answer, so don't get me wrong there. I, I, I think I do probably tend to agree with you. But I do lean back into saying that oftentimes when I'm presented with this question, I felt the same way when we were talking about the Ken Norton situation here, Will. And that the, this is Coach Carroll's defense. Beyond any one defensive coordinator, it's Coach Carroll's defense. And that means that you can bring in any kind of defensive coordinator you want, and at the end of the day, they're going to be having to kind of answer to him on that defensive side of the football. And that just, to me, would lead me to believe at that point that, you know, uh, it kind of doesn't matter who you bring in at that point. They're going to get overruled at times. Um, if I could just have my pick of any defensive coordinator that was out there, of any any DC, anywhere that I could just have run, I'd probably grab a guy like Wink Martindale or something. You know, I'd look for a real hyper-aggressive, defensive-minded uh, DC who looks to attack a little bit more often, looks to play a little bit more man coverage sometimes. That'd be a little bit more my preference with that. But I think you can move out anybody you want here, Will, and you're still going to have Carroll here, and that's the, the key point of that. James says, I love Russ. I still love Russ. Best quarterback we ever had. Top five Seahawks, but was never the same after that high ankle injury. Got thick, muscle bound. The hate towards him from the Seahawks fans is too much. Fair enough. I mean, I, yeah, somewhat. He kind of did some slight burning of bridges on his way out of town a little bit that was going to start to kind of turn him a little bit on with the fans. But I don't have any hate for him. In utero, says AR could be infused into the offense. Indeed, he could. Space K9 and Penny would, would, would be the one-two punch of death. It would be. In fact, I might steal that from my, uh, a video I'll have to do if, if Penny does come back, Space. Joe Biden says, if Tariq had the love from the refs that Sauce does, he'd be a top three corner in the league. Could be. But then, you know, Tariq doesn't have to grab or pull as much as Sauce. He can just run with the guy. Yeah. Erickson Richardson wants to be a Seahawk. 
I saw that he met with the cock coaches and seemed to be pretty impressed by them. Good to see. Tom Eaton says drafting Skaronsky, Washington, and any decent defensive line would help me make would help make me forget all about Geno's contract. <laughs> that would help, wouldn't it? Fun B, yeah. Cancy's Carter Cancy in the first. I like it, man. You know I like it. Let's go. Ethan says, Brandon, look into the mind, actually the soul of John Schneider. How much weight do you think the idea of we aren't going to be picking here again quarterback opportunity for a long time, so take a quarterback? I mean, it's. I, I think the guess I would be making on this, Ethan, is one that would be really drawn back from a 50-50 sort of coin flip because I don't have anything as far as a real basis to go off of this with John. Um, he has never picked this high before. He has never had a quarterback looking him in the face who will be available where he is picking before. So predicting his his behavior on that or, or his, his process is a, a kind of a shot in the dark a little bit on this one, Ethan. I would tend to believe that he would probably be open to doing it because the Packer background was that way, right? He comes to the organization that had Brett Favre still playing good football and they drafted Aaron Rodgers. They had Aaron Rodgers still playing good football and they drafted Jordan Love. He comes from an organization, as he's talked about, that values the quarterback position and stacking multiple quarterbacks up. If just to have a guy you're sort of putting in the bank to earn interest on that you eventually flip for a draft pick. So I would tend to believe that he he does like to lean into that, but the fact that he's going to have a player on his board at that point, he could be picking the fourth quarterback in this draft or the second best positional player in this entire draft. I I think that that draw will pull him more to doing the latter than the former. David P. Time is a figment of imagination. Time is a flat circle. It's all just a ride. Ethan, I'd be down with the Mariners bringing back the white accent jerseys. That'd be cool. Whitey Wise says, I heard AZ is liking Tyree Wilson. If so, easy trade with Las Vegas and you still get your guy. True. True. I would, AZ would be just, oh my God, th- please do us that favor. Please take, please take Tyree Wilson. Please do that, Arizona. Please. That would be so beautiful. Or is that no more Mariner Gray? I bring back the Mariner Gray too. Jonas is the only throwback jersey, baseball jersey I own is the Ken Griffey Jr. jersey from his rookie year, and it's a size too small for me, so it just hangs on my wall, refusing to let my kids wear it. Nor should you. They don't get to touch that. No, 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 no. That's one of Daddy's prized possessions. Don't get your finger, get the fingers off of it. I know it's soft. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. I don't. Not funny. Not funny. (laughs) Uh, You better get that thing. You better get that thing like my large jersey behind me, man. That's a collector's item. 
You never know when a, a wayward child comes through the through the room with a Kool-Aid and they trip. Yeah, Jonah, I'm all in on Dorian Thompson as a later round quarterback. Fourth round and onward, if you were to take in there in that spectrum with him anywhere, I'd be totally good. Um, he's been very impressive to me going through this process. And I think he's the guy that there's not a Russell Wilson guy in this draft. Not not if you're looking to kind of you know replicate that as of the former. But the closest guy that is in the draft that is like that is Dorian Thompson. And will go in a similar place to where Russell kind of went. David, you're right. Uh, baseball has been such an outdated sport. I think some of the rule changes this year might potentially bring a lot of more people back into the fold with it, though. It's going to get more action-packed. It's going to move with a lot more speed. You're going to see the game time get cut down significantly. I think they're making some changes now, finally, in a way that could help the sport out in a, in a major, major fashion. But we'll see. Clifford says, we'll fix up Jalen Carter's characteristics easy if we choose him at five. I am positive that we will. He knows that if he dropped, he knows that it, he dropped in the draft, so he's going to work on it. I hope so. I hope so. And folks, do please, if you could for me, if you like what you're listening to today, please hit that like button and sub up. If you're not already subbed up, I would really do appreciate it. Jonas is became Groovy Jr. The big unit were the best Mariners, if you ask me. Ichiro is the third. Okay, Ichiro's second. I'll put him above the big unit. Well, Edgar's on there in there too, isn't he? But I like your list. Tommy says, we also get Alton Robinson back, don't we? We do. In addition to Jamal back, yes. And a few picks on defense, maybe Bobby back. This defense could be really good. 60-40 chance. Could be. Could be. James, uh, again, can't see has T-Rex arms. It's really short of the Seahawks standard 33-inch long arms. I could see us drafting him. It would be like drafting a 5-7 corner. Could it happen? Sure. In the first round, no, um, maybe not, James. I think if you're talking about pick 20, we're in a little bit of a different territory. Um, he's got the 30 and a half inch arms. Well, yeah, it's a little shorter than they do like, um, but he does have a, a unique skill set that may allow for him to overcome what they normally look for in the long arm players because he is so sudden off the snap. Um, and he's going to eat up that space that the offensive lineman might have with his arms in the place that he does. But it is the concern with Cansey right now as it stands is the arm length. Will it drop him out of the first round? I'm not so certain that it will. I think he does end up going in the first. And I think Seattle, with all of the nightmares, James, that they've had over the years, and a guy like Aaron Donald, who has just given him so many problems to have an opportunity to draft a Donald type and to say, okay, this guy tests all the way down the line, right? Step for step with Donald, absent maybe bench press, and he's got an inch and a half, two inch, maybe shorter, long arms. Is that enough to prevent us from pulling the trigger than a 20 on him? Um, and I don't know that it would be at that point. But we'll, we'll see. It's one of the interesting uh, stories of this draft as it goes forward with that. Oh, I'm a little behind on my donos. Sorry, guys. A bit behind on the donations. Uh, Bobby Savage Hill, thank you for the $5 donation. I appreciate you, Bobby. And sorry, a little slow to acknowledge it. Um, I'm still for Carter. But here's a tough question, B. When does off-field contact become a risky, bad investment? Example, Frank Clark, McDowell, or even Ray Rice. Uh, I, I could be wrong on the Ray Rice one. I'm not as certain on his past history, but I don't think that he had anything that were red flags prior to him punching his wife, right? On camera. Um, 
I think all of these situations always are a little bit individualistic, Bobby. And what I mean by that is in Frank Clark's case, I don't think there was a considerable amount of character smoke with him. It stemmed from an, an incident in a hotel room with a woman and some um, different details that seemed to go back and forth as to what exactly truly did happen in that hotel room, but it was a single incident. With Malik McDowell, it was one where there were a lot of character concerns and problems with him that were already bleeding out of Michigan State before he got to the Combine. And then he got to the Combine and he had some absolutely horrific interviews. I mean, teams were running away from Malik Dowell at light speed after the Combine. So to say that he was uh, worrisome or that he was a problem, I can't overstate this enough. There have been few prospects that have ever come through the post-draft process that raises many red flags as Malik was raising at the time he was going through that process. So is Jalen Carter raising those same kind of flags at this point? I'm not exactly hearing it to the same level. The timing of the racing coming into conjunction with the characters about the questions about his work ethic and if he needs to get in shape and you know, all of that other stuff doesn't help matters. But I'm at a place where I can, I can tangibly say he's Malik McDowell 2.0. Hell no, I can't. Um, I am with you on that. I am also with you in your inference, Bobby, that there is a place that you go to on this guy where you say we can't do it. So to, to give your detail, to give your question a little bit of detail in my answer on this, let's say the Seahawks private investigators start doing their due diligence on this and they come back to John Schneider and they say, John, he's got a drinking problem. This racing incident was the tip of the iceberg. Um, he's also got work ethic issues and talking to the coaches. He's not, he's not an all about ball kind of guy. There are definitely some big stuff here that we're going to have to overcome and correct and get better on. And if you go down and I hear some of those things in addition to what I already kind of am hearing from, well, that's probably going to bring, make me hesitant at that point. If I'm hearing these kind of stories like that. So, um, the investigatory work that goes on in the background, the PI, the uh, talking to the coaches at the place, you know, that's going to be a very important part. Um, and most of these coaches are going to back these players up, but at the same point in time, you know, you're going to get leaks out. If the guy's not that guy, if he's got those problems with them, you're going to know it. You're going to, 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 to be very clear on that. I think by the time of the draft, either way, at the end of the day, even if you get those assurances, there still is really a risk involved here, Bobby. But I think at the end of the day as well, Football being the sport it is, which is simply the injury situation as it is, you can have a guy that you lose forever for just an injury. The Seahawks have had a guy in their history that they picked in the first round. First round pick. Never played a snap. Not because he's a bad characteristic, not because he wasn't all about ball, not because he had a bad work ethic, but because he had a bad spinal, spinal injury. That was it. Never played a snap. Never played a down. You lost that first round pick. So you can also get schwacked by those situations as far as an equivalency goes. And so um, I, it's enough of a risk for me, that as, I, as I like to say with this type of stuff, Bobby, the squeeze is worth the juice. Mm. Yeah. You're going to feel that the cup will runneth over on that, on that Jalen Carter fruit. You know, We just got to get in a position where we can squeeze it. But thank you for the $5 donation. And yes, there is a line there. I'm not just... All in on Carter 100%. If I get those, if I get that investigation coming up and there are the red, this is just, again, I said the tip of the tip of the iceberg with some of what we've heard prior here to this and that it is in totality what people have sort of like whispered it maybe potentially being with him as far as the character standpoint is concerned, then I would be out at that point. There's no, there's no guy with some talent level that I'm going to be like, you know, 
a guy coming to the league that's like Daryl Taylor, you know, or like uh, Lawrence Taylor, you know, literally like smoking crack and drinking beer and just yeah, getting getting prostitute. Like, no, I'm I'm. There's not a guy that I'm going to be willing to take that that level of risk on. But I don't think it's gotten there quite yet with Carter, in my opinion. Appreciate you, Bobby. Jay Stern, thank you for the $5 donation. Appreciate you as well. It says, imagine being a quarterback needy team in an offseason with not that many quarterbacks available, and then the Seahawks just take two of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine that the Seahawks pulled the trigger on Anthony Richardson. There'd be quite a few general managers cursing under their breath. Like, really? Really, John? Really, John? Thanks. No, 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 thanks. No, 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 you take two. By all means, we have, we've got plenty over here. You know, why don't you have, why don't you grab a third, man? Why stop there? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. There's already these teams that I think are going to end up this offseason chase with like, well, let's talk ourselves into Gardner Minshew. How's that sound? They're already heading down that path. And if you were to take two of them, you'd, you'd get that many more teams into that road of like, we're going to have to just get by on this position right now. It's, it's just going to be a rough road for the next year. Uh, David Pugh with a $10 donation says, espero que los 49ers sean malos, pero siempre y nos viesen el tercero. That translates to, I have a lot of respect for the Niners. Totally didn't look that up, laughing out loud, not being sarcastic at all. <laughs> hey, bring a little Spanish in here, David. Thank you for the donation, man. I like it. Quiero y tú. Dígame. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. <laughs> David's on fire tonight. I love it. Tommy Eaton, uh, Clowney would shine a 3-4. Yes, he would. Bring him here. Bring him home. And yeah, I think he can play in any defense. That's right. Quandary Diggs putting out a, a bat signal out there to both B-Wags and Clowney on Twitter. If you guys haven't seen... Uh, Diggs' uh, Twitter. Pretty cool to see. I got to reach out to Clowney up on uh, Xbox. And, and I got to do a hard sales pitch on it myself here. Ethan says, thanks, Brandon. I found the music. Awesome. I was right on that, on that name. I thought that was right. James Guy Griffey one, uh, Johnson two, Ichiro three. I'd flip that. I'd probably go back and forth between Ichiro and, and Johnson in that two spot too. I don't know. I don't have a good. Edgar might have something to say about it too. I don't know. And Dreamforge, I'm really curious to see the details of the contract as well. It will tell a lot of the story here. The fact that it didn't come out the same day tells me it's probably incentive heavy. Any comparables be? Not really, because like you say, there's so many variety of ways this could be. It could be just straight bonus money that they put on the front end of this. And they're just like, we're going to take the pain every year equally. It could be where they've lowered down the first year hit and they've buried in guaranteed money on the back. Uh, it, it's a little bit hard to say exactly what it is until we see it. And and I think that there's going to be some structuring of this that's going to be creative Dreamforge which won't be fitting to traditional standards on these kind of deals. You also don't tend to see the quarterbacks that are paid this kind of big market money at the 35 million plus kind of mark being only, but only done on three-year deals. They tend to always go out into kind of four-year deals 
which makes it then a little bit easier to predict how the numbers would bear out in this contract. So it's kind of an anything goes sort of deal right now and how this sort of, the numbers will sort of bear out in my opinion. Spencer Smith says, I'm sure it's been talked about. Are we in agreement that year three of the deal is a type of pre-planned crossroads? I see it as a potential out for the team or a pivot point to an incumbent younger quarterback. I think that we, yeah, we definitely talked a little bit about that, Spencer, but I think you're on point with this as well. It's yes, that would be the truth of this is that I don't have to look at the particulars of this deal to be able to ascertain one very important item, which is that the Seahawks are structuring this as a three-year deal and not a four-year deal because of the fact that they want that flexibility to move in a different direction and not just simply marry themselves to Geno Smith for the foreseeable future. So with where the cap is going to increase to on this Spencer Smith You'll, you'll have an opportunity to see two of the first two years bleed through most of the bonus money. You're at the end of the day then left with the final year of the bonus money, let's call it $16 million, $15 million. And now you eat that as a dead money hit. But $15 million of dead money two years from now will be on a cap that's going to be sitting at about $260 million. So, you know, if you, especially if you're cheap at the quarterback position, alternatively, if you've already drafted your guy, you can sustain that kind of cap hit at that point, as well as Spencer at that point, you're maybe moving him to a team that's in a go for it mode who might give you some draft compensation on the back other end of it at that point. But yes, you're, you're on it with this one. The third year is definitely a pivot point. Spencer says, can you explain to me a bit more detailed as to what in particular Carol questioned Sauce about that rubbed him the wrong way? I missed this. I don't think that Sauce was particularly detail-driven in what he told about that that made him a little bit uncomfortable with Carroll. I've made a guess that Carroll probably saw a lot of Sauce and zone off coverage and then also an off coverage and in zone playing very handsy. And I would wonder if Carroll asked him a little bit of, what if I tell you with your technique you can't be handsy anymore? What if I tell you with your technique that you can't pull on the jersey up the stem of the route? What if I start forcing you now to have to you know, be technically right and fundamentally true. I don't know. I'm just, I'm making, you know, a little bit of a guess on that one, Spencer, that that might've been something that threw him off a little bit where Sauce is like, I want to play my game. I want to play my game. Yeah, but it's, you know, officials are going to call that the wrong time on you, grabbing all, all over the place like that. And number side, yeah, we'll know more about the deal tomorrow. And if we're only paying him for $10 million this year, that would be wonderful. Wonderful. Jerome P. Gino had five good games and the others he screwed up in big time situations. Fumbles, interceptions, and misreads. $50 million coming to him next year. Uh, I would say, Jerome, that if you're looking at the back half of the schedule, onward from game 13 on to week 17, that that's very much the truth. But to put it as only five games, I think is a little bit low. He had 12 games that were good to great performance stacked up in a row. I, of course, remember this, Jerome, because I covered it every single week on the channel. So good to great performances for 12 weeks in a row, and then certainly things were starting to taper off at that point. Um, the money is a little bit much here for me, Jerome. I didn't want to spend this much on him. So don't get me wrong. I'm not loving the contract numbers they're giving him here. But, I mean, that's he did play for the majority of the season last year good football overall. There were some interceptable worthy throws. He certainly fell off as the year kind of went along and didn't put that same kind of performance together throughout. I'm not denying that, but, um, you know, 
Overall, I think he had a pretty good season last year. I don't think Jerome, I don't think he puts up franchise bests in attempts and completion percentage, you know, yards thrown if he's not putting up more than just five good games at that point, right? That'd be kind of hard to do on that. Corey Olson, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, I'm all for trading the fifth pick now. Me too, Corey. Move back. Get yourself a future first. Stay within tier one. Maybe pick nine. Maybe take pick 10. Maybe pick 11. Find you're still, still able to get a tier one type player. Pick up that extra future first round pick. Call it a day. All right? That'd be a great way. We come out of this draft with a great haul. And we know we still have two future first round picks next year as well. In addition to that. I would, I would love to see it, Corey, and you're right. This does open that door up for that possibility, that eventuality, that much more with this Geno contract. Bobby Savage Hill with a $5 donation. Thank you, Bobby. I do really appreciate all the donos, brother. Says, appreciate the reply. Off-field conduct is polarizing, but people make mistakes. Carter will be all right. Remember, Lynch driving a pony on rims last summer. Yeah, Lynch got hit with a DUI, and let's face it with Lynch, that's, I believe, his second DUI. Um, you know, let me look at this real quick. Yeah, I, I mean... Uh, you want to look at Marshawn Lynch in his past with it, and I don't, I ain't holding Marshawn on the fire, but you know, Marshawn was drunk and he hit a woman and injured a woman driving drunk uh, back in Buffalo. And now he's been caught with a second DUI offense. You know, do we throw Marshawn away at that point? And eh, maybe we do. I don't. Um, I, I am also way more, I think, accommodating, I think, to the off field stuff than some are, Bobby. Um, but you're right, it is a very polarizing subject. Um, I, I do tend to lean into going, hey, kids are young. They're going to make bad mistakes. And it doesn't excuse everything. It doesn't wash it away. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't be held responsible for their actions. But it does mean to me that they're not a finished product and that they are a developing young man that may come out to the other end of this and, and put together a fine career and become uh, you know upstanding member of society and a great NFL player at that on top of it. Um, I, I will reach a point with it. Like we're talking, like you're asking about in your previous, in your previous donation about there being a point where, yeah, there was a spot where you go, okay, this kid's just kind of, you know, maybe a bad seed here. You know, this kid's just not ever going to get, get himself to where he can understand what he's got in front of him here, what the opportunity he has in front of him here, what, what he could take advantage of. Um, but you better have a lot of data to make that assessment. And you better be really sure about that if you're talking about passing on a talent like a guy like Jalen Carter. And you better not be making it from a, a, a just a quick knee-jerk reaction kind of uh, view of it. And uh, I don't think that the team will in this case, uh, which is I, I think makes me feel good about it, where I will trust in their decision if they pass or they pick. But uh, it is polarizing is the right word to use. It is certainly one of those hot-button items when you talk about that gets people up and um, up in arms, but I, I will always tend to be pretty consistent on the channel with this, Bobby, that I will be with most players pretty overall forgiving, absent them being physically violent, rape, uh, something along those lines where it's just, you know, good Lord, you know, but I'm not going to do it for something that's going to boil down to a misdemeanor ticket. I know people died in this situation, but let's, let's, let's boil this down. Yeah. 
Thank you for the $5 donation though, man. Appreciate you. Barry Satoro coming in with a $20 donation. Barry, thank you so much as well, brother. Appreciate you. It's great to see you in the chat. One of my OGs in the chat there is Barry. And uh, thank you for the $20 donation. No message in your uh, in your dono. Just, uh, just a $20 drop, man. I appreciate that. Very kind of you. Very, very kind of you. Jerome Pieces, the media at large, has been pushing the Tyree Wilson onto the Seahawks' fifth pick in every other mock draft. Yeah, they have, Jerome. It makes reasonable sense if they're not going to go with a quarterback and they're not going to go with Jalen Carter, then the next theoretical guy on the board that seems somewhat clear coming off the other end of this combine process has been Tyree Wilson. And uh, you know what they say about those consensus boards when you get through the post-draft process is that those consensus boards tend to be pretty close to on the, on the nose. Bobby Savage Hill says, what you think about Andrew Voorhees? He's a stud for powering through the ACL ACL tear on the bench, maybe worthy of a fourth round pick or later. I would probably, you've got two fifth round picks, Bobby. So two fifth round picks, you got a bonus fifth round pick. I'd look to maybe grab him in there. I think fourth round is going to be a little bit early in the respect of he just tore his ACL. That means he's probably out all next year. Or you're going to get him back at maybe the very end of the year and probably not near at 100% at that point. But fifth round, I would I would take the flyer on him at there. He doesn't fit from a mobility standpoint even before the ACL really to what we were looking for in guards. But he's a very big, powerful man and he can move people off the line of scrimmage, which is a helpful thing to have from the guard position, isn't it? Joe Biden's make-a-wish window the schedule's released for this year. Can't wait for the Titans. Don't they come May? I think in May sometime. May-ish. David Pugh, I too have an intense fear of sharks. Lance says, unfortunately, Bidwell fired their general manager and coach. That regime would have drafted Johnson wide receiver at three, their 20th wide receiver taken in their time with the cards. Apparently other positions didn't matter. <laughs> no, they didn't, Lance. They tried to go super offense, man. You know, some teams go super offense where they're like, eh, we'll get by on the defense, but we're just going to, we're going to amp this offense up to the nine. You know, we're going to be just awesome. We're going to be firepower. And it does never tend to work when you go all in in one direction on one side of the ball like that. But you're right. They might've gone Johnson. They might just have, I don't think they're in any real better position right now with their new general manager or coach necessarily. But uh, maybe better than they were, at least. Because Kime and Kingsbury were the gift that kept on giving. Why do I says, I do find it very interesting that Richardson just gushed about how much he loved the meeting with Pete, saying how comfortable and valued he felt. He is the one quarterback I would think you would draft at number five. He is absolutely the guy right there right now. Yeah, he's the clear guy. I'm doing a video on him right now. Um and that I wasn't, I was going to edit together tonight, but obviously doing the stream tonight with the Gino signing um, that I was going to make kind of that argument with it, where there's a lot of sense to be made with him coming here, regardless of whether or not you sign Gino Smith. And uh, I, I love him a lot as a player, man. I think that combine was not just some empty performance there to be overlooked with that, that coming in that coming paired with what you know about his film and what you know about his development and where he's at gets you really excited and starts to get you thinking more and more about it being more of a real possibility with him at five, not being so far out the box or crazy. Yeah. Sauce Gardner is my nickname for Sauce Gardner. I love it, man. That's my favorite nickname. I I came up with this one, the Hansy Ramsey. That's what I call Sauce Gardner.
Tyler Robinson, very confused why Mafia isn't getting more reps. Every time he was in it, it seemed he was causing problems for the opposing team. Or am I wrong? No, you're absolutely on the button with this, that there was certainly a little bit of maybe snap restriction to Boye Mafia's game this past year, a little bit. Um, What you had going on here with Mafia was a thing where he had a skill that was then going to cover up for Daryl Taylor's inequities. And so what you were going to do at that point was you're going to use early down run stuffing Mafe to take care of business. And then the team still wanted to get the value out of Daryl Taylor and to see if he could develop as a guy. And so then he got the snaps and pass rushing situations. Now, is it wrong for the Hawks to have taken that approach last year, Kyler? I don't think it necessarily was. I really liked the thought process of taking a rookie a rookie player. And I like the thought process of doing this with like a, a true freshman in college who might be a five-star recruit. So rather than bringing them in, expecting them to start and play all these snaps and first year, just go. Find them a role. Fit them into a role on the team and let them excel in that role and let them learn and let them get their feet wet and then expand the role as you get into year two and three. I, I like that approach a little bit more with it, Kyler, and going that with with rookies. I think it helps them in their development. Um, and you had Taylor on the roster. And the thing with it, as far as Daryl Taylor, he's a little bit of a divisive figure in Seahawks fandom as far as the player that he is. But at the end of the day, according to PFF, he was your best pass rusher as far as his grade goes of anybody else on your roster. And that includes Uchenna Nwosu. So he gets to the quarterback. He gets to the quarterback at a, um, at a high rate. Uh, he's not good in the run defense game, is Daryl Taylor. He's got holes in his game that do exist. He's not a complete pass rusher. But when you're talking about comboing those guys up a little bit, I think it, it it made sense for the Seahawks to kind of take that route with it because you were the combination of them was pretty not devastating, but was a gave you a plus for the position overall. He is going to get more snaps this year, though, Kyler. Uh, where those come from, we'll kind of see because you do still have a Chenna, you do still have Daryl Taylor. There will be a little bit more of that him fitting into that role he was in last year, but I would expect him to be playing a lot more pass rush in more pass rush situations. And your eyes did not deceive you. He definitely did pop when he was out on the football field. David Pugh says, golly, well, it's 8-11.30 down here, so I'm going to head out. Adios, amigos. Mucho encanto. Mucho encanto, David. And thank you for all the donations in the chat, brother. I really do appreciate it. You are awesome. Corey Olson, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, how far are you willing to trade back and for what? I'll give you two ends of the scale of where I'd be on this, Corey. I think either A, you'd move back to a, I think the ideal would be a Carolina Panthers drop at nine, you move back at nine, you get a one future first round pick for next year. You roll the dice that Carolina is then going to roll with a rookie quarterback next year and that they're not going to be very good. You might end up still again with another top five pick next year in next year's draft. So I would look to move back to Carolina at nine. If you're looking back at making the big move and making the far drop about making the maximized asset drop, well, then it's the Washington football team. I think they're sitting around 16 or 17. So I fall, I flip back from five to 17. I get three first round picks, including the 17th overall pick in the first round. I get two future firsts at that point on top of that. And then I also should be getting an additional second round pick in this year's draft or next year's draft on top of that. So that would be the one, if you're talking about the big drop, how far back would be the most I'd be willing to go would be that. So take any team between those two teams, Corey, 
And then you can kind of like find the value of what it would be appropriately off of that going more than the four picks back to Carolina or going below the what 12 picks that you would be moving back if you made that trade with uh, the Washington football team. So I would, I would do one of those two and I would be open to either one of those, Corey. I'd, I would love both of those two as far as a trade. I'd be very happy with coming away with either of those two points for different reasons. I don't think there's just one one path on that trade back. And Udero Mafi did have a little bit of an injury in training camp, which might have kind of held him back a little bit too. Thank you so much, David. You have a great night, man. Buenas noches to you too. Rafael Courtright, you guys going to draft the quarterback in the first round? Let's go Miami Dolphins at the Hawks Nest. Hey, what's up, man? Your Dolphins might be, I'll tell you, I'm hearing more rumors about Brady coming out of retirement for who? No, not the Niners. The Dolphins. We're hearing some, hearing more of these rumors popping up, Raphael. That'd get me excited if I was a Dolphin fan. That'd get me very, very excited. He'd be a great fit there with Tyreek and Waddle. They can keep Gusecki there. Snow Owl, any thoughts on a move nobody is aware of? Well, there's a move I, I guess right there would be one I'd point to. Uh, uh, that we're hearing maybe uh, Tom Brady going to going to Miami. I don't know if a lot of people are hearing about that as, as a possible move. So I'm also hearing about maybe Lamar Jackson going to Washington in a trade. That's a possibility that I'm hearing out there is a, a little bit of rumor. There's a lot of stuff kind of flying around about right now. It's hard to kind of gauge on what's what Snow Owl is kind of true and what's sort of what's sort of not. And Udor says they won't talk about substance abuse in the media, but but Carter has a drinking problem. I know people who know 100%. I don't care if you don't believe me, it's true. I, I believe you, man. If you know people, people know people. You know, there's connections here. Especially we've got a big enough chat like we do. We're going to have people that, that know people who know people who know an inside bit of knowledge on stuff. So I take your, your words, um, I take you at, your, uh, at your word on that. Um, and again, as I was saying to... to um, you know, Corey Olson on this, where it's, you know, it's not going to preclude me from picking unless I've come to find that there is some real major issue. And it's like, oh, is he an alcoholic? You know, is it, is it even more beyond alcohol? You know, and, and is that going to start to make me hit the brakes? Sure. Sure. Megan says, Carter's been raising red flags for me since he declared, but I got flamed not by UB and it's looking like it's coming true. Very well could. And yeah, I'll never flame you on that kind of stuff, Megan. Never, never, never. Um, but I know some people on this, it's a, it's a, like I said, hot button issue is how I'm going to start to refer to some of these terms. And I think it's just one that will drive out, draw out the emotions in, uh, in many different folks in that respect. Uh, Megan says, I will not change my mind, B. We never have had a pick this high and we may never again. So I'm O Carter is far too great a risk for me. Understood. And I get it. I do get it. Wu-Tang Financial says, if Carter's a bad apple, the teams will know. Believe that. High first-round picks are decisions worth many millions of dollars. Agreed. It's part of why I said I will trust the process of the Seahawks on this one. They pick Carter and they said, we do our due diligence. I'll trust in that. If they pass on Carter and say, you know, eh, we just didn't, things just didn't kind of bear out for us on that one. I'll trust in that too. I, I, I will lean into that. Ravel Knight, Cortez Candy, Blades. Hmm, Ravel? 
That's Largent behind me, Raphael. Yep. Steve Largent jersey. Best wide receiver of all time. Bar none. Bar none. Heisenberg Blues is defense at five and an O lineman at 20. I like it, Heisenberg. Makes sense. Makes sense. Smart. Smart and makes sense. Tommy says, I would trust the scouts though on Carter. You have to believe they're doing a very deep dive on him because if he had no character issues we were worried about, he would be a perfect fit. Great point. And yes, sir, I do believe that as well. I do believe that as well. Joe Biden's make wish Jalen Carter needs to realize he has the skills to make hundreds of millions of dollars. He needs, he needs to be speed racer on the field, not on the roads. I hope he's learned that lesson at this point. If you're involved in an accident where somebody's died and you haven't had that as a wake-up call, I don't know what will. James Volvis says, great answer on Cansey. Love you, Nest. Best Hawks commentator by far. Man, James, I appreciate where you're coming from as well. I always love having intelligent people in the chat, uh, and I would include you in that ranks. I, I think that you um, jumping on that arm deal is, is a very um, right way to go with it on this one because it's not uh, arm length, as I was talking about a couple of shows ago on this, is, is an important part in a variety of different positions on the football field, and it is impactful. Um, and I'm making a guess here. I will say that I'm making a guess that that suddenness that he does have will be enough for him to get into the arms, to get in, get past those defenses. Like, you know, like a guy that can jump over the moat, you know what I mean? Like the 30, the 33 inch long arms of the offensive lineman or the moat. And, uh, that I think can can jump over that with the quickness and the suddenness that he has. Uh, it's part of what stood so stood out to me about Aaron Donald. That's just made him. Beyond, and he's got the arm size because that's their key differences. Donald certainly was just a hair short of 33-inch long arm, so he had the prerequisite size you look for. But I, I'm, I'm, I just watching that tape. I go, he's he's going to get there. He's going to get to his spot. He's going to attack that gap before that line making it their arms on him. But it's completely valid on your part to to wonder about whether or not that will be the thing that prevents him from reaching. And I don't think he's got an Aaron Donald like upside, but from reaching the upside that would. Um, you know, validate you picking him at 20. But thank you, James. Very kind of you to say. Raphael says, Saints going to be last year's Eagles. Easy path to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I have a harder time seeing that one myself. They've got some player, they've got some, some parts in that roster that are a little bit getting older now. A little bit aging. Some of it's going to be based upon what Trevor Penning does for them in his second season at left tackle. Mm. Daniel, the thing I like about this is if Gino has another Pro Bowl season or two, we can trade him for a first rounder in the future as well, which I truthfully expect our O-line is getting better. Uh, agreed and agreed, Daniel. Yep. You'll have that door open to moving him any number of next year or the year after Depending on if you have a quarterback on the roster, you might like to go to instead. But that does open up that flexibility. Flexibility is nice. Options are nice, right? 
It's when you get forced down a corridor that's going to close off that you get a little bit worried. Lance Johnson, remember Eugene Robinson, second all-time for both tackles and interceptions as a Seahawk. As far as we knew, he was a model citizen. Bart Starr Award winner, oopsies, gets caught soliciting a prostitute. Not only gets caught soliciting a prostitute, gets caught soliciting a prostitute during Super Bowl week in a Super Bowl game that he was playing in. To, to, to just to piggyback a little bit further on your point with that, Lance. And yes, uh, Eugene was awesome. But those things will pop up. Stuff Bad stuff will happen. Guys make poor choices. That's for sure. Casey Brown says, Gina retires a Seahawk. He is the anti-Russ. I love it, Casey. It may, be, it may very well be. Ethan says, you think if Nitro wanted to be more of a power hitter, he would do it? I think he could if he wanted to. That special, I mean, remember the Mo Rivera walk-off? Absolutely annihilated that thing. Yes, Ichiro could absolutely have hit for probably 20, 25 home runs um, if he would have wanted to. Um, but he was a guy that was a little bit more built upon trying to get base hits and just getting on base. You know, he was just in more of that mode. But yeah, he could have adjusted his swing with a little more of an uppercut stroke, especially in that Merriam Stadium, as I pointed to often, that right field that right field fence, that short porch and right was built for Griffey's swing, but it certainly would have accommodated Ichiro's swing as well if he wanted to be more of a home run hitter. SBZ says Pete was in Sauce's space physically, getting up uncomfortably close, laughing out loud. And he also had his shirt off for some reason too, right, BZ? <laughs> Joe Biden's about 50 million to Gino next year. Hopefully he balls out so we can trade him. Maybe, maybe so. Dreamforge contractors, make sure to like, appreciate you, B and Megan. Snoqualmie skiing tomorrow. Good night. Have yourself a great night. Hope the uh, slopes have some fresh powder for you. Ready to go tomorrow. Greg Kemp says, was looking at defensive players at the combine numbers and saw that Tyree, Tyree Wilson's 271-pound, 35-inch arms did 23 reps on the bench. Zach Harris at 275 and his 36 long inch arms did 25 reps. And the craziest part to me is that the combine DK at 228 pounds did 34, had 34 inch long arms and did 27 reps. Uh, DK's was definitely impressive. I think the Harrison one to me is the most impressive, Greg. Zach Harrison at 36 long inch arms doing 25 reps on the bench. And 275 is impressive, but that's, that is a long arm. That's a lot of extra space and distance to cover off doing the bench at that point. DK's right there with it on it, but that one to me is like, that's a long, that's a long way to have to be carrying that weight with that, that long arm. Tommy says, Sauce was uncomfortable with Pete being in his space because the first instinct was to grab him. <laughs> but Pete probably had his shirt off and was slapping that bubble yum. <laughs> Uh, uh, Michael says, uh, B, let me ask you, Wagner, Clark, and S. Griffin, do you think the numbers they could all return? I don't think Clark or Griffin are returning. I do think Wagner is coming back. I'm not as big on those other two guys, Michael. Just not. Casey Brown says the thread theme seems ready for baseball season. I got some folks hyped up for it, no doubt. And I will be having, I do have an alt channel that is a baseball channel. So 
Opening day is coming. Sam the Great, I lost my Robinson Cano jersey. Did you lose it or did you burn it? Byron D, I don't think that there is any way at this point that you're getting to Ron Payne. He's going to want to be paid way too much money and I don't think you're going to have enough. You could create some cash in different places. Maybe you could create some cash to make that the only move you make this offseason out there as far as a big money swing kind of deal goes. I don't think the Seahawks are going to want to do that though. And so I, that he's, he's off the board at this point. And you all be excited if we draft Carter. I'll just be nervous about the vodka. <laughs> Douglas Thompson, very happy about this news. He deserves it. Simple. The sky's the limit for the Hawks. Really excited about this in the coming years. Me too, Douglas. Me too as well. And, and the nice part that I've loved about this beyond all else, even it's been a little bit of the part, Douglas, for me that have been trying to maybe uh, raise the spirits of those who maybe are down a little bit on this deal and the amount of money given is that at least you know right now your Hawks are truly going for it next year. They're going to try to compete for a Super Bowl. They're going to try to be one of the best teams in the NFC next year. Not as empty talk, but as truly trying to build that type of team. And that should get you excited. That gets me excited. And that should get everybody else in addition to that excited too, in my opinion. Kyler Robinson, I'm a huge fan of Noah Sewell out of Oregon. Would he fit our scheme? He would fit our scheme, Kyler. Um, he had an underwhelming combine. He didn't test anywhere near as well as I thought he was going to. And quite frankly, Kyler, uh, there's a lot of middle linebackers in this draft who had some underwhelming tape that I watched in scouting him. Some are a little higher on Sewell than I am. I'm very low on him myself. I think he's more of kind of a fourth round kind of talent guy. But fourth round, fifth round, I'd do it there. Brian says, Brandon, get some sleep, brother. Thanks for the hard work. My pleasure, man. My pleasure, man. I'm, I'm having a ball with this. I'm enjoying myself. But yeah, we won't go super late tonight, man. It won't be a six-hour stream tonight, that's for sure. <laughs> Chase, thank you for the $5 donation. I do appreciate it. He says, uh, if Bijan Robinson is there at 20, do you think the Hawks have the balls to do it? I do, Chase, because I think what they're going to tell people if they took Bijan Robinson at 20 is they would say, this guy's a different running back than we've had come through this draft over the last seven or eight years. He is the best prospect at the position over that time, and we're getting him at 20. And we're drafting a guy that we feel very comfortably who can also play a lot of slot wide receiver for us. So between him and Kenneth Walker, they're going to get their touches. These guys are going to be a factor in this offense in sort of an equivalent fashion. And uh, I think they could sell the fan base on it from that, from that angle of things, Chase. Will the fan base buy into it? Will you have certainly those hand-wringing analytic folks losing their mind, their head spinning on the top like it's something out of The Exorcist? Yes, that will also incur in addition to it as well. But I don't think that there would be a revolt if they went with Robinson. And if you're talking about getting me a 20, to me, that's tremendous value for Robinson because I think he's going to probably go in the top 15. Um, he is one of the few truly tier one players in this draft. And if he's that, and you're getting that at 20, regardless of positional value and bop da bop da bop all that stuff we hear about left and right, up and down, you're getting that at 20, a tier one player in an NFL draft that has very few tier one players. That, to me, is a sensational pick. Megan says, was ARR saying that about Pete to silence what Sauce thought, said about his interview with Pete? Nah. Nah. 
you know, just Pete's charismatic, Megan, and you know, he's, 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 he's got the gift of gab and he just got the kid all feeling warm. He's probably had a lot of these interaction with coaches where it's kind of cold and the coaches are making things awkward. And you know, Pete's just going to try to come in with a big smile and be like, what's up? Hey, you know, Michael, there was a rumor I don't know about, but is that John S may be working a big deal. Fletcher Cox, Hargrave, AKA, uh, Hargrave digger out of Philadelphia thoughts. Makes sense that he could be looking at a couple of those guys. I think Cox is a free agent. I think that you would, so both of those guys I think are free agents actually, if I'm not mistaken, but they both would fit. They both would make sense. I'm not as big on Hargrave. I think that he's, he's really a one trick pony as far as a pass rusher and he doesn't give you much as a run defender, but he would help. Bobby Savage Hill, I'm going to sign off for now. I wish my spring break extended into the draft, but I'll be popping in for more streams during free agency period and after the finals. Best days ahead. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, Bobby Savage Hill, and that sounds like a bet, man. We'll be back on Wednesday, and you know I'll be covering all the free agency in the draft big time here. So we'll be seeing you soon on that. Floor zero. I'm super new to this. I'm super new to this. Uh, is signing an older quarterback like Geno worth the 105? I think for most fans in, in the Seahawks fandom here, Lore, it's a little bit a little bit more money they'd like to spend. It's a little bit rich, but quarterbacks do tend to go for more money. It is the going rate. If we didn't sign him, Lore, and he went out into free agency, some other team would have been willing to pay him that amount. So it is kind of the going rate, the going cost. Um, he is. If somebody's willing to pay him, then indeed at that point I'd say, Lore, he is worth it then. I think that's a pretty logical, reasonable approach to looking at it in that fashion. So it's a little bit much, but it's not incredibly much. It's not like some super rich deal. And we do need to see how the details of the the deal flow out tomorrow, Lord, to make a kind of full assessment on what, what kind of deal it really is. AI says, so starting to think three quarterbacks go in the top four picks, leaving Carter or Anderson. If not, number five becomes super valuable for teams to come up for a quarterback. We get an extra second and third minimum. I agree with you there, AI. You, you got options, right? You got flexibility. You're not stuck to one path in this draft that you have to take now. You have a variety of different lanes that you can go down. All of them very fruitful. Well said. Erickson says, I could see Pete asking for Richardson at five if he's, if he's there and we stay. Potentially, yeah. Buston says, hey, sort of a crude question. But what would it take for you to be out on Jalen Carter? So kind of like I was saying above on that, Weston, it's that if my if I come back and my, you know, these franchises, what somebody else was saying, are looking at top five picks or they're looking at the top of the first round, you're going to do this on all of your draft picks, but especially on guys that you're going to be picking high where there's millions of dollars at stake. You're going to have private investigators on this. You're going to talk to the coaches. You're going to do a lot of background work on these guys to make sure that they indeed are uh, legitimate. Um, if I come to find out that the word on the street is that Jalen Carter is an alcoholic coming from Georgia sources, that's going to have me out on him. I'm not going to draft an alcoholic at five. If he's got a little bit of a drinking problem and there's been some issues with him partying and he's gone a little bit hard at times, that's different than him being some alcoholic. Um, but if there's some, I think to kind of put this in the, in the, the most base way I could put it Weston without getting into like details of like, you know, well, he's hit one woman and maybe he's done this and that will be it to get to that kind of specific spot. If we were to find out that the the character stuff that we're hearing rumors of and that the racing situation that happened are just simply the tip of the iceberg by the background 
that is being done by the PIs and that they come in, they, they tell me and they come to me and they say, hey, John, I'm like, yeah, what do you tell me about Jalen? What have you learned? It ain't good, John. Well, what did you learn? Well, what we learned is uh, tip of the iceberg. He had this incident and that incident and the program kind of covered up. They gave him this opportunity and he was told if he didn't do this, that they were going to have to look to start to suspend him. It got so bad. And then there's this happening and we're hearing rumors about a drinking problem. These would be the things then that would have me out on him. But if, if it's vague rumors about conditioning problems, and then you have a little bit of him being a bit of a wild child, that's not enough for me in itself. Oh yeah, I didn't address that too. Uh, Lore, the older quarterbacks can tend to get paid and it's not as much of a worry on that because they get with the new rules that are in the NFL and over the last 10 years, quarterbacks are being preserved and protected like never before. And that's allowing guys like Tom Brady to play to 45 because they're just not getting beat up like they once were. So the money isn't as much. And like Herbicide said, his body's a little fresher than your average 32-year-old. Wu-Tang Financial says, man, the Bozo Chargers just had to lose to the Donkeys at the end of the season, didn't they? Laughing out loud. Still, I ain't mad at five. Yeah, it would have been nice to be up a little bit higher, but you can do go well anyway. Still can't, can't shake a stick at five, can you? Can't be mad at five. You go, okay, hey. Spencer says, are we going to talk about the fact that Derek Carr is a worse quarterback than Geno Smith yet received a more lucrative contract? This further, this further exemplifies quarterback desperation mode compared to a Calculated approach. Uh, indeed, it does. Not even discounting that Carr was uh, fully on the market. That matters very little to the point I'm making with this. I agree. It doesn't matter. I, I don't think it's, I, I think your point is your point. And it doesn't matter that just because he's on the open market. It, your, your, your bottom line on this, I think that you're inferring, and I think you're right about it, is, um, is he worth the money? Is it worth that at the end of the day? Just because the team's willing to spend it, is a guy like that worth it? No, he's not. And yeah, I agree. Geno Smith is a better quarterback than Derek Carr. In my opinion. Big Country, uh, Favre had some drug issues early in his career. He did. I think he had some drinking problems. That's part of why he was out of Arizona, out of Atlanta initially as well. Uh, Casey Brown says, oh, darn, I watched Carter. But yeah, circumstances on this whole thing, it's not good. Plus the character issues that were brought before the racing death happened. Yeah. There's definitely some smoke to the character shoes fires we are with Carter and it didn't get helped by the racing thing. So it, it could be something that, but, but that's why you do trust Casey, those professionals to go do their work. A private investigator will figure this out. Your sources out at Georgia will help inform you on this. If you're Schneider, um, you're going to be able to know what, what is the lay of the land with Carter by the time you pick. And it's not going to be a guessing game. Uh, I'm not sure I agree that Carr is worse than quarterback than Geno. I mean, Carr has far more positive years under his belt than Geno. He's been given a lot more of an opportunity than Geno was given with New York, though, too. And I don't know. He's had a variety of different offensive coaches come through there. He's had a variety of different personnel come through there. Um, he's never really showed me a whole hell of a lot for where his reputation sometimes is. Michael says, uh, Steve Larchin's the Blue Angel. Yes, of all time. Kingdom era here. What a great team player. Hell yeah, what a great team player. He's my favorite all time. My favorite uh, Hawk. 
AI says, what is the draft compensation moving back four spots to nine? I think it's a single first round pick, AI. A single future first round pick. You might be right about being second, third this year's draft, but I think it's a future one. TJ, what's up, man? It's good to see you in the house. It says, uh, do we have a better chance for Anderson because of Anthony Richardson? <sighs> Only if you see four quarterbacks go in the first four picks, TJ, which with Ant Anthony Richardson's performance puts him in the combine, does put him in play to potentially draw someone out with Arizona to have them trade back to then get up and take Richardson, which would then leave us with Will Anderson. So it would play out that way. It's It's in play now, yeah. It's in play. I don't think it's likely to happen. I still think Arizona just takes Anderson, but it's it's there. It's possible. Spencer says no, not to mention, or are you talking about the Anthony Richardson thing? You're talking to him, I think, on that. Sorry. Megan says, be in spite of my full disclosure, Ichiro is my first baseball crush. Still is, too. Sorry, not sorry. That's a good crush. He's a great player, Megan. I loved Ichiro. Don't get me wrong. I do love him. He's a great, great player. Cooper says, did I miss something? What happened with Sauce and Pete? Sauce was mentioning in a recent interview that Pete made him uncomfortable when they were doing their combine interviews. I didn't read a lot into it, but yeah. Power Hitter 427 says, my boy Lonnie Phelps putting up 31 reps on the bench. Don't sleep on him. I haven't, I have been sleeping on him. So I need to wake up, I guess. But I will, uh, Lonnie Phelps, man. I'm, uh, I'm writing him down, power hitter. So I'll take a look at his tape. I haven't had a chance to, to view him yet, but 31 reps, that's impressive. Very impressive. The Camper Report. I think this extension's okay, but I don't think Gino is not going to have the same season as he did this season again. Perhaps, Camper. <coughs> I certainly think, uh, to your point on that, <coughs> This deal is a little bit expensive. It's a little bit pricey. You certainly wouldn't want to go this high with him, but as as far as him playing at the at the level he did last year, he's going to have a better roster offensively than he had this season. You know, no he's not losing anybody off last year's offense and he's going to most likely gain an improvement at both the center position and the right guard position. So if he gets an improved offense, is he going to perform worse than he did last year camper? I don't know that he will. I do still think your point's right. It's a little bit maybe rich. It's a little bit expensive. But I think there's a lot of reason to believe that he's going to be able to kind of sustain this performance at least to a near degree of what he was last year. Daniel says, I hate how a lot of these projected first-round players magically pulled a hamstring right before their drill warm-ups, trying to finagle the scores on their pro days. Not a fan. Yeah, they're playing games with it. Daniel, they are. You know, I didn't like Bryce Young coming in and, you know, pulling on all that water weight and then not running. He's going to run in his pro day and he's not going to weigh. It's, it is. It's playing, it's kind of playing games with it a little bit. Herbicide says, Washington wants two first for pain also. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're not getting that. They're not getting more than a first for pain. Camper says, I think those extensions say that they're getting a quarterback this year to develop. I think you guys get Hooker. He has talent. 
but uh, injuries have held him back. Agreed. I think he's going to definitely be a target for us now, potentially like third round camper, but I like him. Yeah, Megan, I tried on Sewell. I tried on Sewell. I eventually came around on Drew Sanders. I could not come around on Sewell as a prospect. Eh. Uh, Herbicides, Papoe had a great combine athletic freak. 4-3-9-40 for a middle linebacker. That is flying, flying. Um, And he is fast like that on tape too. But uh, yeah, he was going to be one of my diamonds in the rough. Unfortunately, he's now left the rough and he's on the fairway. And that probably means he gets picked in the third round. Kubris, Brandon doesn't sleep. I don't sleep. No sleep for the no sleep for the wicked. <laughs> Wu Tang says no more two first for defensive players unless it's like Fred Warner or Miles Garrett. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you if you're looking for a comp for Dayon Henley and you don't have to go in the first round for him. Fred Warner and Dayon Henley, you could find some some comps there, I think. Some subtle comps. Casey says, oh my God, Ken Walker plus Bijan would be crazy. It would be crazy. And that's why I'm, I'm with it. And he means that by crazy good. Um, it'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. Uh, people are very against this, but I'm not, Casey. I don't land as much as some people do about the running back value thing and that you just can't do that. And again, Bijan is, he is, an, he is absolutely the, the reincarnation of Ladanian Tomlinson. That is Bijan Robinson. So do you, do you pass on Ladanian Tomlinson at 20? I don't. And go look at their combine scores if you don't believe me. Go look at all the combine scores for Ladanian Tomlinson and go look at Bijan Robinson. I mean, already when you put the tape on, you could, you could pair the tape and see the, the mirrors between the two. Now take the tape away and just look at the scores. The guys had the exact same 10-yard split in the 40-yard dash. The exact same broad jump within three inches of each other on the vertical leap. Um. Just so many markers that are just kind of equivalent between those two guys. But I love Bijan. I love him. Uh, Casey Brown, thank you for the $2 donation. Free agency, are there any linebackers, guards, or defensive linemen to chase? Uh, it gets a little bit meager as far as linebackers go, Casey. I think Bobby Wagner is the guy that makes a lot of sense, not simply because of your past history with him, but also because of the fact that he's one of the better guys available out there. Um, there's a couple of other middle linebackers. Uh, there's a guy named Pratt from Cincinnati. There's, uh, Tremaine Edmonds of the Buffalo Bills. Those guys are very talented. They're very young and they're going to be very expensive, too expensive. So you're not going to be able to afford them. Um, Levante David would maybe be a possibility if not Bobby Wagner. He is still playing at a high level level like Bobby is despite being an older middle linebacker in the sport, but that'd be about it. When it comes to guards, there's not really anybody that I was that stands out to me, Casey. This is why they re-signed Phil Haynes, is they don't like the guard class as it stands right now in the free agency as it concerns there. Uh, defensive lineman, uh, Fletcher Cox, Hargrave um, could make some sense in there. There's it, It's another kind of a weakened group out there in free agency as far as the defensive line goes, quite honestly, though. It's uh, Akeem Hicks. I think you're looking for more wave like that kind of guy, like wave three kind of guys, maybe an aging player. You're looking more in that realm than you're looking at a prime grade eight kind of signing there, especially now, Casey, with the Geno contract, because there's not going to be a lot of money to spend. So we're, lo- we're really looking now wave three more than we're looking at some of the creme de la creme free agents that are out there. I wish I could give you some more names on that, but the, the bottom line on this when it comes to free agency this year is it's a pretty weak overall free agent class. There's not a lot of great names, especially for the positions of need that we have. 
Appreciate you though, Casey. Thank you. Uh, Max Sherma, thank you for the $2 donation. I appreciate you as well. Would you want the linebacker out of Georgia over D-line? The linebacker out of Georgia? You mean the outside linebacker out of Georgia? I'm, I'm guessing you mean Nolan Smith. Uh, would I want Nolan Smith or the defensive line? No. I would rather have defensive line than Nolan Smith. I think Nolan Smith's getting a little bit overhyped at this point based on his combine performance. I don't think that his tape, especially as a pass rusher, quite matches up where some people are wanting to project him out to and being a first-round pick. So he's a good player. He's a fun player. Maybe the best edged run defender in this draft despite being undersized. But no, go D-line instead of that, Max. Go for the D-line. He's not that good. Kind of a combine warrior a bit with that guy. Power hitter, 427. Thank you for the $5 donation. I do appreciate it, brother. He says at 6'3", 245, Lonnie Phelps put up 4'5", 440. And on top of that, he had nine sacks for Miami and seven this year for Kansas. That's good production. You love to see the two years of great production, power hitter, rather than just the one. And those kind of numbers at 6'3", 245, Let's look him up here a little bit. Let's take a look at it. Let me look at his, some of his arm length here. Com, combine. Combine. Get the combine numbers here. Let me take a look at him here. Thank you for the donation, though. Let's take a peek here at him. And I will, uh, Lonnie, uh, or check back in with me after this. I'll definitely um, have him scouted by the by the next stream. 455-40, 1-6-2-10-yard split, 31 reps, like you said. 32 and 3 eighths inch arms. So, like that, got the good arm length on it on top of it, man, power hitter. So, the good, the, the initial markers you'd look at, he checks those boxes. But uh, check back in with me, power hitter, on Wednesday. I'll have definitely scouted him by that point. I'll give you a breakdown on my thoughts on him and what I see from him. But uh, you do want to see from the, the pass rushers more than the one-year production. This is one reason a guy like Andre Carter really does dip down in this draft a little bit is because of the fact that he is that one-year wonder. He only had one-year production and then nothing else kind of around it. And that gives you that hesitancy a little bit. Yeah, I knew Darrell Poe's good. He's real good. Bijan's amazing in pass protection, says Casey Brown. Walker's not. Bijan can play third downs and him and Walker could trade second downs. Agreed. I think you could find touches for both of those guys in this offense, Casey. I think you can play him somewhat at slot, too. He's got receiving skills. You can put him out there at slot as well. Overnight says, wow, Seahawks fans, Rogers, met, Rogers might be a Jet. <laughs> well, musical chairs are starting to be pulled off the, off the deck here. <laughs> Jets are going to have to do something soon. Going to have to do something soon. Joe Biden's make a wish. Do you think when we sell next year, Pete and John Schneider will stay? Pete has a few years left, but John Schneider seems to be like a guy that wants to be in football until he's old. Uh, hard to say on that, Joe Biden's. I think a new ownership tends to want to have their new guys brought in sooner than later. They might wait a year, but sooner than later, they're going to want to make their deal to bring in their guys. Now, if they're having a tremendous amount of success and they're going to the playoffs and they're competing for division titles... It's going to be a lot harder to want to make that move if you're an owner, even if you want to go get your own guys. So some of this is dependent on what they do this year and where they're at when the new ownership takes over. But historically speaking, it's not in the favor of either of those two guys that they remain with new ownership. New ownership is going to tend to want to see new guys. 
You saw this, for instance, with the Denver Broncos, right? Joe Biden. Already, they're already on to their new coach. Uh, Ron shows it does not matter how good of an offense you have. If you cannot stop the run, teams will control the time of possession and keep your offense off the field. Stop the run. Well said. Agreed. Power Hitter says, bottom line is some pretty bad quarterbacks are getting more than him. Gino said he's willing to take less money to build a team. He's got paid, and in my opinion, he got paid less than he's worth. That's a great point, man. Agreed. The market price is the market price. It doesn't come down to whether or not he's worth it at that point. It comes to whether or not you're willing to pay the price. He is worth it. He would be paid that on the open market. Are you as a team willing to sign that player at that point? That is the question. That is the key. <coughs> Bear with me, folks. Uh, I'll be right back here. Just one second. Let's go, let's go. Spencer Smith says, Brandon, uh, how about bringing in just released Eric Kendricks to play alongside Bobby? Can we make the money work for the post Gino deal? I don't know what Eric's going to command at this point, Spencer. Um, I think he had a little bit of a down year when I was looking at him earlier. Let me make, let me confirm this. But I don't think if you're going to pay Bobby big money that you're going to look to pay two linebackers, aging linebackers, big money. Now, uh, the team did one sign his brother, of course, Kendrick's brother, Michael Kendrick's, was once a Hawks linebacker, so they certainly like the bloodline. But yeah, he had a 61 grade last year by PFF which is a drop off. Well, no, so let's go back a couple of years, you know, 2020, he has a great season, 82 grade. 2021, he has a 59 grade. 2022, last year, he has a 61 grade. So unlike a guy like Bobby that's still sustaining his level of play, Kendricks is not. And the tapes match that up. He was part of the problem with that Viking defense and why they failed this year. Wilbert says Aaron Rodgers to be a Jet is in, is in the air. Wild. That would be wild. Socrat, Cassie, what do you think about the Seahawks? Who do you think the Seahawks will draft with the fifth overall pick? Jalen Carter or Anthony Richardson, Socrat? One of those two players would be my best guess. Uh, Greg says, Brandon, uh, Brandon, it's trending on Twitter that Nick Chubb might be on the trade block. Do you think the Hawks will pull the trigger and make up for a passing on him for Penny? Uh, probably not because he does make a good amount of base salary to his deal, Greg, and they're not going to have the money to I think fit that in under the cap. 
Interesting that the Browns are going to make that move. Chubb has been a very good player for them. Don't know. I mean, I know people, nobody wants to pay for running backs, but you know, what has he done to kind of call for that at that point from their standpoint? I guess you got to make the, the Deshaun Watson money work somehow though, right? <clears throat> Spaces, if that happens, Jeff A says, should we trade for Russ Wilson? No, absolutely not. So Kratz says, do you think the this deal affects the Seahawks draft pick? Not necessarily. I think it does make it a little, a little less likely that you don't take a quarterback, but it doesn't remove it completely as an option. So it doesn't really change much. It maybe moves the needle a little slightly in one direction, a little bit more likely. And Udor says, I don't get how fans can diminish the year Geno had. His performance is being minimized, much like I minimize Russ's Seahawks career. There we go. Stoyan, Brendo, I'm trying to send a super donation to your awesome channel, but I haven't been able to do it because it says that I can't because I'm overseas. What can I do about that? Uh, yeah, I've got a, uh, I think I've got another thing here somewhere. Let me see. Do, 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 do. No, not that one. Um, let me see here. Did I not? Uh, uh. Guess I don't have it on the thing like I thought I did. Or is that it? Here, let me bring something up for you. So I do have another. Uh, I do have. Uh, it doesn't it, now when you do it through the donation on this. It doesn't necessarily um, post up like it would otherwise on the. Um, if I can find it, I had it here a second ago, and now I've I've lost it. So you can send a donation to me through uh, Venmo at is which is at Brandon Dash Kane Dash sixty six or uh, on PayPal. Um, that's Venmo or on PayPal. You can do at the Hawks Nest Donos. So I'll put it up. I've got it here somewhere. I thought, and I can't freaking I can't freaking find it. It's disappeared. Give me a second here. Let me let me locate it, my man. Oh, there we go. There it is. So we'll put this up here for you. Um, just FYI, though, it doesn't necessarily show uh, the donation come through like when you do it through the YouTube deal, unfortunately. But I'll get the donation if you send it through one of these two ways. So I'm posting it here in the right corner. Uh, either PayPal or Venmo, you can hit me up through one of those two different directions on it. And even though I won't be able to necessarily acknowledge it live if I see it come through, I will very be very appreciative of it. Nonetheless, they're still on. So yeah, I know the overseas one's a little bit tricky there with the YouTube deal on that, which sucks. <laughs> Jeff A says, can you say hello to my wife, Lavella? Absolutely. Lavella, you met a man many years ago by the name of Jeff. It's a, it's a simple name. It's a common name, but of course he's not a common guy. He's loved you with all his heart. He still looks upon you with those eyes like when you first met. Never forget that. Always appreciate it. Tonight, I shout out to you. Tip my glass. Tip of the cap for being a lovely wife, Lavella. And Jeff does care for you very, very much. Hope you're having a good one. Saint says, I saw Brandon on TikTok video today. I was laughing out loud. I'm on a TikTok video? Somebody's putting me on TikTok now? I'm not on TikTok, so... <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's taking my content posting out there. I am mad. I am mad. <laughs> That's hilarious. 
Uh, Gregory Jones, is Carter a generational talent? I think he gets close to that spot of things, Gregory. You know, um, my comp for him as Cortez Kennedy. Was Cortez Kennedy a generational talent? Probably. Very close to being so. So if Cortez is, is worthy of, of that, then is not Carter. And if I look at him as a similar talent, yeah, I kind of think so. I kind of think so. Is he a pure generational guy? in the form of like Caleb Williams is a pure generational quarterback next year. Jalen Carter is a pure generational defensive tack. Not exactly that is apples for apples, but he's in the discussion. You know, he's in the neighborhood. And as Wu-Tang says, if it potentially, yes, if he's a mess, no, that's a good way of putting it too. Keem Bomber, Dan Henley, and Trenton Simpson are your two difference makers at middle linebacker. You're right to favor those guys above anybody else in this draft. Those guys are on a different plane um, in what they're bringing from a physical skill set from the other guys. And I don't think there's a lot of holes with those guys and what they bring. Um, I'd love either one. So those are my one-two as well. Herbicide says, Papoe also put up like 28 reps on the bench press. He's a freak. He's a freak. He just is. He's got one just great hit too on college. There's a game against him with Penn State where he just lights Clifford up. I mean, just decletes Clifford. It's crazy. <coughs> Ethan Deckworld says, Michael Penix Jr. and the crew took care of Noah Sewell in that defense. Yes, they did. 360 inspiration. I would expect Bobby Wagner to be the next domino to now fall, hopefully. Chase Stern, thank you for the $10 donation. I really do appreciate it so much. It says, what's with Washington and their ridiculous asking prices? Two first for pain? Seven billion for a team worth no more than four? Is it a negotiation tactic or are they really that delusional? <clears throat> well, let's first on the, let's take the second part of your question first on that. And Chase, thank you for the $10 donation, man, for all the donations. I think you've done some double donos here tonight. Um, <clears throat> on the first part of your question, when, in regards to asking for the 7 billion, um, that is a little bit high. I do believe that the Broncos just went for five and a half billion. So really the asking price should be six at this point or six and a half, but seven's maybe not that far off. It is the beginning point for negotiations. So that you would, the numbers you would expect to see go down from there. Um, but you also have to acknowledge your chase that Dan doesn't want to really sell the team. And so if Dan's got any kind of control on this and dictating what the price will be that he wants to be paid, he's going to choose the MSRP sticker price because he's trying to dissuade anyone from buying the team because they're having to pay exorbitant prices to get the team. And so part of this is a little bit of the Schneider finding a way on his standpoint to keep the team held off from being sold and, and so that he can hold on to him for a little bit longer. Um, why the two first for pain? Uh, because he's still a very young guy. Um, and while they are asking for that chase, this is again, like their $7 billion. This is a beginning point on negotiations. What they're hoping to get in return chases. They know very well, they're not going to get two first round picks. What they're hoping to get is the Frank Clark hall, the, the hall that we got for Frank, right? Which is a first and a second round pick and is, uh, Deron Payne's reputation in an equivalent place to where Frank Clark's reputation was as a player in the league. 
and at the age he is, and they're at an equivalent age from when Frank Clark was being moved at that time as well, yes is the answer on that. So they're no, they know they're not getting the two first-round picks, but you don't start out at a first and a second chase because then the team calls you and says, we'll only give you a first. You start at two first, and then the team calls up and the negotiation says, we'll give you a first and a second, and now we got a deal. So that's, they know very well that's um, in both of these two numbers where they're reaching at. They know in both of those cases they're not going to get those numbers. But I think, in the, again, with that $7 billion deal there, Chase, and with Dan asking for everything for the Washington football team, he's doing so because he doesn't want to sell. He wants to make this team purchase take as long as it possibly can take so he can keep his dirty little grubby mitts on that team for as long as he possibly can. Thank you, though, Chase, for the uh, $10 donation, brother. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Corey Olson with a $2 donation. Appreciate you, Corey, for all your donos tonight, man, as well. Our linebacker position scares me. How would you fix it? I think there's a pretty straightforward fix here for it at this point, Corey. It starts with Bobby Wagner. This is a move that you make not only to bring in to improve the position, which you would do. This is a position now you bring in to help out with the locker room. You relieve Jordan Brooks of the problems that he has with doing the mic stuff and getting the plays out. You have a guy who instinctually is going to help players pre-play to know where they're going to need to go um, and where the right spot is to be on defense. You got a locker room guy, leader guy, not going to cost as much money as even what he made last year. So the Bobby Wagner situation to me, Corey, makes a lot of sense. And I'm not surprised in the least that the team and Bobby are coming to a close conclusion here pretty quickly in getting a deal done. Who's the other guy to be then? Go into the second round. Take one of Drew Sanders, Dan Henley, or Jack Campbell. Pair one of those guys then with Bobby Wagner. You're set. You still have Tanner Muse as a backup on the team. You certainly would like to add a little bit more maybe... um, uh, depth at that point um, with those two guys, but you got your frontline starters, which are now an improvement over what you've had in Brooks and what you had in Jody, uh, Cody Barton. You've, you've now really upgraded the position from that standpoint of things. So <clears throat> I, would, I would take that track with it. Sign Bobby, take your best pick of the litter in the second round with one of these linebackers I mentioned and roll with it that way. Feel better about your linebacker, your middle linebacker crew going forward than you do about them this year in a big, big way. AJ Harris says, I'm sure when we see the details of Geno's contract, it will be very incentive laden with a big out for us after year one. It's a great hedge, and we now have no desperation with pick five. Quarterback is still okay. AJ, fantastic way of putting it, man. I don't know if I can add a lot on top of what you said. I think that's, uh, that is very much, I think, the way that this plays out, the way that this situation looks to me too. Um, we always got to look at where the numbers fall out at. I think it will be hard to get out after year one. I think there will be a way to get out after year one, but I think the true out here, AJ, will be the year two of the deal. That it will break down to eventually at the end of the day being if Seattle wants it to be a, a de facto two-year deal, in my opinion. Wu-Tang says, Bijan is absolutely filthy. As a UT dropout, I still got mad love for my horns kill us. <laughs> Hell Yeah. And he is absolutely filthy. Best running back prospect to come along in six, seven years at least. Herbicide says, I wonder how much the Hawks will go for. Well, the, the, the Washington team will go for basically $6.25 billion when it's all said and done. So where the Hawks go for a year from now, probably six and a half. Yeah. It'll go be a little bit more. Spencer Smith, I think Forbes sneaks into the second round. I do. So, Krat, Cassie, do you think the Seahawks will, have, will move up with any of their picks? I don't think so, Socrat. No, 
Not when they have this many picks. I think they're just going to stand pat and take the best player on their board. If anything, it's more likely they move back from five, in my opinion. Spaces, if we don't go for AR-15, the next year's draft have better selection for quarterbacks. It's a, it might be a bit a deeper realm. There might be more deeper guys in that draft. There's definitely a lot of names that, that potentially could pop here. Megan says, B, let's face facts. Even if the free agent class was better than it is, there is no way the free front office would go for it uh, and chase the top players. Probably not, Megan. That's definitely historically not been a place they've been willing to go, and why would they do it this year? You know, I could be a little bit hopeful with that, but that's, you're right, not likely to be their uh, approach as it hasn't been in the years past. It's a good point. <laughs> Very good point. Space says, well, all I have to say is, let's go. Let's go, Space. I love that energy, man. Let's go. Let's go. 360 Inspiration. If we sign Bobby and draft Jalen, what other pieces do we need to win, do we need defensive-wise? Uh... So you would you would need to get a middle linebacker in here in addition, I think, to Bobby. I don't think you can trust Jordan Brooks long-term here, and I don't think the team's going to activate his fifth-year option. You're going to need another defensive lineman, a zero-tech specifically, then on top of that, I think, 360 inspiration. Uh, so getting a zero-tech in here would be uh, another another addition. Getting another d- defensive end um, or an outside linebacker or a guy that can do a little bit of like a Carl Brooks type from Bowling Green that can do a little bit of both. Um, you probably want to add on to that. You need three bodies on the defensive line this offseason. Quentin Jefferson, Brian Monet, Puna Ford should be gone, should be replaced all across the board by improvements from what they were. So you gotta you're gonna need to get a couple of guys here. But that would be the main three, those would be the main four pieces. Give me three defensive linemen and one middle linebacker in the draft. If we get Jalen, that's one off the board. Now I need two more. Can be an edge, can be a defensive end, zero tech, but give me two more. Joe Biden's make a wish. John Schneider just doesn't seem like a guy you look and think, yeah, I can do better than him. John Schneider has been around for the Favre, Rogers, Packers, and the LLB Seahawks. We would be making a big, big mistake by moving on. Agreed, man. I don't want to get rid of him. So it's not that I want to do it. It's just that what I was speaking to is just the tendency of new ownership coming in. But it's, it's maybe they like him. Maybe they're happy with him. You know, maybe they feel like um, he's doing a great job and they stay with it. You know? Ethan says, I'd be very interested in seeing Schneider without Pete. Well, I think regardless of whether you move on from Schneider, I don't know how long Pete's going to be here into the long-term future. That day is, that day is fast approaching. Daniel says, Chubb on the trade market. That moment when the $52 million from Deshaun Watson starts kicking in. <laughs> The way you put that, Daniel, I picture it like drugs. Like somebody's taking a pill and it's just starting to kick in like, I don't want to go on this trip. I don't want to do this anymore. That's how I feel a little bit. We're giving rid of Nick Chubb. No, no. But yeah, that's crazy, man. Nick Chubb has been one of the best backs in the league of the last couple of years. And he gets it done on his own a lot of times. That's a great offensive line. They've had run blocking for him, but he's, he's a dog. He's a dog at the position. 
Erickson says, BBK, come back. Let's effing go, Seahawks. Let's go. Mega says, ah, who knew a B was such a romantic? Love it, B. <laughs> I keep it hidden. Uh, Spencer says, I'm sure you're aware, but not very often you see female cats with that coloration. Is she tabby or an orange short hair? Uh, Rizzo is the latter, uh, also named after my favorite Grease character. Uh, nice. Yes, she's, I guess she's technically would be a orange short hair, but because uh, tabbies are only male, as I understand it. But she's, if you've ever been around a tabby, she has the tabby energy. You know, they're a little bit wild. They're a little bit more energetic. They're a little more like kind of, there's just a little bit more kind of going on upstairs with them than you get with some other cats, I think. Um, and she is certainly indicative of that. So um, yeah, you don't see many of them, Spencer. Uh, the fun story I always like to say with this is that, you know, back 10 years ago when I was with my ex, she requested from me a birthday present of a kitten, an orange kitten, an orange female kitten like the one she had when she was growing up, which I got. I did my part as a good man, found the right cat, and the cat ended up choosing me. So <laughs> that one didn't work out as well there with that one. But she's a great cat. And she's always next to me here when I'm doing my live streams. So she likes to be right next to me. And Utero says, Brandon, you should do a video about the Seahawks 90, 1992 defense. The team only won two games, but that D was amazing. It was amazing. And that's a great suggestion in Utero. I uh, definitely need to do some more historical videos. I've been a little bit late, late in, in getting those out, you know, because those were, when I started out the channel, a much bigger part of the channel. And certainly a lot of my most viewed videos are those historical videos. So uh, that's a great suggestion, man. I think, you know, part of what I want to do on this channel is eventually cover every story that needs to be covered if you're going to tell Seahawks history, be it a, a great moment in a game or a great player or a, a great play sequence. And I think that you can't not tell the whole story of the Seahawks uh, without covering that 92 team. Great suggestion, man. And someday I promise I will cover that. Erickson says, maybe our defense is going to be a different style with the Rooks advancing. Could be, could be. Spencer Smith, though, don't get me started. She's a fireball, but you never find a more lovey-dovey cat. But he, uh, every new person I bring over, she's practically glued to, to for snuggles. That's, that's, that's my pumpkin, too. That's exactly right. They're headstrong cats, man. Spencer says, as an Amazon employee, I would have some moral conflict to resolve internally if Bezos bought my hawks. He's taken so much from me already. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's definitely a little bit of, uh, you know, you're not, uh, you know, you're not having somebody like Paul Allen necessarily buying the team, right? But the good of Chata with him is that he's got the loose purse strings. You know, he's going to want to win. That's good to have in an owner. Yeah. Yeah, please no Bezos, says Wu-Tang. Yeah. I think it's possible. Erickson, Bobby's got to come home, man. Come home, Bobby. Come home. Spencer says, anybody got anybody got a take on Baker Mayfield to the Niners next season? I've seen rumors of this, although unsure about their reliability. To me, it feels more like Matt Ryan for me to Niners. That seems their hedge that they would want to go with. Familiarity with the scheme, familiarity with Shanahan. 
Not going to cost him much. Baker's a possibility, though. Goobers, has there been any potential real noise on potential buyers yet? No, but there really can't be either in this respect of things because the city is due 10% of the profits if the team sells before a certain date. So if the team was to go out there and start already making overtures to potential buyers and saying, well, no, we're going to wait to do the actual sale to a year from now, but let's, let's knock out the parameters of this deal. That would be a court case potentially for the city of Seattle. Say, no, we got a right to have 10% of those assets in there. So you got to wait till you get past that date first before any of that stuff starts to really uh, be potentially kind of talked about. Mr. Kane says, time for sleep. Night, y'all. Love y'all and have a good night. Yeah, you have a good night as well. I do really appreciate it, Mr. Kane. And uh, you sleep well, bro. Lee Rendell says, Bezos, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Then he can take them to LA like Bering did. No, Lee, you wouldn't do that. He's a local guy. He wouldn't do that to us. You know, Bering was an LA guy. He was a California guy. He always wanted to get you there. He wouldn't do that to us, man. Cooper says, I have a feeling Jody's going to buy the team with some other investors. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know either. Because that, that, like I said about Bezos, the thing that you have to have from an NFL owner is loose purse strings. An ability to call upon chunks of cash when you need it. And uh, I don't know if she's got, if she's going to be as much cash rich when all this stuff sells and goes as it's going to go. Space is agreed, B. I'm glad we're on the same page. Jordan Kraft, I think we should get Christian Gonzalez and team him up with Tariq or get Will Anderson. I could be okay with either of those directions, Jordan. They've never drafted a guy that high. And the one thing I'd say to Jordan is I'd love Gonzalez. He's my number one cornerback in this draft. But, you know, you've done so well with finding such great value in the fourth, fifth round, you know, and not just with a Kobe Bryant or Tariq Woolen, but with a Richard Sherman, with a Byron Maxwell, with a Deshaun Shedd, with a Shaquille Griffin. You know, do you feel the need to have to go up and get a guy that's a primarily talented guy when you're able to do so well with guys that maybe aren't necessarily that? I think that's the, the, the would be the question at play there with that. But you can't deny his talent. He's a great player. Fun player. Good player. Uh, D&D393, thank you for the $7 donation. I really do appreciate it. And I hope you're having a good night. Says, John Schneider said character is huge. Wouldn't have drafted Thibodeau last year for character concerns. Do you think they will even have Carter on their board? There is a certainly D&D, a, a logical conclusion to be drawn from this that with Malik McDowell's history and with having that guy on your record, if you're John Schneider and that being a pretty recent situation that played out, then that, and what's very key about the Malik situation, D&D is being one where you knew he was a character concern, you knew he was a character concern when you drafted him, and then that completely blew up in your face and, and blew up in your face in a big, open, public fashion. And so if that's happened to you, yeah, I think it's pretty logical and reasonable to say that that would then draw you to a place of not wanting to take those kind of risks, say nothing of long-term in the future, but certainly in the short-term future from when it just happened. So is it reasonable to conclude and to believe that Carter is off the board because they have determined he is a character risk? Certainly is possible. And part of it, I think that we're, part of this that we're, we're guessing on D&D is a little bit of us in the dark, Right. Because we aren't talking to John Schneider's private investigators. We don't have his sources. We aren't doing any of the legwork from a background standpoint to really know what the truth is on it. And I think you're right in a certain degree to bring up the Bedeau where they do pass on that because there's a guy that's not all about ball. 
But I think a little bit of the worries with Thibodeau might be a little bit different than the worries that you have with Jalen Carter. Um, with Thibodeau, I have a guy that I can see at times taking snaps off at Oregon and kind of going through the motions in the last year of his tape and having kind of an underwhelm, underwhelming final year there at Oregon. And then you have a guy in Thibodeau that's going to these meetings with NFL scouting evaluators, and he's talking about his brand. And he's talking about how he wants to, to win the Super Bowl because then that's going to make his brand better. And, it's, and, and he's really looking at his post-football career, and he's really in, into NF, NFTs. And I think that really made people think beyond him, like not being all about ball is like this kid's already kind of like, he's, he's going to be the epitome of one of those kind of players who loves being a football player, but doesn't exactly love football per se. And that was a little bit of, I think the worry there with Thibodeau last year, which I think is a little bit of a different worry than Carter, where he is a guy that I think is a little bit all about ball. And he, and when he's on the field, he's going to play like crazy, but might have more of those, off the field stuff that don't have anything to do with growing your brand and your, you know, your, your portfolio and have to do with like, you just living like a wild child. So it's, it's a little bit of a different, I think, up application here on the character thing between Thibodeau and Carter, but your, your, your bottom line point is a true one in that that track record is there with Malik McDowell. Carter has, or um, Schneider has already pointed out and, and said, this is going to be a very important part of this process. And looking at the characters of these guys, finding guys that are all about ball. So it could have removed him. I, I don't know. I don't have a draw on this either way or the other quite yet on this. It wouldn't for me necessarily as I stand. But again, d and I don't have the reports that John has. I'm not looking at all the information, all the sources and all of that, which will ultimately be what drives that decision. Not just uh, the, the racing thing and whatnot, but actually all of that stuff that he's going to have access to. And I'll trust in his... Uh, Decision with that. Greg Kemp says, I just seen a rumor that Titans might get rid of Henry. What's going on? Well, gosh, we're hearing about Nick Chubb potentially being moved in addition to that, Greg. Um, so it looks like teams are really, that that running back devalued thing that's going on around the league is not going away anytime soon. You know, it's it's not, uh, it's not, it's not getting any more helpful for these guys. Um, especially a guy like Chubb, who's not really had any kind of drop off uh, to, to kind of deserve that. But uh I, I, it struck me with the Titans a little bit here in this situation with them, Greg. They might be in a position of starting to turn this thing over and and move this in a direction where they realize now is not our time. AFC is stacked. We don't have a pathway to a quarterback that can compete with the Mahomes and Burrow types. We've got to turn this over a little bit. And I think they're starting to give you some of the indication of that. I also think that they didn't necessarily love their draft last year in the way that that bore out for them, especially in Malik Willis's case. That's right, and you draw a fire sale on running backs. They're going into the bargain bin, all of them. Ujang says they want to free up space while Henry is still worth something. Always trade before the asset loses value. True, but I mean, what are they going to get for Henry? Nobody's giving you a first. I don't think anybody's giving you a second, like a third. Space says, I really like Henry's game. He didn't have his best year, but he's still a badass. He is. Kubri says the right cat found you. She did. She did. She's daddy's little girl. She's always been. Always will. Space, how much does pumpkin weigh? Okay, well that's that's a bit of a okay. It's that that that's a loaded question on this. I feel guilty for this one. She's a solid 28. Okay. She's a she's a solid 28 pounds. Okay. And I, I do get chastised by the veterinarian for for, for being too weighty. She's, she's a big girl. 
I, 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 they definitely, I, I get vet shamed whenever I take her to the vet. I'm like, hmm, she's a big girl. We need to dial back that a little bit, huh? Like, I get it. When I'm in the kitchen and she's up with her little paws up on my little ankles and she's looking up with those little puss in boots eyes and she's like, salmon treat, salmon treat. You say no to that face. I dare you. You say no to it. I can't. Uh, Megan says, by the way, B, I never thank you for making sure you had no cat hair on your person when we met as I was dangerously allergic. Uh, the fact you did it after remembering meant a lot. I did make sure I had my stuff cleared up before I left uh, for the trip. I made sure I had that stuff all rolled out. So no, no, uh, rando hair in there. But my, yeah, I don't want to get you sick. I know that can go if you're deathly allergic. You know, I've had a few folks in my life. I've known that, uh, space asked, uh, Brandon, did you get a PO box? So space, I went in to get a PO box the other day. The line was out through the like front door and I was like pressed for time. I didn't get the PO box, but I did get an address. So if you look in the description section, I've got an address I'm going to use in the interim for the PO box. And if you send stuff to that address, I will receive it there. So uh, I'm going to use that address that I've got. It's, I think uh, it's the Cataldo address that you'll see in the description section. And uh, yeah, you can absolutely send it over there. Space, she's well above 15 pounds. She's a big girl. She's a big, big, thick, beautiful orange girl. But I, I, I have, I am, yeah, I, I definitely feed her probably a little too much. I'm guilty of that. But this is why I wouldn't have been a dad. I wouldn't have been a good dad. I would not have been a disciplinarian dad. I wouldn't have been able to pull that off. I would have just been spoiling my kids right and left. You know? What are you going to do? You know what I mean? What are you going to do? Uh, power uh, hitter says, I have a big 16 pound tuxedo cat named Chase. My best friend was in the middle of a move and asked him to stay for a week. And that was two years ago. <laughs> it happens like that sometimes, man. It does. You just sometimes end up with them. You do. Yeah. My girl's got yours by about 12 pounds. She's, she's big. <laughs> she's a big girl. Megan, I miss Paul Allen too so much. I'm really worried about the next ownership group and how it'll play out. Wu-Tang, Matt Ryan was fully cooked last year. You're right. He's got nothing left. He's got two forks sticking out his back. I do wonder a little bit, if not, maybe though the Niners look at it though, is that there's not a lot of great options when you're talking about trying to find your third quarterback as you wait for Purdy and hope Lance can make it do. Ryan might fit for that. But yeah, his arm is definitely kaput at this point. G. Walker, this isn't relevant to the Seahawks or anyone, but I just found out my wife is pregnant and I'm in a joyous mood. Your streams have helped me get through a lot and will we'll continue to do so. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, man. G. Walker, we've got uh, a guy right now in the chat, one of our OGs in the chat here, Randall McDaniel. He's probably in bed right now at this point, but he is waiting on any day. He's got a baby due to be born here at any point. So we're about to add a little bit to the Hawks Nest family, it sounds like, in a couple of fashions your end over on Randall's end, you know, Hawks Nest gets a little bit bigger, but congratulations to you, brother. Congratulations. That's wonderful news. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, I, I can't attest. I've never been a father myself, but, uh, everything I hear about it is, it is a wonderful, glorious experience. There's nothing like it. And I, and you will, uh, be a great dad, be a great dad, but it's been my pleasure, man. I love doing this. I, I love the fact that the folks hang on hours and hours as we do these streams um, as I like to say with this G, it's my, it's my favorite thing to do in the world. Inutero says animals always choose the best hearted. 
I'd like to believe that, you know. My ex is good people, but, uh, you know, I like that she gravitated towards me too. DJ Singh says, what can we expect as far as Mariners content this year on the other channel? The main, the main thrust of it right now will be um, live streams. I'm going to try to do some video uploads as I can around the Mariners stuff. When it's definitely in the heart of uh, football offseason with free agency and draft, that's going to be a dead time for me. But once we get through the end of the draft with, with Seahawks coverage at that point, it will be full steam with a lot of Mariners content for a couple months there. And even once Seahawks, sta- Seahawks uh, season starts up, I'll still be doing Mariners content at that point as well. My goal is, TJ, to stream 80 games this year, 80 Mariner games this season. So I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping I can hit that mark. And I would like to uh, definitely get some more videos up on the, on the Mariners channel. My main issue right now is just the, the, the lack of time in the day. I end up losing so many hours. Like I get requests on the channel right now to just break up the live streams into more clips, but um, I end up not having the time to do that. Or I end up just like, you know, something else happens. Which by the way, folks, if you can do me a favor for those listening now as we do in the future, do you guys ever do have a clip that you think would make a good clip on the live stream? Or say, you know, hey, that was a cool little thought that you had on this. Just put in the comments section if you could, or DM me or whatever way you want to do it. Um, um, comments is probably the best section, not on the live stream comments, but put it down like in the posted video comment section, just a timestamp. And then I can pull that video out and maybe grab that clip because otherwise I got to laboriously listen through five and a half hours of my own voice speaking, which I know it's great for you guys, but it feels a little bit when I'm listening to my own self do my thing, it's a little bit like, you know, cupping your farts behind your back and sniffing them. You know what I mean? Like I feel a little bit like that as I do that type of stuff. So I need to, uh, I might need to hire somebody to be my clip guy here eventually. And if I can get a little bit more, I think down the road help with this TJ, I can be a little more expansive, I think, and getting a little bit more content out. That's going to be, I think the pathway long-term, but I need to get on it with that. That's for sure. Spaces, something tells me you won't be sleeping for too much for a few months. Yeah, I hope G. Walker, you're getting that sleep right now, man. Or are you talking about me? I never get sleep. But G. Walker just found out she's pregnant. He's got some time to prepare. He hasn't even gotten that sympathy baby weight yet, you know, where the guy gains an extra 15 pounds for the girl as she's gaining weight. That naturally happens, of course. Power Hitter says, my cat's 26. Okay, so yours is up there too. What are you going to do, right, man? They, they look at you with those sweet eyes, you know? They make that little noise, you know? You got no chance. You got no chance. Megan says, 28 pounds, B. Stop the salmon treats now. That is not good for her. I know. I know. I know, Megan. The vets let me know too. It's very, it's an easier said than done approach. I'm going to have, I want to see you do it, Megan. I'm going to put my cat, I, you're, you're allergic, so I don't get to put you to this test, but you wouldn't be able to not, You'd be dumping that whole bag right in front of you like, you can't let her not have some more of those. Look at that face. Look at that face. Wu-Tang Pets do know how to pluck at your heartstrings. I was watching a cat documentary. It blew me away a couple weeks ago where they were talking about how cats, like through their evolutionary process with humans over the last 10,000 years, like have learned to mimic the sounds of babies within their purr because they understand that that, that, that sound humans react to in a certain way. It's it's not fair. It's just not fair. Uh, Megan says, I saw Ollie and showed him your uh, picture on my phone and introduced you to him. He now says, talk to B now, Auntie Meg. <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> Tell Ollie I said hi. Kids going to be growing fast here pretty soon. Spencer Smith, good night, Hawks Nesters. Hopefully, I'll see, uh, hopefully I'll see all you in the next one. But if not, you know, I'll be listening back. Love you all. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, Spencer. I, you have a great night, man. Appreciate all the great talk as always, brother. Joe Biden's make a wish. Can't wait for the Crow's Nest streams. As someone that lives on the East Coast, I can't watch every Mariners game. The Crow's Nest makes up for that. Let's go Mariners. I'm stoked, man. We might have a World Series run in our Mariners this year. They've stacked the deck nicely with this team. They're going to be competing with that Houston team. And uh, with the changes coming to baseball this year, beyond just being naturally excited for baseball and a team that's on its rise, I'm really excited for where these changes will bear out and make this sport, I think, a lot more exciting and bring a lot more of the younger uh, generation back into the fold a little bit, which would, would be just wonderful for the sport. And long overdue. Jerome Blossom, thank you for reminding me. Please do hit that like button if you guys like what you're listening to. I really do appreciate it. Vlad the Impaler says, I'm relieved to see Gino getting resigned. I was worried about seeing Richardson twice a year. I was worried about seeing Richardson twice a year. Yep. You might still see Anthony Richardson come out now. We still might pick him. But yeah, you're a little more solidified in your quarterback. You know what the quarterback position is going to be going for. That's for sure. Real One says, I watched this for a bit and then ate dinner. Then I put my kids to bed. Then my wife and I watched SNL. Then I took a shower to get ready for bed. That was hours ago. You're still here. Awesome. <laughs> I go long, man. I go deep for some reason. I don't know how, how sometimes it just, I blink my eyes and the hours just fly by, bro. It's, it's a weird thing, but I love what I do. This is my favorite thing and I love it. Ethan says, and Brandon, you'll let me know when you're coming out for an M's game, right? Going to be a lot of fun. I will. I will. I think ideally, Ethan, what I'd love to be able to do is go see a Mariner game this summer and do it right around maybe where we've got training camp, where I can go out and check out a couple of training camp practices as well. I think that would be a, kind of an ideal for me if I can pull it off. We'll see. We'll see. Jerome Blossom, who would make good baseball players in the Seahawks? Mm, good question. Mm. I bet you Kenneth Walker would make a nice little second baseman. DK would be a great cleanup hitter, right fielder. Bet he'd have a gun. Maybe you have a cannon back out there. Tyler Lockett is your center fielder. Let's see. Tariq Woolen is your left fielder. Especially out in, out in Lumen. He'd cover all that space out there. You know? He'd be able to cover the ranginess on that out there. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Abraham Lucas strikes me as a starting pitcher. He'd be like a, be like a number three in the rotation. Power hitter says, "Well, my problem is I have two cats, and he eats out of both bowls. At night, I'll catch him eating out of my dog food's bin." Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I I I just have a hard time doing the food restriction stuff, but I've got to. Megan's not wrong. I need to get her lightened up a little bit. Twenty eight pounds is a bit much. Like it's, she's, she's, she's too thick right now. She's not to that phase where some cats get where they're like, you could roll them on their back and they're like the kid in toy story when he's got the, all the clothing on and he's like, I can't move. They're not, she's not to that fat point of a place, but she's, she's big enough. You know what I mean? A little bit of soreness in my hips at night from her laying, <laughs> laying on the bed next to me. <laughs> Megan says, B, I'll take antihistamines and let's go. 
Pumpkin, your days of being spoiled with treats are done. Oh, you st- that's tough talk, Megan, 3,000 miles away. But you get this furry little beautiful creature in front of you at your feet with that purr and those, those wanting eyes. You say no to that. Kubri's more, cor- cool, more crow's nest, please. It's coming, man. I promise you it's coming. No doubt. Brett Forsyth says $105 million, three years. What a waste of space. I haven't had a lot of people popping in with at that spot of it with Brett, but I expected there would be a couple people that would be kind of landed there. That's for sure. Goobri says, never stop the salmon treats. Never can stop the salmon treats. They're a must. Must. Ethan says, Kronost is going to be popping this offseason. It will be. I'm anticipating we're going to get a, quite a rise in traffic over there with the Mariners uh, and how well they're doing and how well they're going to be looking. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be a fun year. Baseball streams are fun. They're a little different than football streams, a little bit more mellow. Yeah. Football streams can get intense. Ava, how you doing? She says, do you see Gino improving or declining this next season? I don't think that there's going to be a decline or an improvement, Ava, but I think that he will be maybe potentially better than he was this past year because he will have a better supporting cast. I think at 32 years old, you probably are what you are by that point, for good and for bad. But having a better supporting cast than he had yes last year, I wouldn't expect him to have a erosion of skill, and that would lead me to believe that he'd be potentially better statistically speaking, more productive than even it was last year because he will probably have a better offense he gets to work with. Wu-Tang Financial says 80 games. Woo, Brando, you're going hard. Man, I was hoping Kelnick Pops makes us a World Series threat. That's my thought process on this as well, Wu-Tang. I think you're an outside World Series threat without him popping. But if he pops and becomes the player they thought he was going to be when they made the trade for him, then you are a legitimate World Series threat. Say nothing of being able to still make a move or two down the line around the trade deadline to add and round out the team at that point. But yeah, I want to do 80 games, man. The, you know, the hope on this is to do this channel and to do the Mariners and be able to do it full time back and forth a little bit so that I'm able to just basically always be streaming. There is really no downtime. And we're moving in this direction. We're getting here sooner than, uh, sooner than later. And uh, I'm absolutely down the road, you know, Wu-Tang, it'll eventually be probably where we get up to, I don't know if I'll ever get to 160, but definitely up to, you know, 120, 130 long range. That will be the goal. That will be the goal. Yeah. So go Mariners. Mariners, you said it. I love it. Yeah, all-star game this year. Anitro, Brandon, did you and Norb talk about doing a collab? I did not talk to him yet about doing a collab, but I'm going to reach out to him, I promise. So we're going to get him either on my end or I'm going to be on his end, one of the two. But uh, I just, the last week and a half sort of sped by and I got caught up with some other side work I was doing to make a little extra coin on my end of things. So uh, I just didn't have a chance to reach out to him. But I plan on doing that um, maybe after the stream. I'll reach out to him on that because I'd like to, to do something with him if it's possible. Brett says, uh, Gino's barely worth $5 million a year. I don't know about that, Brett. You know, I mean, the price of is worth what other people are willing to pay you, what the market is willing to pay you. And, and if he didn't get his $35 million here, there was going to be another team on the open market that would have paid him $35 million, if not more. Um, but, you know, I think he's worth a little more than five. I certainly don't like paying him as much as they paid him. Don't get me wrong there. But, I mean, $5 is kind of, for the season he had, he set Seahawk records for you, you know. I don't, I don't think, I think 5 million might be just a hair low. Goobreez has got Tyler Lockett at second. That might be more right. He's more got the second baseman build, doesn't he? King Bloops says, how heartbroken were you after the Alvarez walk-off against Ray? Pretty heartbroken because you had that opportunity to take that game and steal it away. And, and that would have been big in that series, I think. 
I also didn't like bringing Robbie Ray out of the bullpen. I'm not a fan of bringing starting pitchers out of the bullpen, period, quite frankly, especially when they don't have much of a history in doing that type of stuff. Um, so I, I, I didn't like the move. And then you, you're already kind of wincing at the move and sort of bracing yourself. Uh, and then he misses in the worst place you can miss. You can't miss with left-handed power hitting bats inside and low. You know, and, and Robbie Ray knows that. You just can't do it. You're going to get it. It's going to get crushed. With right-handed hitters, it's out away from the plate and, and allowing them to get extended. But with left-handed hitters, it's that weird golf stroke that they have. I'm a lefty. I had it too. It's something weird about that's just the power place for those kind of hitters, and you got to stay away from it. Cool Breeze says Abe Lucas is a reliever. I guess that I could see that a little bit maybe more. He's your power arm, right? He's your stopper. Spaces maybe Rush should make a go of baseball. I think it's too late for him on that one. He might have been a better baseball player than even as he is as good of a football player as he is. He might have been a better baseball player. Never know. And you know, Jamal would be the bench coach. Well, he'd be injured, so he'd have to be. Uh, Wu-Tang says, Alvarez crushes souls. That's what he does. Dude cranked a pitch from Castillo that wasn't even in the zone too. Yeah, he's ridiculous talent. He's ridiculous. He's a scary, scary hitter. Greg, I really hope we can somehow have Bobby Wagner, Jalen Carter, Kalijah Kansi, John Michael Smiths, Mozzie Smith, and Dan Henley all at once. Do you think it's possible? Well, I mean, don't don't forget him, bro. Um, you know, I had a mock. Let's see if I can bring it up here. Let me bring up my mock. My mock. Um, I did a mock yesterday or two days. Yeah, it was yesterday we were doing the stream, right? What day is it? Is it Friday? Is it Thursday? What day is this now? Um, I did a mock, and in my mock, you know, look at the names I posted here, man. I mean, yeah, it's almost like I was reading your mind with this a little bit, Grug. Because I have Jalen Carter-Cansey as my one-two. I have John Michael Smith as my dead second-round pick. And then I've got Dan Henley in the second round. I mean, I'm, I'm missing your Maze Smith, but I got all the rest of the guys you mentioned on that. So is it reasonable that that's a possibility? Yeah. I mean, is it likely? No. But is it reasonable as a possibility? Yeah, sure. Spaces, I'm sorry I brought up pumpkins. Wait, no, not at all, man. I'm not sad about it. It's all good. You know, there's worse things you can do than spoil your cat or have him be a little heavy. It's not like she's got to be out there doing anything major, right? Right? You don't have any work to do. Your job's just to lounge about and look cute all the time, huh? That's your whole job. It's all you got to do is just look cute, which isn't hard for you. Jerome, yep, Gino would be your, uh, Gino would be your number one, number one or number two in the rotation. I think that's right. And you were, I was so mad that Ray gave up the home run. So mad. I, I said some very bad things. That was frustrating because it was such a great game up to that point, wasn't it? Such a fun game. And you're right in it. It was, it was intense. It was playoff baseball. Everything we kind of hoped it would be. Goldberg says, Ray comes out of the bullpen in my nightmare still. Just last night, shaking my head. Probably tonight after the stream ends and I try to sleep. <laughs> Understandably so. Understandably so. DJ says, I worry about the center position and the line regressing again. I swear Blythe's leadership and communication made Geno's transition to the starting quarterback easier for him and taught our young tackles well. I, it's a little worrisome where maybe with that 
on the surface of that, DJ. But of course, at the end of the day, Blythe didn't give you particularly good play from the position last year. That's the bottom line of it. He had flashes and moments in pass protection where he was fine. He was never really good as a run walker in, in the scheme. And so I don't know that he really set a high water mark that you have to really stretch to overcome at that point. The team goes out there and signs an Ethan Posick or they make a pick of John Michael Schmitz. Those guys very well could come in and maybe not have the communication skills that you're talking about, but their play is so much better uh, from what you got from Blythe that then that overcomes that or becomes equivalent at least for it for whatever loss that you might be sustaining. Space says she looks happy. That's all that matters. She is. She's a very happy girl. She's living the good life. Joe Biden's makeaway, besides AR-15, who would you bring in as a backup for Geno Smith? I think uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson with UCLA, fourth round. Cheap option at that point as you're paying Geno money. I think that that could be a, a good kind of backup option there. Uh, maybe Max Duggan of TCU. I don't want the guy starting a whole lot of games, but as a guy that could be uh, a backup guy you bring in, that's again, another cheap option. I, I don't want to spend money on this J Joe Biden's make-a-wish. So I don't want to be going for Baker Mayfield type or one of these other guys out there that's going to cost us four or $5 million. There, there's got to be um, a level of cheapness here. So I, I'd go Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Max Dugan, Jake Hayner. Any of those three guys I think would be pretty interesting. Middle, middle round kind of quarterbacks you could bring in that could maybe be able to kind of hold up the road for you. Stenson Bennett might be an option. Is that kind of guy too? Uh, Tubal Orbs is why Henley over Campbell? What am I missing? Um, well, first off out the gate, I think the linebacker position moving into the future needs to be one where if you're looking at a guy, your preference is to look for a guy that's good in coverage first and foremost. And when it comes to who's better in coverage, who's fleeter of foot, who can run with guys up the football field, who can run cover two, drop 25 yards down the middle of the field and carry a receiver up the field. Dayon Henley can do that. Campbell cannot do that. Um, Campbell definitely tested overall pretty well at the combine. He did run the 4.6540, which wasn't great, but his length was good and his explosive scores were good. But when I watch the tape on Campbell, I'm not very impressed, to be honest with you, Chewable Orb. In fact, part of this combine performance is going to draw me back to take another second look at Campbell. But I, I was really underwhelmed. Um, he's a guy that can take on blockers. He's a bigger linebacker. He's strong, but he's not very athletic on tape. And he doesn't seem to be very, the explosiveness that he tested up at the combine didn't seem to match to what I saw from him on tape. So I've got some big worries and hesitancies with him from a movement standpoint. Um, whereas with Henley, I think you can draw some comparisons from Henley to a guy like Fred Warner or to a guy like a Levante David. And it's my belief that this is where the linebacker position is going into the future and that you need a guy that can cover. We saw the Seahawks make a little bit of this mistake prior with a guy like Jordan Brooks, who you know was a run defender only. And struggled in coverage. Um, Campbell's better in coverage, I think, than Brooks is. But I don't know that he's mightily better. I don't know that he's sudden enough out there. And I think he can get attacked and picked on a little bit with his... Um, he's not suspect speed, but just a little bit of a lack of speed there. Uh, Chewable Orb says, Campbell had one of the best cover grades in college football. It's a great point, man. I'm only going off of what I saw on tape. So you know, when it comes to my tape on this Chewable Orb, and, and I'm right and I'm wrong on these at times... Absolutely, I'm not going to hit on every prospect. And kind of like I said a second ago on this, with this combine performance, I'm going to go back now and look at games that I didn't watch and add to what I've already watched of him. Um, but I'm always going to be honest with you guys off of what I took from what I saw from the tape. 
Um, and from what I saw from the tape, I wasn't impressed with him in coverage. Um, I didn't see a guy with a tremendous amount of great upper level skills in coverage. Now the scores are the scores and worthy of that, but I can only go off of what I see with my eyes. And I'm always going to put a little more weight on that than anything else. Um, whereas Dan, Dan Henley is uh, exceptional in coverage and it really does show up. But I, for the record too, I do have a second round grade on Campbell, all this being said. So I'm, I'm not a hater of Campbell. I just like Henley a little bit more. And I have them pretty closely evaluated when it comes down to where I see them going in this draft. Uh, Mega says, B, you better get her weight down or I may have to take even more drastic measure than I will if we take Carter. I know. I got to just do May more playing with her and get her exercise in more. That's what the key is. That's the key. Jerome Blossom, will we ever see a Seahawks rebuild on Madden 23? Kind of depends on Jerome if they take the, the dynasty mode seriously. I mean, I could have taken last year's Madden game and, and done a rebuild of the Seahawks. And the problem is, is that the Madden people aren't concerned with actually making the contractual numbers match up to what they would be or how the numbers would accelerate. They just sort of throw the numbers vaguely out there and then you sort of work around them. And what happens is you can end up kind of like doing whatever the hell you want and you're not restricted by anything. Um, because of the way that they've, they've not set it up to an accuracy standpoint. And what's really been the problem here, Jerome, with Madden over the last few years is that they've, they've, they've taken the legs out of that franchise mode, all in favor of the Mutt teams, all in favor of the super teams. And, and what that's done is it has just taken the franchise mode down to this bare bones place where it's not worthwhile to do it because you're really not getting anything out of that. You know, it's, it's, it's not a good comparison to what could happen in real life, which is what the Madden people should be shooting for but they're not because they've gotten a little bit lazy with their their approach to it. But if I hear that this next year's game, Jerome actually is going to take the dynasty mode seriously and accurate and try to make it to where they understand there's a segment of the fan base that likes to play that mode, then I'll absolutely make it a part of this channel and make it a, a tool that I use as this channel to get across points and kind of show things. But they've got, to, they've got to start understanding that their game has sucked for years now. It's a joke. People look at it as a joke. And that, you know, the only reason that they're they're able to just pump that game out every year as it is, the modes and the fact that they got to buy the license to where they're the only team, they're the only uh, gaming company that can use the real players' names and likenesses. So I, I hope so, Jerome. I'd love to see Madden bounce back. Um, I just, the current shape that it's been in in recent years when I've bought it in years prior has just been piss poor in my opinion. Piss poor. In utero says there's something smooth about Henley. There is, man. It's just easy athleticism with that guy. Easy speed. Joe Wides make wish need to draft Henry Toa Toa. In his tape, he stands out as a Seahawk type linebacker. You could get me on with him in the third round. I wouldn't go number two with him, but third or fourth round. Wutang says he means fast and twitchy for linebacker and can cover. Nobody is Fred Warner right now, but he has that type of skill set. Exactly. I wouldn't say that Henley's Warner necessarily, Megan, but again, with, with, with Warner, you know, Fred Warner wasn't Fred Warner coming out, right? Fred Warner was a third round pick. He wasn't viewed as some high, high end talent coming out of the draft. He's a good prospect. Um, so I think making comparisons to Warner and Henry's, you know, I think it's fairly close. I, I don't know, you know, obviously Fred Warner is the best middle linebacker maybe in the sport right now. 
So projecting a guy to become that might be a bit of a, a jump or a leap, but certainly he's got a lot of the same skill sets that Warner has. Cooper, he says, guess I'm not like most. I watch the Super Bowl loss every two to three years. Uh, I watched the Astros game a few times since, shaking my head. Oh, that's brutal, Gilberis. That's like going on the rack. DJ Jimenez says, it's just been, it's been long, so long since we've had an effective O-line. It's been so long, laughing out loud. It has been. It has been. Save the geese. Orange cats are the best as a Ukrainian. We just name our cats orange, which sounds better in our language. Yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue in American. <laughs> you know, it's not a quick one on that one, but uh, it's a great name. Hey, I named mine Pumpkin, Save the Geese. So I basically named her the, uh, you know, English equivalent of orange, if I'm going to name her Pumpkin. You know, it fits. Power Hitter says, a Duck fan, Sewell doesn't do it for me. He has been injured and his play never really impressed me. Yeah, another linebacker whose tape just didn't, very hyped up. I hear a lot about him. I, I came away from his tape really underwhelming. And boy, that opening week against Georgia at the start of the year was just brutal tape. Brutal tape for Sewell. Ethan says, I rewatched the MJ's game too, and that game was over the moment the Jays GM took out Gosman for a lefty relief pitcher, laughing out loud. Yeah, it was. That was good for us. Gosman was kind of locking in at that point. Jerome says, franchise mode has always been my favorite game mode. So it makes me sad that they put they don't put a lot of effort into it. Me too, man. I played it for years. I played Madden uh, for years. It was my go-to. It was my meditation. And I love the franchise mode. I love working out 10, 15, 20 years in advance and 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 what I would do and how I would, you know, roll it up. And it, it was it, they used to take it seriously. It was a fundamental part of the game. But they wanted to start to steer people towards the mutt mode. And part of me feels like it was kind of a purposeful approach on their part to sabotage the franchise mode in order to force people over to the mutt mode. And uh, I hate it. I think they would be smart to go back to their roots on this a little bit. And they would find that they would have a lot more of an active, engaged fan base in the game. Maybe not playing their mutt mode, live mode games, but they would be engaged nonetheless in actually playing their game. I wish they would. Uh, Megan says, if you don't get Miss P's weight down to a vet acceptable limit, you'll have to say Zorn is better at least five times every stream. I don't know. I can't commit to that. I have to, then I have to say no to her sweet face. I can't do that. Greg says, GD, we got a lot of Ukrainian viewers, myself included. Hell yeah. Oxness is worldwide, brother. Cooper says, Madden will not likely bounce back laughing out loud. No. That money, money is too good for them, right? They get a couple of whales coming in, spending all that money every year on the mutt mode. And it's like, doesn't matter about all the people that buy the game once, right? Only buy the $160 purchase. They become named, they become voices lost a little bit in the background as it becomes about the people that are dropping the big dollars on the game. And then it just, why should they listen? Why should they, uh, you know, change things? But I'd love to see if they did, man, Jerome. And I did hear there was a rumor. I think I saw like a tweet coming out that there was supposedly the EA has put down like a mandate to the people making Madden that like this year, you got to get this improved. This year, it's it's a make or break year. There's going to be major, major, major changes there potentially. I don't know if that's true or not. That's kind of a lot of big talk that they always put out there, but I would love to see it nonetheless. Cool Breeze says, if she wasn't fixed, you could have had some pumpkin seeds. <laughs> 
Nice. Uh, Mythical Pigeon. I watched that Arizona blowout game with Skelton at quarterback in 2012. Anytime I get sad as a Hawks fan. Nice, man. Where do you where do you see that game? Because I looked for full game footage of that game. That's the fifty. That's the fifty pointer, right? And I can't ever. I can find some highlights of the game, but I can never find the full uh, the full meal deal of the game when I've looked for it. I guess I could pull it from the NFL thing. They've got it on there. Ethan says, "Yeah, Madden franchise has a quote unquote salary cap, but it's barely that. You can pretty much easily build a super team. Exactly. That's why it's hard to do the." Let me do an offseason of me building a Seahawks. I'd build a super team up, but it wouldn't be realistic. You know, and I'd want to I'd want to do a video like that fitting within the bounds of realism, you know, not to just build my super team up. And they could get it right if they would just take it seriously, which they don't do. Megan says I play Madden, but I don't pay for it. Good. No one should. Not for that POS. Not for that POS. Power hitter, as I'm currently playing franchise mode, I fall victim to buy the game every year and I only play franchise. So to me, the game is dog shit. <laughs> yes, I still play it. I get it, power hitter. I did for years too, man. I did for years where I was getting the game going, you know, this this is annoying me. This thing, this part pisses me off. The pre-scripted mode that you have that you feel inside you is there within the game. Um, just, it all would drive me crazy. I mean, I used to go so hard with it, power hitter. I would adjust the clocks in the game in franchise mode so that the stats would fit and align out to what a normal NFL game mode would. So I think I came up with like 10 minute quarters would give you, if you're doing with the fast clock, would give you equivalent stats um, for like NFL seasons and stuff, right? Because you can't do the five minute modes if you're doing franchise and get the stats at the end of the season to kind of add up. But I would go to that degree with it. I would get that serious with it. Um, but I get it, man. I did the same thing for years, just kind of ho- treading water, hoping this was the year where it was going to get a little bit better. And uh, no, it wasn't. It didn't. A big country says MLB the show is the only good sports game I've played recently. Agreed. That's a bit better game. They do a better job. It's hard as hell to hit that ball though. If you, especially if you put it on just the normal settings, it's like, damn, dude, am, am I getting that old? Can I not react that quickly? Jerome Blossom says, do you remember when Madden had cinematic cutscenes? Yeah, I do. Back when, again, when they used to care, you know, back, back when there was an impetus to do so. But you know, Jerome, there's a reason why there's people that still go back to 2005 NFL 2K is saying that's the best all-time football game. It's like they've, that they have not been able to surpass that, which they've surpassed it at this point with the built-in stuff. But I think the point still stands is that if this franchise had been in a 2K and 2K is now becoming like NBA 2K is becoming more franchise NFL Madden like now as well. But that used to be a little bit one of those ones too that was held up in high regard for how good a quality they're bringing forward. But yeah, I remember that, man. You know, and it's it's weird that they don't take as much advantage of that. Like why they don't think they can do both. It's like they make the choice of either mutt mode, but then that has to come at the expense of the franchise. Why not bring up both? Won't it just make your game all that much more popular? And, and it's like they just think that there's the people that play franchise, so then they have to play the mutt mode. But as you're an indicator of, and as I'm an indicator of with this, no, I'm a guy that wants to just play the franchise mode. I go into mutt mode, and I got to play with a bunch of cheesers. That doesn't, that doesn't, I don't want to do that. Trent says, uh, that would be a great video. Brandon makes his ideal team with the current NFL salary cap. Exactly. I, yeah, that would go. I can do something like that. I'm down. I don't think the show's come out quite yet. I 
Ethan says, the MLB The Show franchise is actually good and realistic. Took me two whole seasons to build a great team. Not a super team, but really good. It's good to hear that they're doing that. I played with it a little bit last year. I might get the, I'll probably get this one this year too as well. High Heat was a good game. I remember that game. Greg says, I recently emulated the PC2 version of Madden 07 on my PC, and boy, it is a great game. They had some versions that were better versions than the recent ones that have come out, man. Undoubted, which is strange because you're like, well, 10 years further ahead, this thing should be so far surpassed. I mean, 10 years in technology is, you know, we should be light years ahead. You know, honestly, we should be at a point at this point where we're all basically in VR throwing foot, throwing, you know, virtual footballs around. Roxanne says, oddly, I've never played any video football since a friend of mine let me try their Kaleco Vision. <laughs> what is Kaleco Vision? Kaleco Vision. I mean, I've never heard of that, Roxanne. Well, you're missing out back in the day. You're not missing out as much now. I'll say that. Power Hitter. Well, I buy with the expectation the game will be the same. It sounds idiotic, but I love playing with the updated rosters with rookies and such. Bottom line microtransactions have ruined sports games. Uh, microtransactions, I think, have ruined a lot of all games. I mean, look at first-person shooters. There's Across the board right now, we are in the dark ages of the video game industry. You know, we will one day look back at this time as being that. And games like Madden or 2K sit at the head of that with their microtransactions. And I, dude, I used to do the same thing, Power Hitter. I eventually just got wore out with it where I'm like, it's the same game. The same problems are built in. The same issues are here. I did one thing at one point where it's like, if a guy intercepted a ball and, um, and you're running franchise mode and you simulated it and there was a one, one interception, there would always be two for some weird odd reason. And then that just totally skewed the stats if you happen to you know, simulate things. It was weird. Save the Geese has been watching Lost lately. Social media needs to be needs to bring that show back in the mainstream. It's a great show. It's a great show. I loved Lost back in the day. Kind of its own unique thing. There probably won't be another show quite like that one, you know? It's it's especially in modern modern age and whatnot with things. Megan says old video game console for early 80s B. Coleco. I, I've heard Coleco Roxanne, but it's not raising any, it's not, I'm not getting like a light bulb going on in my head. Here. What is Coleco? You know, I'm not sure what, what the hell, maybe it's going to do a little bit too far back for me on my whole brain. Joe Biden's big wish, Julio Rodriguez will be uh, on tap baseball 23. It's a mobile game, but still cool to see a Seattle guy get noticed. That is cool. He'll eventually be on the show too. He should be this year, quite frankly. Jerome Bossom says Madden's franchise mode doesn't even allow you to backload deals. No, it sets the deal up. You know, you can put the bonus money and then it's going to put the, the base and it's going to equal everything out. Yeah, I agree. They do do that. So many indications they don't care about it, you know. Roxanne is red dots. Okay. Let's go back. Oh, is Coleco the one with red dots? Not raising any bells. Grog says NFL 2K5 had a first person mode in 2004. The gaming industry has fallen extremely hard they have they've gotten greedy and they've not they've not gotten as much about pushing the ball forward you know it used to be every new game was trying to push things forward better graphics better gameplay improvement now it's a little bit of just aping what's already there and finding some kind of amalgamation that you can you can kind of cobble together which doesn't in itself make a great game sucks 
Uh, Herbicide says ColecoVision was so far ahead of its time. <laughs> Got some ColecoVision love in here. I love it. Ethan says free to play games that just get updates. We rarely get complete games nowadays. Day one patch to fix all the bugs. Yeah. It's like uh, there was that Battlefield game that came out last year. And I was kind of amped up for it because I was like, okay, I'm done doing some of these other games I've played forever now the last couple of years. And they're, this is supposed to be great. Like it comes out and it's, it's in like a, a beta state. And even now I think they've gone through like four updates and it still sucks. Stupid. Jerome says Retro Bowl is honestly better than franchise. I bet. It's not a not a high bar to clear at that point. Roxanne says Coleco, when they made the head-to-head, really upped it. I'm going to have to look up this Coleco because uh, it is, Roxanne, it's, I do recognize the name. It's just not ringing any bells on exactly what it is. Megan says, my main game of choice for mindless entertainments, Fallout 4, with all the expansion packs, which I had a bomb for. I had to pay a, I paid a bomb for working my way through it. I've heard that's a fun one. Someday, maybe I'll check that one out. Save the geese. Thank you for the $2 donation. It says vibes, man. Thank you, man. I love the vibes in here. Got some good people in my, on, my, uh, on my channel. That's for sure. Uh, Neutero, I could play Zelda game all day. That's a classic. Ethan says, yeah, nobody knows who Jazz Chisholm is. Big mistake. Sounds like a porn name, quite frankly. Uh, he's cool, but you have Julio to put on the cover. Come on. I know. That should have been a no-brainer for them. They would have sold more copies than Jazz Chisholm. That one's just dumb. Greg says, Retro Bowl is a goaded for a mobile game that costs $1 for the full version. That's awesome. I got to check that one out. Ethan's is like cyberpunk, which is like my kind of game. And while I had fun with it and didn't run into many bugs, it's still completely unacceptable to release something in that state. Agreed. Yeah. They call it, especially you're going to call it a AAA game. AAA game is supposed to be this thing supposed to be clean when it comes out. Or don't call it AAA. But, you know, they play with that term very loosely. Cooper says, I meant NFL Street. Let me run over Russ with Quandre. <laughs> Greg says, EA should be ashamed of themselves that one guy managed to make a better game like Retro Bowl. Yeah. It also shows how far they've fallen and how minimal amount of effort they're putting into the, into the games they're creating. I mean, the copy and paste that people talk about is what's happening. You see those things they've done on the cut screens where the people have copy and pasted on cut screens where they show that like you go to a practice field and there'll still be a 2021 uh, logo out there somewhere on the field that somebody didn't clear up on the back end because they were simply copy and pasting it over and scrubbing what was applicable from year to year. Um, it's lame. That's lame. And you're a poor name. It is. You know it is. Jazz Chisholm. Come on. Come on. You know what I mean? Wu-Tang says, I used to play a bunch of strategy and mill sim stuff but having an infant i sadly can't much anymore sad yeah that's the tough part those games will eat your life for those strategy games they'll suck you in you go hey 10 hours have gone by do i have a child still yes <laughs> yes save the keys thank you for that two dollar donation brother appreciate you drone blossom ufc4 is the only game i enjoy that may ea made recently that's one where they can't they can't quite find the way to bury in the microtransactions yet, right, Jerome? 
And maybe with aesthetics or something, I guess, you know, with trunks. FIFA, FIFA, I've heard still a good one news and analysis, Arturo. I've heard that one still one. I'm not a soccer guy, but I have heard that one is a legitimate one. I wish I was a soccer guy because I people love that game. Megan says, I meant what I said, be about P's weight. You'll be singing Jim George's praises. If not, I'll work her out here. We'll get her doing some push-ups. Save the Keys says, anyone miss Fridays at school talking about Thursday night Smackdown? The nostalgia is real. It is real. Jabroni. What's your name? It doesn't matter what your name is. Megan Wolfenstein's good. Doom. Those are two great games. Doom was an original for me. I played that one to death when I was a kid. I had so fun, much fun a couple of years ago too when I was working at Microsoft. I got to uh, do some testing on an emulator for a Doom, the Doom game, which was awesome. Yeah, Doom is an eternal straight-up banger. That's a timeless game. Timeless game. And kind of kind of a little dark before games got really dark like they have now, right? Kind of kind of went down that road of like, oof. It's kind of a dark game down here in hell. The BFG, aka Big Freaking Gun, was awesome. It was. You would light, you'd light them up, man, with that thing. Light them up. 360 Inspiration says, dream situation with our first four picks now that Gino is signed. Well, I'm going to just go back to the to the mock draft I ran yesterday on this one. And I don't mean to be lazy with this 360 Inspiration, but I really liked this mock. I liked it as a potential. Um, I like how it not only improves the team from a real talent standpoint, but it also addresses the needs of this team. So I go Jalen Carter and Cansey with pick five and pick 20, address the defensive line right out the jump. And then I come back in the second round with John Michael Schmitz, the center. And then I go out there and take uh, Dan Henley linebacker. So I feel like, especially if you sign Bobby Wagner at that point, you'll have got through your first four picks, not only getting the best players available on the board at that point, but also picking for what you have as far as a need goes. So I, I would, uh, I'd go with those four and I'm, you can see it here over my shoulder. If you're looking at the screen, um, on that right now, I'd, I'd certainly would be in favor of doing something like that. I love those players. Yeah. The brain's splatting everywhere in, in doom was pretty great. <laughs> pretty great. I never got to play the raw, the warriors game flag Sabbath. I got to check that out at some point. Joe Biden's make wish. I'm named after stone cold, Steve Austin. Oh, hell yeah, brother. <laughs> hell yeah. Mist. I remember Mist back in the day, Cool Breeze. I was playing Doom and Mist right about the same time. I, I never had the patience for Mist, though. It was such a slow game. Yeah. In tech world, Brandon, do you know of the mobile game Pro Football General Manager? It's freaking hard, but fun, too. I think you would like it. It's on mobile devices, much more realistic and fun in that way. I'll check it out, man. I'll take a look at it. I hadn't heard about it, but uh, I'm I'm mobile gaming is a little bit of where things are at right now. <laughs> if you're gonna look for a good game, so <laughs> save the keys. I remember my friend downloading Doom on Windows 98 PC. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Outside of Super Mario Brothers was my first gaming memory. And you're going from that. That was like indoctrination into PC gaming because you are going from like Mario Brothers and Zelda and cutesy gaming to. <gasps> Doom, right? Like a lot of just like, now you're in hell. Shoot those demons. It was a little more. Uh, it was a little more, a little more different level than some of those uh, Nintendo games, right? A little, little different speed. Megan just started playing Star Wars: Fallen Order. 
Nice, nice. I haven't, I haven't checked that one. I got a lot of games to check out right now. I really do. Really do. Star Wars Jedi Republic is a classic. Cool breeze. That's another classic for sure. Weirdly satisfying game is a good way to play it. Greg says mobile gaming was a lot better back in the early 2010. Nowadays, they'll flood you with ads and the games just aren't as original anymore. Still a lot of good games though. Good gems though. Yeah. And I'm still a guy at the end of the day. It's hard for me to do the mobile thing on this little tiny screen. I want my console. I want a regular size screen. You know, I just, I, what I want to see is the gaming industry start to get it in gear on that side of it. Give us some games back. Give us some nice quality games back. Roxanne says, used to love playing Primal Rage with my son. He would whoop my tail, but it was fun. Sega. 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 It's in the game. It's in the game. Remember that one? Now it's, if it's in the game, it's not in the game. That's what they say now. Cool Breeze Star Wars Battlefront was great on, on Xbox. That was a fun game. Beautiful graphics on that one too. That one really popped off as far as just a beautiful game. Kind of fun how they integrated to the Jedis and the battles and stuff and how that could kind of go with it a little bit. They had, they had kind of an inventive kind of way of going with the first person shooter with that which not many first-person shooters are doing anymore. That part's for sure. Spade, Donkey Kong, Dragon's Lair, Tron, all good games. Brian Kosky, I'm old, dude. I never played games. Anyone remember Pong or Pinball? Yeah, I do. Centipede, right? Centipede, Tron, Tron's a classic. Tron was the one I'd always go to at the arcade back in the day. I always go back to that one. Even says the best game in the last decade, Red Dead 2. I don't know if there's been a great game for me in the last two decades. I think Red Dead probably would be if I played that game. I'm not as much a single-player game anymore. I like doing the team stuff. That's my favorite type of game. And, you know, especially you get four guys together or more. I like that, that type of stuff. Save the Geese says, as someone that is getting older, it's hard to find games to finish. I think Breath of the Wild was the last game to truly capture that old-school feeling. Yeah, I mean, so you get some of these games like the Elden Ring, right? Where it's just like, it, it's almost uh, torture trying to get through to win those games because they're so hard. Uh, the level of difficulty is just insane on some of these ones. But uh, I kind of just fell out of favor of a single-person game, too. I just, I'm not as much a single-person. The God of War games and stuff just quite don't quite capture me as much anymore. I'm open to it if there's the right one that came across. Uh, we got uh, Flags Have a Dragon's Lair. I spent so many quarters as a kid not knowing what the F I was doing. <laughs> Crash Bandicoot, that's a good one. Space got the Donkey Kong has about 50 other games programmed into it like Pac-Man, Galaga. Those are all good ones. Super Smash Brothers. Mega says you can't, you can't win Elder's Ring B. Wow, okay. No, I, I never completed any of the Dark Souls either. I always got into those games and there was no way I was ever finishing those ones off. Too hard for me. I just don't have the patience for it. I tried them though. I did try them. Just wasn't very good at it. Wasn't very 
Good. Well, folks, we have uh, passed here about five hours on the telecast now, and uh, I'm just coming on the heels of about six and a half hours yesterday that we streamed. So the voice is definitely, I can feel starting to get a little bit raspy over here on my end of things. Let's uh, go ahead and we will start to maybe put a little bit of a button here on the stream today. I will be back though here on Wednesday and then over on Brandon's channel on Thursday. Wednesday, we're going to be looking at a dream off season for Brandon. And so what I'm looking to do with this is I'm going to uh, be trying to put a dream off season around, of course, the parameters of this Geno deal. And what kind of off season can I whip up from a dream aspect of things, from a potential aspect of things, from a hopeful aspect of things you guys will find out. So I will be putting that together over the next couple of days and kind of presenting that to you guys as we do find ourselves now on the precipice of free agency. The tampering period is March 13th. So we find ourselves now within a week from that time period. We're going to hear more about more of the moves coming down the track here over the next couple of days. And if there is a Bobby signing, you can better well bet your bottom dollar. I will absolutely be going live emergency stream style for Bobby Wagner. 100%. Uh, Flag says, remember E.T. on Atari? No, I don't. I did play some Atari games, though. Megan says, 7 p.m. here with a raging headache. Oh, you hang in there, Megan. I'm, you're a trooper today. I know that thing's probably was pounding on your head all day. Megan says, dude, best wishes of time ever. The best waste of time ever. Took me three years, but done it. Elder Ring? Yeah, it's just... It's, uh, <laughs> I gotta have more, I'm, I'm not a patient man when it comes to that stuff, you know? And I just... I, I died to one boss 50,000 times and I'm like, the hell with it, stupid game. Nobody can, nobody can beat this dumb thing. Uh, Jerome Blossom, The Walking Dead game was one of my favorites. I was always wanted to check that one out, never got around to it. Always did kind of want to check it out. I like zombie games. I was just doing some uh, Call of Duty zombies this last Friday with my brother and a couple of friends. Man, we had an epic run with it. Epic, epic run. That, was, that, that still is kind of a fun game to me. That's stuff I can still do. I like the COD zombies. Uh, Roxanne, roll. thank you for the $10 donation, Roxanne. I do appreciate it. You're finishing us off strong and right. Um, she says, B, you are a streaming warrior. Glad you are here for us. Well, I'm glad you're here for me, Roxanne. Um, with all the support and the appreciation and kindness that is brought to this chat along with the intelligence is always there. Um, I don't have any better chat in the, and there's no better chat out there on YouTube. There's nobody with a better audience as far as the level of support and kindness you guys bring every time um, and unfailing at that. I mean, this is so easy for me to do this because of how much fun it is to interact with the folks and all of you guys online as we're able to do in this realm. So it's it's my pleasure, Megan, or it's my pleasure, Roxanne, and I'm, um, it's very easy for me, you know? It's very easy for me when you guys are so cool and make so much of the, just always keeping me thinking, keeping me laughing. Um, I love it. I love it here. Greg says, back-to-back five-hour streams. You're a legend, Brandon. It's my pleasure, man. I had to do it. Had to do it. When there's breaking news, I got to go. We got to go. We can't go soft with this. We got to go hard. Ethan says, go Gino, go Hawks, go Mariners. Go all of that. All of that. I second that. I second that denomination. Uh, Megan says, not sure I'll be here. Depends on the migraine. No worries, Megan. If you could be here, that'd be great. And Roxanne, thank you again for that donation. I really do appreciate it. Thank you to everybody for all the donations here on the stream today. We had a tremendous amount of support, but we always have a tremendous amount of support from you guys. Very, very much appreciated. Joe Biden's make wish says, thanks for the Hino, uh, the Gino stream B. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, brother. Thanks for uh, joining in. Thanks for watching, guys. 
appreciate it. Does free agency start tomorrow? Asked Daniel. No, that will be March 13th is your day of tampering. Technically, free agency starts March 15th, but your day of tampering is March 13th. And yes, we will be live on March 13th, even though now our Seattle Seahawks have no money to actually spend. <laughs> oh, big countries, it's time to free to the hey, let's go, Hawks. Go, Hawks. Greg Kemp, have you played Spyro the Dragon? No, I haven't. Is that a good one I got to check out? Space says, thanks for the emergency stream. Well, my pleasure, Space. And thanks again for uh, last night. You dropped like $100 on the donos last night. So thank you so much for uh, being as kind as you were on that and all of your support. Mega says, love you, B, and the 12s. Thanks for putting up with me and my migraine, which had me scrambling to stay on top of the chat. Well, thank you. Love right back in your direction, Megan. Nothing but 100% pure. Appreciate you always doing the Lord's good work out there here in the the chat, keeping things cleaned up and clear and uh, the trolls outward bound. So uh, hang in there on that headache. Take care of yourself. Keep the fluids going. Keep the water going. You know, do what you can with it. But uh, hopefully we'll see back here on Wednesday. Juan Garza, defense, hopefully with our first pick. Hopefully that is the case, Juan. If they don't go quarterback, I think it's all but a certain that they are going to go defense. And I think defense is probably the likely pick at this point. Uh, Flag Sabbath says, uh, gets my sewing drive into work far more entertaining. Seriously, never stop. <laughs> I'll check it out, Flag. Two days in a row, waking up to Hawks Nest Stream, fantastic. Gets me through my snowy drive to work for, far more entertaining. Seriously, never stop. Hey, man, my pleasure, brother. My pleasure. You watch, I broadcast. And we will continue to do that, no doubt about it. Power Hitter, have yourself a good night, Brandon. It's been fun. Give Pumpkin some treats. She deserves it. She will deserve it. Megan's got me thinking about a diet time for her now, but I, I'm going to have to give her at least a couple treats after the stream for being such a patient, good girl here throughout. Uh, Megan says, helps when we have the best host ever. No treats for Miss P or you'll be saying Jay-Z is the best. Well, look at her already. Look at her already. Look at this. She's already doing cutesy moves to get her salmon treat. She knows what time it is. She knows I'm being, you know, she, she heard her name being talked about. She's like, what's up? Salmon treats? You said salmon? I'm here for that. What's up? Salmon, salmon, salmon. Somebody say salmon. I like salmon. I know you like salmon. Yeah. Uh, Jerome Blossom, I love Dead Rising. It's a silly, it's a silly zombie game, but it's a fun, that's a fun zombie game. That's a, that's one that I played a couple of iterations of that I liked. It's a good one. Cool breeze, stay dangerous, y'all. Seahawks country, ride, ride Seahawks country. Uh, news and analysis from our, with Arturo. It says they should pick up Brandon Pill from USC. I don't think I've taken a look at Brandon Pill as of yet, but um, I will add him to my list. And I will be uh, Arturo. I will scout him. Check back in with me on Wednesday and I'll let you know what I thought as far as a, a breakdown of him. Megan says, no treats, pumpkin. Or dad has to tell me how good Jim Zorin is. Look at her. She's just, she's looking up at me right now with sweet eyes saying, salmon? Salmon? Well, I don't know if I can say no. Don't. Just don't. She's getting shout outs, you know. Arturo's shouting her out. Uh, Daniels is uh, combine done draft around the corner. Can't wait for your coverage. You know, I'll be here every day, all day, all day, every day. So we'll be rolling with this going to the future. Daniel, I appreciate you watching, man. And yep, pedal down this off season, folks, more streams than ever. It's coming your way. Get ready. Strap on in. Uh, Megan says, don't screw with me and a migraine. It won't end well for you. <laughs> That's your choice. B. Fair enough. Fair enough on that. 
Very well, fair enough. Well, thank you folks again for a wonderful stream. Um, at the end of the day, this was a, a, a good deal for our Hawks because our Hawks are going to go for it next year. And that always puts a bigger smile on my face, knowing whether we're going to get to the Super Bowl or not, whether we're going to be able to get on that road and, and get to the point of raising a Lombardi trophy, who knows? But I'll tell you this, we're going to try for it. We're going to be in on it. And in a wide open NFC West, who's to say what exactly will happen and way that, the way this will all bear out?